So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Now, guys, I have been busy doing what I need to do for big plans ahead, and I cannot wait. Big expeditions coming up, and I cannot wait to be back traveling and recording people's wild stories along the way. Like always, for any wild adventure, I'll be going to Wild Earth Australia because, as we know, they only stock the best of the best. And I can't thank Wild Earth enough for always supporting me and the adventurous lifestyle. Now, guys, if you need any gear for your next adventure, running, camping, climbing, hiking, you name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code MYDIARY. That's wildearth.com.au and the 10% discount code my diary, all one word, capital letters. And also a big thank you to Crescent Head Brewing Co. Always support small business. And when you come to our little town of Crescent Head, stop by the tavern and try Crescent Head's very own local beer. Two beers to choose from, a crisp lager or a fruity XBA. Remember guys, when you come to our little town and you're hanging down the national park beaches, remember, watch out for wildlife and take your garbage with you. Okay, now this episode just leaves me speechless. It's a long one, but I can tell you now, you'll be late to work sitting in your car to find out what happens. It just doesn't stop. It just gets wilder and wilder. Once again to the podcast, the brother Patrick Stanton. Now he was from the episode that we did called Denali. Now we all remember how freaking good that one was. It was absolutely insane. And this time, Paddy has gone next level and he pulled off something incredible this episode will leave you absolutely speechless we were joined by rio and another great friend hugh they had both heard about what patty had done and i couldn't not invite them to the recording to hear it so to get a bit of a picture in your head i've put a post on diaries of the wild ones instagram with a few of patrick's videos and some root photos of the mountains so you guys can really see how insane this is it's just wild. Now, do me a favor, guys, and share this one everywhere. Okay, now sit back, get comfy, strap in. This episode just builds and builds. Listen to the end. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy. All right, man, I've been, um, I've been so excited for this one because Patty... When you were with us last time, you know, if the listeners haven't listened to this one, Denali, it's, it was one of the biggest listen, like listen podcasts that I've had. Yeah. It was insane. We got so many messages about it. It was about you climbing Mount Cook and then going and climbing Denali and everything just fucking happened on that. Remember those, those Russian, was it Russians? Polish people fell off the mountain. Yeah. That story was so freaking wild. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so you've just, you've just got them back. And you've just gotten back from Pakistan. When you're on the podcast last time, you were telling us that you had another plan. You had another plan in mind and you've gone and executed it. And it's just like the whole thing's insane. We don't know anything about it yet. So we're sitting here. We've got Hugh here. Hugh's another Lennox local. Say hi, Hugh. G'day. How are you going? Yeah. So basically, we were playing Frisbee this morning, playing with you, Rio. Mm. Say hi, Rio. Hi, Rio. <laughs> <laughs> Rio is high, Rio. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, we were sitting there this morning playing frisbee and then Hugh came down. I was like, 
And he's like, is Paddy here? Everyone just wants to hear the story. Everyone just wants to... Man, all my friends have been hitting me up going, Paddy's back. Oh, my God. They just want to hear this oh, story. So, so flattering. Where should we even start this, Paddy? Because the last time I saw you, you and I were running the lighthouse together mm-hmm. because... You know, obviously, I want to try to get as fit as possible so I can climb some mountains. You were trying to get as fit as, fit as possible because you're about to go climb a mountain. But what was the plan? What did you do? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, it's crazy, like, looking back at it now. Because, like, when I was training, there was still, like, no guarantee I was going to go on, go, oh. make it to Pakistan. You know, everything. It was, like, the end of COVID and everything. And I, there's still, like, so much uncertainty. Yeah, I guess with you, I was just like, when I did the podcast last time, I'd had some friends like sort of reach out and say they're planning on going to Pakistan to attempt G2, Gashbrum 2. So I, I was like... So that's, that, that's one of the 14 peaks, one of the 8,000ers. Yes, I think it's like, wow. oh, I don't know what number it is, like maybe... 12th highest or something yeah. 8035 um, meters yeah <gasps> it's up there yeah so they like reached out to me about that trip and um so two of them um alex and elia i'd climb with on denali they were the ones oh mm. my god so you went with them again yeah i went with those guys again <gasps> okay so, okay yeah i was like pumped when they like reached out to me but the the biggest thing was yeah like there's two other climbers older climbers jack and paul who um had some that they're, they're, they're sort of like in their 50s and they had they had some more experience climbing 7000 meter peaks paul had been on some 8000 meter peaks but had never quite summited but yeah, the style that they said they were going to climb in was, yeah, unsupported from base camp onwards. Yeah, so, like, that means no Sherpas, no porters, and no oxygen. And that, like... No oxygen. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah. No. Where, where does the death zone start? How many metres? The death zone, like, generally people say it's above 8,000 metres, but it's actually from... The guys that I spoke to, it starts closer to, like, 7,500 above that. Well, but, um... Yeah, so, like, the way that, like, when they, like, sort of mentioned it to me, it really excited me. I wasn't sure if I could make it possible in the time because... Weren't like, you nervous? These guys are reaching out because how long was it had it been since you'd done Denali? It's been, like, three like or four years? Three, four years, yeah. Well, so and these guys have reached out and, like, wanted yeah. to do one of the 14 peaks. Did, yeah. Did, did it, you... What was your self-worth? Like, did you, were you questioning... <laughs> 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 You know what I mean? Like if someone asked me, it's like I'd be questioning if like I could do it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just not like, Patty. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, believe me, I was questioning like myself because you know in those years they mm. like they'd been still climbing, going to New Zealand, and staying reasonably active. I think they'd done um, Lennon Peak and uh, Mastagata which is a mountain, like, near China or something. So, like, yeah, I was definitely thinking, like, I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with these guys, but I was keen to give it a crack, um, right. especially after the podcast, the f- like, the last one, because it just kind of, like, reignited the fire. And fortunately, like, the timing with everything was just, like, I was just, yeah, lucky enough that they invited me. I sort of was in the back end of finishing up my house, doing some renovations and... And I'd sort of saved enough money to make it happen. And yes, I started training with you and started starting, started doing as much as I could to train for an 8,000 metre mountain in flat 
Australia by and by. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, wow. yeah. Mm. What do you have to do? <laughs> Train for an eight thousand <laughs> meter? Like, yeah. Were you doing anything other than running the lighthouse? Man, you should have seen the first time we did that. I thought I was going to throw up. Oh my god! And then like you do it a couple of times, you, you get the hang of it. When I first did it, I was like, oh my god, this thing kills you. And Patty was just like, he's like. You just don't stop. That's the whole thing. Just don't stop. <laughs> just, like, oh. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like, yeah, I did the lighthouse, but I thought I can't. And all like the tracks, as you know, like clo- closed from the floods. So I just um, actually signed up to do a triathlon with my cousin. And I just thought I'll just get as fit as I can like, and do mm. that. And I mean, that, like in hindsight, it's not the best training. <laughs> it's, in fact, it's not doesn't really help that much but um i'm sure it's better than nothing i suppose if you're gonna like well yeah like everything uphill and then if all those small muscles in your back like if you're gonna be carrying a pack for so long Mm. you know like were you training them yeah i mean that was like probably yeah like i one of my biggest regrets was that i didn't do enough pack training like with a heavy pack um I, I d- did a lot of running, swimming mainly, and not a lot of like weights or weightlifting or anything like that. But yeah, I kind of wish in hindsight, yeah, I'd done more pack training and probably more tried to put on a bit more weight. Did you did you go um, meet up with the guys before you left? Like before you yeah. did the trip and did you see like what their fitness was like? Yeah, it was cool. We like had a meeting in Sydney where I met up with them. It was the first time I met Jack and Paul. It's like kind of like a little bit intimidating when you're when you're doing something like when you're doing a big jump because Denali's like 6,200 so like generally you go 6,000 meter and then you do maybe like a 7,000 meter and then you do a couple of them and then an 8,000 meter and I think it was like I recognized like oh this is going to be another big jump but I mean yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't climb for f- three four years so I thought I've got to Take the opportunity. Yeah, I've got to take the opportunity and I've got to sort of, yeah, pull my socks off and I'm just going to, yeah, <laughs> just chill yeah. out. But yeah, it was intimidating in a way meeting those guys. Like when I met Paul, he had a lot of experience and Jack as well and, and Jack's reached out to shake my hand and he's, he's missing three fingers. But yeah, <gasps> it's like these guys have like real, you know, the Why good and the bad missing? and the Why ugly Why is he missing experience. three fingers? So he, on it. On a separate expedition to me, on Denali, it was actually on Denali. He um, he he was climbing and yeah, he he he's like Jack. He's half Polish, half half Australian, uh, and he he's just like a. So he's grown up in the cold part of his Polish. Yeah, he grew up in Poland. Um, he's got a heavy accent, but he um, he's just like. He he is, and Polish climbers—they're so hardcore. But I think he on Denali, he just was just going for the summit, and he didn't even realise how cold his fingers had got because he was just that driven to summit. And then, in his words, he got back to the tent and took off his gloves and was like, "What the hell?" Like, and oh, anyway, what was his fingers just black? Know. Yeah, so they don't—they don't go black straight away. They—they're sort of like flare up and swell and they go almost like a waxy waxy sort did of did that scare you oh. like when you well when i wasn't with his, him when no 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 when you shook his hand down in sydney <laughs> like <laughs> seeing <laughs> like <laughs> seeing like potential consequences did that <laughs> scare you but you know what i mean or does it excite you uh yeah i'd probably say more scare <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like you're looking at you like sh- shakes your hand you're like oh, holy yeah. shit like there's some serious consequence mm. here if shit goes wrong yeah we're just like i guess it's like a 
a rude reminder of like the risks and like yeah I play guitar and like love music and using my fingers <laughs> as most people do but yeah for sure like seeing that it's like a just a pretty hectic reminder but like to his credit he's lost his fingers and he still loves the mountains and he's not going to let that define yeah. him how does he climb yeah. without fingers um well it's only on one hand you i think it's three he lost yeah he still has dexterity he's still got um, like, finger thong, like which fingers yeah. did he lose Sort of like his, I think it's like his middle sort of three. Oh, fuck. Oh, no, so the, he's the just, back end. Oh, yeah. my God. So he's only got a yeah. finger, like a, a main finger and a thumb. Uh, that Yeah, as his main sort of. Yeah. So he just pinches his way up the mountain. Yeah, <laughs> with one hand. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Were they looking fit when you seen him in Sydney? Yeah, they they look fit and they look strong and, and confident. And, we yeah, we just had a meeting where we just met for the first time, me myself with the older guys was it more to um, see like i suppose because if you're going to do something so freaking extreme you're going to climb an eight thousand. is it you need to know that you can like rely on the guys yeah. that you're going with i suppose you already need that camaraderie or like you need to know where each other are at yeah it's like a funny thing it's like you're meeting someone and it's it is strange because you know at some point this person you're gonna rely on them to um you're gonna trust them with your life and they're gonna trust you with theirs and I think a huge amount of that was like trust with Elia and Alex that they trusted those guys that uh, I was cool yeah, and yeah, I yeah. trusted them that they were yeah. they were like cool they knew you and yeah, yeah. And they knew them and yeah because you blah, really yeah. know your mates so it's like if they they put their trust in someone you're like oh yeah yeah so it's kind of yeah. like an interview you know because it's like if you met him and he thought he's got I don't like these guys yeah. you wouldn't have gone huh yeah maybe I mean and maybe the same for them I mean but you can't really fully psychoanalyze somebody within an hour of having dinner so yeah. i mean a lot of that you sort of we learn we on the on the on the mountain you really get to know someone but yeah it's kind of like an interview in a way it's yeah it's a very like yeah it's a funny you're sussing out the other person sussing out what they're like and what was your was initial thing did you just say yeah i like these guys yeah yeah of course like, i like them enough to go on it and i i trusted them and they seemed to know what they're talking about they've done a lot of research on the mountain a lot more than me and they they had experience and like i mean that's the thing it's like more than anything, if they have experience on mountains, then that sort of speaks for itself. And they they'd summited seven thousand meter peaks. So, wow. do you reckon they were nervous with you, like ha- having not done an eight thousand before or a seven thousand? Do you reckon that made them nervous? <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon maybe, yeah, because they're like, "Who's this guy come down from Byron Bay who hasn't climbed for? <laughs> 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 he hasn't climbed for like four years or something." It's like I don't know, and. I definitely feel like amongst like the guys, I was probably a bit maybe like the loosest. Like I don't know. Yeah, like, but you thought that last time. Yeah, you know I, I think mean? like yeah, they're yeah. you know they're yeah. they're getting married, they have families and things, and, <laughs> and they're pretty straight dudes for the most part. But um, also, yeah. but in saying that too, they got more to lose. Yeah, for sure. They yeah, they've got families to think about. Mm. I mean, um. Which not not all like Paul is a single bachelor hunk. Like is he the three that, finger but, guy? Um, no, Paul Paul is uh, a, uh, the, one of the other older guys. But um, yeah, it's like if you I guess if you're going into the mountains with a family, you have mm. extra stuff to think about. Maybe more responsibilities. But yeah. Do you, yeah. is there psychological 
preparation that you can do, Patty? And like, does it, do you do it as a as a team that you do, or is there none? Is it just something you? Yeah, I get what, like so. I mean, I guess like the preparation with training, like it's all trying to build your mental toughness in the lead up to it, and I guess that's where. You know, if whether that's psychological preparation or not, I mean, well, it's like not stopping when not you're running stopping, the lighthouse. Yeah, when we're running, up. I think that's like doing stuff like that. I know all the other guys did that sort of stuff where they'd really do a, a crazy long trek over the weekend with heavy packs. And as a team, unfortunately, I couldn't participate in those training things because I was up here. But yeah, that's the sort of thing you're trying to do. You're trying to sort of harden yourself mentally as much as physically before you leave because like it's more it's more so a mental battle than even a physical one because your body is adapting as you sort of start but yeah in the lead up no no real like sit down chat i guess we were just basing it off previous experience um and vouching from what alex and elia had told about each other and so what what was uh, the plan so like, did they already have the plan? You just joined. What was the plan? Yeah. So the plan was, and through Paul and Jack and the other experienced guys, they'd organised base camp support. So a company to help us get to the base of the mountain, which is, it's located. Gashabram is located in the Korakoram next to K two, and in that oh valley. Oh my god! Uh, can you see K two from it? Um, from the summer, I think you can. I couldn't on, the, on, on, on the my valley. day, but I think you can, but you walk past it. So Gashabron's other name is K4. So it's, <gasps> yes, it's that. in that sort of range, but it's like, lo- so it's located up in the mountains from Islamabad. You fly into Islamabad, uh, via Doha and like the Middle East. And then we had two options we could fly to Skardu, which is this mountainous village and it's like a two-hour flight or we could take the bus eight hours um even before we got on the bus it was like pretty chaotic with everything we like we had to get drums because you put your food in drums and then you strap the drums to mules oh so yeah. you're using mules to get in yeah so like yeah, and it, like each mule has like a weight, like a certain amount of weight. Like so, before you sort of think, it's like everything's loaded up on it. It's in the intentions of the guys, to like keep it light on each mule. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to. You ha- from from um the first town. You have to. It's a hundred kilometer trek to base camp. Do you, do you do the mules just take all your gear there? And you guys, or do you just walk and they take all your shit? So we were taking. We we would take the gear. We take our personal gear. Probably, normally have like a maybe like sixteen kilo pack. Yeah, and then the other things we'd put uh, on the mules in these. Yeah, in these drums, in these plastic drums. But we didn't have them when we first got there, so we were like in Islamabad and going to these their bazaars. They're called like, yeah. and it's just like a crazy market where there's like thousands of people just running around and just like like mules and and like camels and all sorts of crazy stuff going down. Because wow. you're not just going to climb a mountain like where you're immersed in nature. You're going to another country with a whole other culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? How sick is that? So it's not just like, because when you think, oh, they're just going to do this mountain. It's like, no, they like go to freaking Istanbul 
yeah. go to the bazaar, yeah. buy yourself. Is that what about food? Like we use food for the mountains. We use getting that in the bazaar as well. Yeah, so we were going around to yeah the bazaars and trying to go to shopping malls and just get whatever we could. But just some of the places we were ending up just trying to get these like drums were just so, so funny. So wait, what was the rough plan? So it was like fly to Istanbul, get on the bus. Um, uh, Islamabad, yeah. Islamabad. I mean, yeah. tr- get on the like, get everything you need from the yep. bazaars. Get on the bus and get, then head to Skardu. Skardu. Then, yeah. then it would be mules to base camp. I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah, and so then base the, camp. There's heaps of le- like to get. No, before that, there's even more journeys. So, so you got to plan all this before you go. So you got to. Yeah. So and a lot of it had been planned through the company that was helping us get to base camp. So right. most of the things in terms of like organizing jeeps and um, the mules is organized through these. It's called. Um, uh, blue sky tours and they mainly do trekking but they also do um base camp support for mountaineers but we had to get gas because we can't fly with gas so we're next minute we're in islamabad and we had to find these drums organize them and then we had to find like high altitude gas and that was such a mission because like like you're in the city and in, in a third world country and you can't it was so hard for us to find this. We what spent like four days. Gas? Is it those little gas cylinders that you, yeah, you the, screw the top? But is it a different gas to normal gas? Yeah, exactly. It's just like high performance gas. Like, it, but, but it was just hard because everywhere was sold out. Like any little, I think there's like one or two mountaineering shops in the whole of Islamabad. Oh, wow. And everywhere was sold out. But in the end, we yeah, luckily got our hands on some gas after like... Yeah, spending days getting taxis all around the city. Were you getting nervous? Um, oh yeah, we were a bit worried because we were thinking we haven't come all this way and we, and then not be able to summit without gas. Like that's it. That's the end of the expedition if you can't get gas. Like, what are you gonna do? Because you need to boil water. You need to make food. Do so, you do freeze dried when you're up there? Yeah, yeah. So you did you get that in Pakistan as well? No, I brought that over. Yeah, you can't get ah, freeze dried. I was over wondering. There. Yeah. So yeah. Wait, how it's much did you have to take? Because isn't Gashiram too? Don't they say it's like fifty, sixty ga- days normally for an expedition? Yeah, that's for an expedition. But so the food that you that we had to bring over freeze dried is the the food we use from after base camp because food was provided to base camp. So I took fifteen days food. I, oh, okay, I you, t- you took 15. for the climb for from base camp up. Mm-hmm. So okay, 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 we'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> so so we get this stuff and we hop on the bus and this this is just the bus from Islamabad to Skardu, and it's normally about a yeah it's normally supposed to be like a a I think like an eight or nine hour drive. Um, and the drive is insane. You're on the on the Silk Road, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Yeah, like, a car and it's I, dangerous man. <laughs> it's like, oh. so we're in we're in <laughs> this bus and we start heading into the mountains and stuff and then it's getting late and we're thinking oh, we should be there soon and then we didn't realize but there'd been a landslide on the main road that takes you to Skardu, like a huge landslide and they're like oh we've got to take this other way via um a town called gilgit which is like Gilgit seemed to be like a real like army orientated town and it's quite close to the border of Afghanistan. So, oh, and then we, uh, we're going into these mountains and we just start, yeah, seeing like just guys and you don't know who they are or what they're doing, but they've got an AK-47 and they're just wearing normal clothes, like, you know, like their yeah. custom clothes and 
you're just thinking, are they like, are these guys farmers? Are they, what are they? Yeah, or what's <laughs> happening that people need to walk around with AK 47s? Yeah. And then you, uh, and you sort of give them a smile and they just like stare straight back at <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, please just smile like back. Look into, yeah, and you're like, oh, fire out. But so we're going into this and then it gets late and they're like, oh, we've got to stay in this, yeah, hotel in, in Gilgit. So we pull over and we stay the night there and this, like, just the accommodation was just far out. <laughs> it was like, we were, put it this way, it was, we inflated our mattresses and used our sleeping bags because it was just pretty... Just very You wouldn't want to get in the beds. Nah, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, we didn't want to get fleas. Like, yeah. Yeah. Be- bed bugs. Yeah. Imagine being on a mountain with bed bugs. Oh. Oh. Well, that was <laughs> Denali <laughs> for me. <laughs> you had bed yeah. bugs in Denali? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I was covered in them. But so we're, so we're on the bus. <laughs> we're on the bus the next day and we start driving. And the guy, we're asking the bus driver, like, you know, how, how far? He's like, oh, one hour, one hour, maximum. Oh, they always hour. say that. They're like, it's just up here. Anyway, we're going along this road and landslides start happening. <gasps> and the roads just been ripped away in parts so like and we get to this main one where there's just like a boulder like probably are you seeing like landfall yeah rocks falling and shit you're and, watching and we, this and you're driving you're yeah. seeing shit like this yeah and we get so and they, they just happened just before we got there was is it just like one single lane road through the mountains it's this road's actually it was okay it was like sealed but the problem is over there they just like they you wouldn't build a road there in australia like they'd be like not too dangerous but over there they're just like yep no worries let's carve it through and the chinese like help invest in it and then they'll build a dam or something but they're these crazy roads just cutting uh, there'll be a massive river on your right side and you're just cutting into the side of the mountain and the drivers they'll They'll go through parts where they just gun it because yeah, they, they know hook. that there's landslides. They'll just hook it. Like, so you'll be cruising, oh, you're cruising, fuck. and then all of a sudden you'll be like, what the hell? And the, he'll just put his foot on the gas and just, like, be, like, banging it around corners, and you're in this mini bus, like, what the and hell? And is there traffic coming the other way? Yeah, and they and, oh, and they fuck. use horns differently over there. It's not like here where you beat when you're pissed off. Over there they do it because they're like, we're about to do something dodgy. Yeah. So they'll be like overtaking someone. They'll quickly do a little beep and then do some crazy maneuver. Oh my God. But we get to this rock and it's like the size of like my truck. And um, it's just in the middle of the road, half the road's down the side of the cliff. <gasps> and there's no one there. And we're just like, what the, how are we going to get past this? Like, this is going to take days to get past this thing. Anyway, a car shows up and these four guys get out and they've got dynamite in there. <laughs> no! no! <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm just like, I can't believe this. Were they there <laughs> yeah. for that reason? Yeah. So yeah. they're the dino boys. They were there to it, fix it up. Clear. Yeah. So, because the rocks yeah. are so big and like some of it's like granite. So it's like solid rock. It's not like sandstone. Some of it's so solid. And just the scale of these landslides, I can't tell you. It's just insane. Like just... Yeah, the size of the rocks that have come down into the, and then they fall down into the river. But these guys get out and they proceed to like drill a little hole in the rock and they've got the dynamite just laying around and one's got a sea in his hand just <coughs> having a smoke. And I thought, I've got to film some of this. Like, and 
Oh no, the boys were a bit reluctant to get close, but because there'd been a landslide yeah. and and more rocks can fall. I remember seeing this on your story. Uh, yeah, but I I was a bit r- risky and I sort of got the GoPro and I got close and filmed some of them and had a bit of a chat. And um, anyway, so they proceed to drill a hole in this rock and then fill it up with dynamite and then it, they're just like everyone get back, get back, running back and then yeah, next minute just boom, just blow up this huge rock. Just yeah. shrapnel just it, flying it, oh, everywhere. Just rocks going everywhere. And then that causes like other little... I'm just there thinking, I'm talking to the boys. I'm like, if this is the drive in to Skardu, what the hell is the mountains going to be like? I just kept thinking this. And then Paul, the more experienced <clears throat> one, um, he, he goes, yeah, and apparently the road from Skardu to Ascoli, which is the next town along, is even worse, and you're in Jeeps, and there's no sealed roads. It's all sheer cliff, and I'm thinking, I don't know how it could get worse than this. Like, Oh, my God. Anyway, so they blow that up, and then... And then a front-end loader turns up, and then the guy just picks up these huge rocks, and he's just throwing them off the cliff, just straight down this cliff, just massive rocks. You might have seen that in my story. I think that's what I said. And I'm yeah. filming it, this guy. And, like, they're so brave, these guys, because... There could be another landslide any second, and they're just in there, just literally in the firing zone, just cleaning up, clearing the road. And then one guy there, I was talking to him, and I got a video of it. He said when they were building the road, a person died for every metre of the road when they were building it. What? And I'd absolutely believe that, hey. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I filmed him. He's saying, yeah, every metre of this road, someone has died. And apparently people die all the time on that on those roads. But anyway. Hey, let me ask you a question. Like yeah. if, if you – like there's a road cut, right? Yeah. Closest to the side of the mountain. Like mm-hmm. there's like an angle or like an L shape. And then the road goes flat, right? Yeah. Okay. So if a big fall was coming, would you just dive into that road cut? Yeah. So they, they would say that. Yeah. They'd say if there's a fall ah. and that get close to the cut and get, get in close to the rock. And some people were like standing back, but like, that's what, that's what the workers were saying. Cause yeah, apparently it's safer. That yeah. Way. Well, fuck. Yeah. It's going to go past you. Yeah. It'll go over you. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not, in some parts yeah. for sure. I was on this, in this bus in um, Bolivia, going from Bolivia to Peru. And I remember it was saying like mountain roads with, and they had to keep stopping and shoveling because they were like yeah. kind of sandy, clay, like, I don't know what it was, but it was just, say, cut out in these mountains and just sheer drop butt. Yeah. And like, we'd pull up and they would shovel out a bit of the road and then keep going. And I remember like looking down because I had the window seat on the like, on the, on the drop side. side. Yeah. And I just remember like looking down and it was like a foot. Mm. next to the wheel until oh the drop off. God. And I remember sitting there and like, you'd see him swerving around stuff and getting closer and closer. And it got to the point where I just shut my eyes and sat back and go, oh God, if I man. die on this thing, you know what I mean? That's just what's going to happen. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, and just sitting back and keeping my eyes closed and just like, like trying to just hold on until it was over. Yeah. Cause I was just like, I was convinced that like, I was like, they, you know, it's going it's to fall at some stage. Yeah, it's very much the same thing. <laughs> you get there. real bad turbulence yeah. in a plane. Uh, you're just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to sit and breathe for a second. Fuck. <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, all right. So uh, you're, you're on your way. They've blown up this rock. Yeah, but like this exact same thing as you did. Like the, on, the, on the right side, you look down, sheer drop down. And they blew up this rock, started clearing it, and we're driving across it. And like yourself, I, I was looking down, sheer cliff. 
And not only that, it was looking at where the landslide had been, and there's a massive crack <laughs> oh, along no! the road, like through the thin layer of bitumen, and it was like the neck, like the road the was next, about to go. That's going to go. Like that was going to go. But and then you're taking your bus over it. And then we're taking the bus over. So we go over and then we get to another like landslide. So there'd been five along the road and they could clear three, but two, the whole road had gone. Like the whole oh, thing had gone. No. And we're going, we'll, we'll go back to Gilgit. We're staying there. And, and um, the, the driver, the Pakistani driver, is like, no, we cross here. We cr-. I'm like, are you serious? So we do these crossings and like some of them you just run, like everyone's running as fast as you can because it's still active. And you're just like, and like I was, what like, he, was he unloads the bus and gets everyone to run everyone across, and then he drives and carry the gear. No, they left the bus, and then they then they'd organise. They'd be paying a car that was trapped in between, oh, between. the two, oh. and then you drive. But a couple of times we had to walk. Like at one point we had to walk like eight k's with our bags. What? Yeah, yeah. And all your shit, yeah. your drums and everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, and then we had to like you'd have to go back and grab like yeah drum or grab like. Yeah, how many bag. k's in between like the two landslides? So it's like, well, you, the longest was eight, the eight, and there was no car, and there was no car the stuck. So then so we you walked, had to carry that eight. Carry. You did that eight yeah. k's a bunch of times. Yeah, oh, we only did that one once, I think. Uh, and then some of the bags, they said, we'll get, we'll get to you in a couple of days. Oh, so we just took like as much as we could, oh, like the essentials, smart. and then, um, oh, but, yeah, dude, smart, it was, it was, yeah. It was did you take the gas? Um, I think we may have, yeah. I think we just took the essentials and like some, you know, some luxury gear we left back. But then, yeah, fortunately, once we got through all that craziness and got to the final landslide crossing, we got another minibus that had met us on the other side. And Matt, yeah, made it our whole way to Scarto. Holy yeah. fuck! So this adventure is <laughs> yeah, like literally, honestly, man. It's like it started like yeah, the second we you got off the plane. But like, was this I making you more it. nervous? Like, were you thinking like, oh, yeah. like shit's going wrong? Like shit's going, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where you're about to do something skits and you get a few things happen. Yeah, yeah, and like, oh, I almost forgot a pretty important detail some climbers had actually been injured on that road from a land from one of those landslides one of the one of the buses got caught up in it and they had to go back to islamabad um some other climbing expedition so we're hearing about this along the road and we're just i'm just thinking like what if the, yeah this is the sealed supposedly safe road to skardu um and we got to Skardu and we go, we're flying back to Islamabad from Skardu. We're not going on that road. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that road again. Like, I, I've experienced it now on the way in. I don't need to go again. And all the boys are absolute agreeing. It's like, You're like if the road's is like, risky, what's the yeah. mountain going to be like? Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. So we get into Skardu and Skardu is like a pretty beautiful sort of town in the mountains. Very basic. The more you go in the mountains, the more sort of backwards in time you go where there's, you know, people aren't, n- not no phones or like reception really anywhere. You got, it's a real struggle to get Wi-Fi anywhere and there's blackouts all the time. And when there's blackouts in these towns, everyone fires up the generators and then they get really polluted. It's, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, kind of crazy, but 
yeah, get into Skardu. And that's like the last real decent town. And we stayed there for sort of four, four or five days, I think. Just And that's good because it was at like, I think like 3,000 meters. So we started to sort of Climbs. started acclimatizing did, a little bit. Did you bit. start feeling it? Like, as it, like, did you get out of the bus and you're like, oh, I'm at altitude here? Yeah, yeah. We started feeling it a bit at times, maybe like a little headache here and there. And then like, yeah, the whole time heading into the mountains, our main priority is just not get sick from the food because you, you just got to be so careful. But unfortunately for one of the guys in the team, we stopped at this restaurant called the Moon Restaurant. Uh, and it, it's like, it's crazy. There's like like hundreds of people and just tables everywhere and, and open cooking. And they're like, you know, they're... they're they're killing and doing all the chickens in front of you. Like, just, it's so hectic. But, yeah, one of the guys ate a kebab, like a chicken kebab or something. And I did too, but for whatever reason, I didn't get sick, but he got so sick. So then, unfortunately for him, for the rest of the trip, he oh, literally no. was, like, struggling with food poisoning. It was, yeah, oh, I felt so God. bad. That was Jack, oh, yeah. No. Yeah, the Polish-Australian. But, yeah, so then, where, where was I? We're in Skardu... What are you staying in? Is it just like hostels? Yeah, we, they had like, no, they had like a little hotel that they just built. I think they built it during COVID. It was a very basic, like basic hotel, but it had Wi-Fi, which was good. Everywhere they say, oh yeah, it's hot water, but you don't get hot water anywhere. Like it's just all cold, no matter what. You de- you're pretty lucky if you're going to get it. I think yeah, it just how did you just fully get used to it? Eh? Like, yeah. I remember in, in India and Indonesia, the same thing. Just like, there'd just be a bucket, you know, with the little scoop. Yeah. And you fill yeah. the bucket up, and just be a big bucket. And it's just bucket showers. Yeah, but it's warm. It doesn't, it no, doesn't, it's cold. It, it, yeah. No, no, but I mean, oh, the in, place you're yeah, at. Indo like, if India. you're in Indo, well, you India want a cold wasn't that, that um, up in the north. It was cold, uh, you know? Yeah, like yeah, have you sure. in like where you are now in Skardu, Is it cold? Like it's three thousand meters. Yeah. But are you like what temperatures are we starting to hit? Oh, I couldn't tell you exactly. I mean, it is definitely starting to get colder. Like there's snow-capped mountains all around. I couldn't tell you exactly. Like cold enough to throw on a is sort it of beautiful? Jacket. Like is it like nice yeah, nature? Is it just beautiful. like trees and stuff? It's just... beautiful and trees everywhere. Unfortunately, there's a lot of pollution there. You know, uh, like I, I think it's like a luxury, in, I guess. Australia for them to, for us to get rid of rubbish pop properly over there they just tend to burn it or just throw it in the street which is kind of sad but um it is beautiful like the rivers are beautiful and, and there's a few lakes and the mountains are just so beautiful and wow. we're like we climbed a couple of little ones in and around Skardu what's yeah. a little mountain the the little little mountains oh just, there's no no particular name we just sort of like go out on a we'd see something and then we just go oh let's go do a little not, not we wouldn't go so as high as the snow line but we'd go up to like the rocks sort of thing and thousand then, feet or something yeah something like that and how yeah. wait, how was your body feeling like on those first ones were you like looking at you and everyone else how it was feeling like starting to do that with the high altitude yeah like I were mean, you struggling at all were you fine like um I was okay like maybe a little headache here and there but comparing myself to the other guys i remember alex and elia their calves i don't know what training they were doing but they looked like they had chickens on each calf like they they were so jacked yeah like their leg training was insane like i wish i got a photo of it because it actually looked ridiculous how big their calves were i remember thinking like far out i'm gonna struggle keeping up with these guys because i didn't do anything like that oh but um so how many how many days in now are you guys at Skardu? We're probably 
we'd been at Skardu for four or five days because we were waiting to then get Jeeps from Skardu to Ascoli. So then the more gnarly road, <laughs> yeah, the more gnarly road is coming up. So these Jeeps show up and... and um, Shut up. I'm sitting on my hands. I'm like nervous. I know. Yeah. yeah no. I just know what's coming. Oh, I know. I was nervous too. I was thinking wild. the last road was crazy. <laughs> and we hop in these Jeeps and we head off and we're crossing these bridges that are just... Man, the bridges there are just so hectic. They're also, there's a lot of suspension bridges where it's like wire... And then they've got the timber lugs going along and you're driving along it and it's springing up and down and you're just looking at it. And, and it's so, I, I joke cause they'd be like a sign saying like, uh, you know, the new bridge and then they'd have like 2000 and, uh, 2020. And I, I just say to the boys, I'm like, they've just repainted that. Like <laughs> <laughs> this bridge is like. There's no way this is like only two years old. And I swear that's like every time they paint the bridge, they just like change the date and <laughs> like make it. That. But like, yeah, so the bridges are just insane. Some of the bridges had come down and then they'd go like full four-wheel driving through like a little river. And then, yeah, the roads are just in awful state. Like just because like it's not their fault. It's just that the rock and the land is just so – it's constantly moving and changing. But – to be honest, fortunately, we didn't have uh, any landslides going from Skardu to Ascoli. The road was gnarly. Again, like you're looking down, sheer drop. But hey. we were pretty lucky in terms of like that it stayed together. And nothing was too too nuts. And we made it to Ascoli. Yeah, after I think it was like eight hour drive in through the mountains, weaving and so ducking, going the, over these bridges. Is this the last town now? Before the base camp, like. yeah, Ascoli's the the last town, and then and and by town it's like a little village. It's not even a town. It's it hasn't even got like a supermarket or anything. It's just like some mountain farmers who grow rice and apricots and and uh, and that's it. There's no like n- no electricity, and it's very like oh, it's, so, yeah, like yeah, shit's like, getting real now. Like you're starting to get mm. like I'm loving the. Pre- progression of yeah. like getting into the, like the mountains you know what i mean it goes deeper and deeper roar and roar you know yeah, yeah. and it didn't <laughs> colder yeah. and col- colder higher and higher like it's just like you just are you start like like while i'm picturing it i'd begin for me per, i'd begin nervous as fuck yeah you know what oh, i mean like, yeah. like exciting as well. i know you just yeah, like yeah, yeah. oh mm. so like at this point getting a scully like how are you feeling are you feeling capable um, so I'm, I guess, uh, probably feeling what you were feeling <laughs> saying it's like, I, yeah, definitely getting more excited and a bit more nervous and you start seeing more of the mountains and getting what's crazy is you're going through a detail I forgot to mention is you're going through army oh, checkpoints because wow. where our mountains are, it's actually in an official war zone, but they're in a ceasefire with India. So... You have to go through all these checkpoints. And another reason is because after the Taliban took over Afghanistan, hundreds of thousands of Afghanistani refugees flooded into Pakistan because it's right next door. So there's thousands, like heaps of Afghanistanis over there at the moment in Pakistan. Can you, can you they've tell taken the refugees? On. Yeah, you can. They look a bit different. They've got blue eyes and it's really, Whoa. yeah, and, and beautiful dark skin. And you can't, like, 
You can definitely tell for sure, but there's plenty of them. But that's the reason why the security is so hectic in the mountains and you have to have a liaison officer with you at all times from the army with you up to base camp and then after base camp you're by yourself. But it's pretty crazy because you, you're going through these mountains and then you're in a checkpoint. And then what scared me, at one point we're at a checkpoint and then I just hear this massive blast and look over and mountain just like exploded. And I'm looking at it and then one of the guys came up and he's like, the Pakistanis are like rubies. Like, so they blow up the sides of the mountains to get all the gems and rubies. But it's crazy because you're just hearing like blasts. Yeah. And apparently when they do it, then all these guys will like rush in. There'll be like 30 guys at the, you know, the dynamite will go off and then they'll just rush in and just like, it's a free for all. Oh my God. Yeah. But, um, so that was a crazy thing going in because you just like, just wouldn't happen in Australia. Which is life. <laughs> yeah. Different yeah. Like, yeah, and the, there's no like bureaucracy or red tape. It's like, oh, there's rupees up in this mountain. Let's go blow mm. it up and... How are they money. living? Like, how are the locals living and the refugees? Are they just in, like, little huts or, like, Oh, it's tents so or... sad, man. They're just, like, intense. They'll be... They they do whatever they can to survive on very... Li- man, like, on very little. Someone was telling me they live on 200 Australian dollars a year. A year. Oh, shit. So... And is it cold for these people? I mean, like, they're in a cold place right now. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of them pass through the mountains and get in, and just get to the cities. But yeah, apparently, like a lot of people have died passing through the mountains, and uh, and that's really sad. But like for a while there, I think Pakistan was taking them in, like they were kind of open. But then when we got there, they started tightening it up because I think there's like almost like a a few months where they allowed them in. Yeah, is it like is pretty full on like the the army presence there. Uh, and they take it very seriously. Like you can't oh, yeah. take photos or videos if there's anything even around, which is hard because there's so, often times where there's a beautiful mountain or something, or really just something cool, and I couldn't get the camera oh, out because wow. you don't want to yeah, get in cause, trouble. With it. Yeah, because like they could, you could be using that footage to plan routes to get around them and stuff. Yeah, hey? but and that and that also made me feel safer, and all of us feel safer because. You know, if there was, you know, some other militants, like it's good because the army there is pretty they're solid. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. and they take that, they're really proud and nationalistic. Like they really love their country and they want to set a good example to tourists and change their image. So it's in their interest to take care of tourists and mountaineers oh. um, because they realize the money that we bring into the country. Like a lot yeah. of these villages, even though it's once a year, a lot of these villages, that's their whole livelihood. Yeah, did you have wow. to pay like a national park fee or a fee to climb the mountain? Is there like someone you get yeah. a... You pay uh, like $1,500 yeah. for a permit in Pakistan yeah. for, for each mountain. And then on top of that, you spend around sort of $7,000 on base camp support, which goes towards, yeah, it goes towards the drivers, the porters, some accommodation. It just, and it's good because it just, yeah, it, 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 it feeds the so whole cool. eco- economy sort of thing, just yeah. that money. And like I said, it's so cheap over there. Yeah. So like a guy, some of the guys only work, yeah, once a year and then for the rest of the year they'll go back to their farms and sort of live real Oh, peaceful nice. easy and then yeah like once a year they'll go into the mountains and live hectically for like a couple of months and then yeah it's it's kind of cool yeah so we made it to Ascoli and then we start we went to another campsite after that i think it was a jola um from the top of my head 
and then we start the trek, the hundred k trek into the base camp. Have you like when you get there? Do you meet the donkeys and stuff and like load your stuff up, and then what? They they just leave. Yeah. So you get there, like, you get there, and you, you, you what we do before we'd set out each day is you you pack up your tent, and then you you pack all your bags, and then some of the mountain um, porters they call them like the guys who have the donkeys and things. They will then grab your bag and they'll distribute the weight evenly amongst all the donkeys. But they have the toughest job, man. So you get to hike with the do- donkeys, um, like as a group. You're all hot going yeah, together. Yeah, we're all going together. So, and then I like early on in the piece, I was like, I I felt so guilty about like. So I'd just try and carry as much as I could. <laughs> like so, on the first day, I had like oh, just a stupidly heavy pack. And a guitar, I decided to take a guitar with me, which all the boys thought was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> like, we're going to go, you got a heavy, and then and then you're not going to strap that to a donkey because it's going to break in two seconds. So yeah. I strapped it to my, the side of my pack. Just carrying that weight, I like, on the first day, you'd be surprised it was hot. It was so hot, like like 40 degrees down low wow. in the mountains. Oh, my God. Because the sun reflects off the mountains and into off the, the valley. And then you're down low just in like a little valley with no wind and we were just cooking. And so I, that'd oh be man. so cold at night then too. It'd be the opposite. Yeah, Freezing. it's the opposite. Yeah. So you go from oh, – I couldn't believe it. I was just walking just going like I did not do my research enough on this trek in. Like I underestimated it so much. I thought – I did, I did a bit on the mountain, a fair bit, but then I didn't realise that the trek to G2 is the longest base camp trek you can do out of all the 14 mountains. Wow. It's the, like, the, you know, Everest base camp is... I was asking, like, the Sherpas from other expeditions. They're like, no, nah, it's like, you, you're doing the longest one. And, like, one of them was pissed off about it. He's like, yeah, I'm pissed off this year because I got, like, the Gashabrum Mountains and we have to oh, go Oh, to be first. a guide at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he was guiding um, someone. Um, but, yeah, so we're going through these mountains, and early on in the season, because the mountaineers get there before the trekkers, there's no real path. It's really undefined. So, Are you seeing the mountain yet? We're seeing the mountains. We're seeing starting with 6,000-metre mountains and 7,000-metre So you're, you're walking through these valleys looking up at these huge mountains, like up yeah. at the world's biggest mountain range. Yeah. You look, you're starting to see them, but you, yeah. you can't see Gashabram yet. Not yet. And you start, it's it's exciting because you see like Trango Tower and some other famous peaks and you're looking at Are them. Are they making you nervous? They- yeah, a little bit because you're sort of thinking like, well, that's big and we're going bigger. <laughs> and like, Whoa. but the trekking was awesome as well because it's like the energy is really cool because there's other climbers from other expeditions and you'll stop at the same camps and then you're all sharing stories and some of them are going to K2 and climbing. And is it the same trekking for K- K2? K2? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Do so you get to see trek. K2 as well? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> we, we, yeah. So, so you walk by K2? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We walk past K2 and past the base camp. Oh, because you really? Yeah, that's, that's how far into So, because it's the same valley, because it's K2, yeah. K3, K4, because it's yeah. like Gasherbrum 1, Gasherbrum 2. Yes. So, Gash- it's, yeah. And they were, yeah, all different names, but like, yeah. So, we're all on the same route in. It's cool. Like, you're meeting like just Russians and all these cool, like, Nepalese Sherpas. So, you get, a, like, I really got along with them. And it's just such a cool 
yeah, you, even that is you, such an adventure. Are you meeting guys coming back the other way that have summited? No, nah, not at that point. It's too early too in the early season. Early so all the season, ma- the mountaineers yeah. are going into the mountain sea. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Okay. So, and is it like 8,000 metres, is that from the valley floor or is that sea level? That's from sea level. That's from sea level. So at this point we're trekking and some days we do like, we do get like sort of 800 metres of elevation from camp to camp. And I believe there's uh, four or five camps along the way that we'd stayed at over a period of around four or five days. What's the altitude? So, um, so you're going from around, we climb from around, I think, 3,500 maybe up to um, Gasheron's base camp was around... Five thousand meters. So, Shit. so the trek's so going hundred kilometers, and and you sort of go that elevation. But you know, the thing is, a hundred kilometers here in Australia is like not a lot trekking because you got a great path. It's all reasonably flat. But there, we're on a glacier, so you're sort of going up and down, and it's like a permafrost with rock and stone, and you sort of like. And there's no track, and at times you, you're literally going through just like ice and stuff, and trying to work out the way through these mountains. And even when it's hot. Even when it's hot, yeah, it's all melting. It's all melting away. Oh, yeah. So does that make it more dangerous when it's melting? Yeah, I know, like I know one German trekker on our way in broke his leg because a rock fell, just might have twisted, and we saw him actually in a restaurant, and he'd broken his leg and. Couldn't get a helicopter back because they're really difficult in Pakistan to organise. So he had to come the whole way back on a mule. Oh my god! With a god. broken leg, oh, and that would have been hell, just bouncing around. Holy um, shit! And um, <laughs> yeah, like the trek in can <laughs> be dangerous in itself. And then these guys who have the mules, they're trying to. They'll be on the side of a cliff face, and they're trying to push this mule in the right direction, and there's no track, so the mule's all confused. And so it's just like, a, it's just cr- even, the, you know, the trek in, I'd advise anyone just like to do the trek. It's in, insane and it's tough. It's not easy. So well, this is actually kind of cool um, climatization as well. Yeah, it's great climatization. And I, I was, yeah, carrying too heavy a pack and I burnt myself out this one day. And one of the guy, one, one of my Mexican, older Mexican friends from another expedition who I met, he, he gave me some great advice. He just said, look, like, save yourself for the summit for the mountain like you're on the base camp track and i know you want to you know and I, I think it was like a matter of pride we were trying to carry as much as we could and be as pure as we could but yeah i took his advice and i was happy i did that because i reckon if i had kept trying to carry like a super heavy pack then so early in the piece i would have just burnt out on the yeah. mountain were you, were you uh, like getting nervous of how hard the trek was and you realized you haven't even started it the yeah. reason why i'm asking all these nervous questions because it's like yeah. i'm freaking it. out yeah no I, man to be honest that's like my biggest fear i think that's why i like like doing that, <laughs> thinking about gasheron 2 or k2 or you know one of those it's just like fucking scary i was climbing this like rock face the other day just having fun oh get up here and i got to this point where i was like kind of stuck and you just have to go no matter what and so you have this section that's like it was like a two or three meter section that there was like if i fucked up it was yeah serious shit and you had to just go with your body and commit like like let your weight go there and just go for it and i was like fucking shitting myself and i was thinking like these mountains, you're doing that the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. The whole time. It's like, it scares the fuck out of me. 
Yeah, it's oh, my bad. Yeah, I'm not me. The whole thing blows me out. I don't like going uphill very yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even at the mountain yet. Yeah. 100k. Oh my god. Mm. Are you, what about blisters? Oh, Have you trained like walking oh. in your boots and shit? That's good you asked that because I had some hectic blisters on my feet. I just wore the wrong socks early and then they just, and like, because it was so hot, we were sweating and whatnot. And yeah, I had the worst blisters on my feet and they were just wrecked. Like, I was pretty wrecked going along. I was pretty wrecked when I'd get to some of the camps, like, just along the way. I'd get there and just be like, far out. Like, if this is just the trek in, this mountain is going to be so tough. But yeah, it's good training, like going in, and that's why you do it, really. Like, yeah, that's what's good about it, and you can sort of acclimatize and get fit along the way. How's it, how are you guys going as a group now that you've been through all this stuff together, and then you're camping at night, meeting other people? Like, how's the dynamic yeah. going? Yeah, no, we sort of started to get to know each other a bit better at this point, like because you'd share a tent with one of the guys from the team, and you change it up and sort of change who you're staying, like who you're sharing your tent with and then you'd pack it up and you start to get a sort of feel for like... Wait, how many tents did you have between... Did, the whole... Between five of us, I think we had um, three tents. So, so someone that... had their own and then t- um, two sets of two shared. And then was the plan when you did climb to trade tents or did you all take a tent each? So the plan was, and the way it was set up at base camp, we each had a tent to ourselves. And then, but above base camp, it would be to share uh, two tents. So in one tent, there'd be three guys, and in the other tent, there'd be two guys. Um, but what if, like, something mountain. happened and someone needed to go down or stay in a tent or whatever, and then the rest of the three. We, <gasps> we also had a. We, had, we took. We honestly took, I think, I think it was six tents that were just ours, and then the company provided um, five more for base camp. And then, and then, so we had a series of tents because the way, the fashion we were climbing was to, because we we're climbing without oxygen, the plan was you can't, with oxygen, you can just go, if you really want to, you could just go from base camp to the summit. You have oxygen, you don't really need to acclimatize. If you have unlimited oxygen, that's just what you do. With us, because we were climbing without oxygen, you have to do a thing called rotations where you climb from base camp up to say 6,000 meters that was actually and then back down and then you climb the plan is you then climb again for oh, your second fire. rotation up to around 7,000 meters and you come back down and then you do your final push to the summit so on the rotations you're supposed to plant caches, plant ca- caches and, and set up tents so for your third rotation you, fre- you, you rest you have a nice big rest in between each rotation maybe like a week and you gps marking it like and how- you, you mark it with gps yeah you and you you'll do your tents bomber so you're supposed to yeah you climb and it should be there are you, are you yeah. like could they get snowed in and covered of course and stuff? yeah so and i'll get to that but um yeah like <gasps> you, you can you can set up a tent and you can do a cache and then yeah maybe yeah a base camp and a and in in our case on one occasion yeah there was like a, a five-day storm uh, and our camp one got heavily snowed under. Not too bad. Like, it was fine. Like, the tents didn't break or anything. But it, it's just hard because then you've set it up and then you go again and then you've got to dig it out and you end up spending a 
couple of hours and that just burns your energy because you're on a shovel just digging and digging yeah so like the other style you can climb in is like an alpine style where you take a lightweight tent with you and you take it with you the whole way up but no matter what if you're climbing without oxygen you have to do rotations and you have to acclimatize because if you tried to go on your first attempt to eight thousand meters you won't make it or you you'll have a high altitude sickness like and ah, right. you fit your body can't adjust to that what's altitude so sickness called again i think there's haste and hape yeah um yeah. All sorts of weird things. And this is all on one day, that you're going up, you're coming back down, back down another 1,000 metres and doing the rotation. Yes. Yeah, so No, not in one day, over so, like two months. No, over, over, over a period of weeks, yeah. you're supposed to do it. You sort of do... Like, and the distances are... The distances are... Like, the scale of where you go is so big. So, like, you can't possibly, like, go from, like, base... Like, unless you're some freak mountaineer you can't go from like base camp to camp you have to do a camp each time and so yeah when we i I gotta start i gotta start from where we were when we got to the base camp so we set up our camps and then from base camp to camp one there's so there's for listeners there's base camp we have our individual tents we have a chef, a local Pakistani chef who we pay to provide food and things. What are they cooking, like little cur- curries? Little, little curries and all sorts of like, yeah, very basic yeah. meals kind of. A lot of mutton, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they will actually bring the sheep along or they brought a bull at one point. Uh, and you guys ate They the did a halal ceremony, yeah, oh, right yeah. in front of us and they just... It's pretty full on. Like they just, yeah. Like there'll be like six guys, and they all come together, and they and they share the bull amongst the other camps too. Like all the companies sort of come together yeah. and go, all right, we'll all chip in on this, and then we all help do it. So there'll be like six guys tying up this, yeah, and it's pretty full on. Um, and yeah, I I feel it's very strange because like it's their culture and things, but yeah, you feel for the animal. I remember like just patting. This this mm. bull and just like trying to well, calm its, its, its nerves. It's only it's natural safe, to feel for it. It's like yeah, you know what I mean. That's life. It's if, like if you're a vegetarian, yeah. could you do this? If you if you're a vegetarian, yeah. could you? Oh yeah, there's plenty of vegetarians and vegans who climb mountains. Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely. I think the first woman was a vegetarian to do all the fourteen highest mountains but but the thing is it makes it one of actually one of my team members vegetarian but the the problem is it just poses a big challenge for them to get their protein because it's hard enough even eating meat to get the protein because you're getting so little because it's hard for them to get into the mountains so then it's a real challenge for them i think and like, do they like have like energy rich foods or something like that? Yeah, I there think so. They have these yeah. special sort of um, freeze dried. Like Alex, I think brought some extra mm. things with him I, to supplement that. Are you feeling good at this time, or like are you starting to feel like low energy, like nutrient? You know, like you mm. just done a hundred k hike as your body sore. Like, are you, yeah. or are you or are you feeling ready to go? Yeah, my body was sore, but then we got there and you had we. I think we had like a. F- five days rest just to recover from the trek and then we started so from camp base camp to camp one there's an ice fall which is if anyone's familiar with everest the kumbu 
Yeah, oh, that's cool. And they put the ladders across. Yes. <gasps> so there's one of them, for, for, which off. we, in our research, we didn't realize how hectic this was going to be. And also, in times gone past, it hasn't been as bad as it was for us. Because of like, just that, like, there's one guy there, Scottish mountaineer from a company called Jagged Globe. And he was, he's like, he's in his late 50s, early 60s. And he said he'd been coming there for 20 years. He'd done, I think, he summited G2 twice. And he said he'd never seen it so bad. And it's a different mountain to what it was, which is misleading because like from our research like g2 is supposed to be one of the easiest of the 8000ers but the ice fall and in particular so just so to explain an ice fall is at the bottom of a big glacier where there's a steep run and the glacier breaks up into ice massive chunks of ice and it moves during the day the thing will move yeah, as and the, change as the sun hits. and it's a maze. It's like a maze through ice and there's down lower on it, there'll be rivers and water during the day. And it, so the plan is you're supposed to go during the night when it's solidified and solid because during the day it's quite dangerous because it's all moving. So, and on, on Everest you see it when they, you know, they've got all the ladders tied together just on yeah. a rope across these things. I'll tie like two yeah. or three or four ladders up together and you just they're just going across with your crampons on your you know the spikes on your feet on and you, they're trying to walk and yeah. crawl across it across these like glaciers pretty much like if you fall you're falling down into a big crack in the ice with cold like, rushing water or fr- like you know you're falling oh, into the abyss how big are these crevices in that so they're big they're like some of some of the crevasses um they can be as wide as like 10 meters like and then as deep as you can see. <laughs> um, and like, are you roped in? So, so we ro- oh, we rope in, man. and then in particular. <laughs> so you just rope to each other. How hey, a line. The thing is about the style in which we're climbing, and also, on so on Everest they have ice fall doctors, which is like specialised Sherpas who work their way through it. And the Kumbu is a, a, a fair bit more complicated than um, the Gashabam ice fall. But they have guys who are dedicated to fixing through their way and like setting the route through that you follow and putting down ladders. On G2, there's no ice fall doctors to do that. So you've got to sort of work it out your way through it. And it goes for about seven kilometers. And then it's, and then it's got about 800 meters elevation. So, so we do like a reconnaissance where we like we wouldn't take anything but we just try and work out our way through this thing and and what you do is you place wands you put like little flags to try and and other expeditions would do it as well which makes it easier and we'd try and follow other expeditions through this ice fall and work it out but our biggest and you pro- don't have a guide with you no guide so you're doing it on guide you're getting there to this and no one's no one has previously crossed it that you can see there's flags that they might have or mm. whatever and then are you setting ladders? Are there ladders hanging out? Or like what the? So, so fortunately, is, it just, is on, it just the five of you guys now? That's it. There's there's five of us um, doing this. But so the first reconnaissance, it was just myself and Jack, the Polish um, Australian. The other guys were pretty exhausted, and I think one of them was sick. So we said, "You guys rest. We'll go and we'll do a reconnaissance. We'll follow another expedition's head torches through the darkness, and we'll try and work out our way through this thing." So. When we do go for camp one through the ice wall, we know where we're going. So we did this, 
Um, we went headed out, and I just yeah remember thinking like, "Whoa, this, like this is crazy!" Just the, the shape of the ice and everything's and how big hot? overhangs, and then you get to points where because it's quite hot, low down on the mountain, it's just massive rivers flowing, and that you have to cross, and it sort of carves like a, a a crevasse sort of thing through the ice, and yeah, just th- going with Jack, I just like remember being like, "I'm really in it now." Like yeah, you know, like what what yeah. temperature are you uh, getting into now? Like uh, now we're in the minuses. We'd be like down to minus, and you want it to be cold. Like down low on the glacier, it only get down to like minus five, so it's not that cold, which is not good. Well, you want no, it, no, you no, want it's it to cold, be cold, but not for us. And sometimes <laughs> it wouldn't like... even be minus five. As I'll tell you, a big problem with the way we we're climbing. Well, it's not a problem. It's just the way it was, because you have to do so many rotations. You have to do three rotations, guaranteed. Like really, if you want a summit, which means you got to go through it three times up and three times down, yeah, so that's six, six times, times you're passing through. If you, if we were a heavily sponsored um, or a rich client who could afford to have a, a Sherpa and porters, you could just go through it once. You go through the ice fall, um, oh twice. Sorry, you go through your Sherpa carries some of your stuff. Your high altitude porter carries some stuff. Um, you know, he might have gas and then you only need to go through twice because okay. we didn't have that. We had to go through minimum six times. Because you had to plant your cachet, you had to take your gear every time. That's right. And then I think in the end, the amount of times I had to go through this, I think it turned out, counting now, I think I went through it 10 times. So what was it like going over? Do you remember, like, did you have any scary moments or what was it like going over? Like, were you climbing over with ladders, like looking straight down? Okay, so the first time we climbed it as a team, it was really exciting for us because we're getting ready to do it and then we heard of a famous mountaineer um, called Dennis Arupko, a Polish mountaineer who's climbed all the 14 peaks without oxygen. We heard that he was around and we are all excited. Anyway, he just walks into the tent and we're like almost starstruck. We're like, oh my gosh. And he goes, he's like, hey, I heard you guys are leaving tomorrow. Can I come with you? <gasps> no. And, and, we, and we were just, I, as a joke, I said, I was like, no, no, no way. <laughs> we're, we were already a team. And then all the boys are like, shut up. No, of course. Like, of, course <laughs> of course you can come. So for our first time, we set off. We were the only team during the night. We'd done our, me and Jack had done the reconnaissance. Sort Did of. you get much sleep? No sleep. I can't. I, I could not sleep early in the piece. You're just laying there just going. Well, because you're so scared. And also you, you got such a big yeah, night ahead of yeah. you. You leave at 10 o'clock at night. You leave at 10 at night and then you climb all through the night till around 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning. When you were going up, and you're putting... Figuring out your way through, was that always at night as well? Always at night, yeah. So, so this whole thing, not only is yeah. it gnarly as fuck, yeah. you're like doing this in the night. You, your yeah. headlamp wouldn't even be able to see to the bottom of the crasses. It'd just go no. to the darkness to the abyss. My God, yeah. this is like, make it. let's well, try to make it harder for ourselves. Yeah, and all the, all the climbing pretty much in, on G2 in Pakistan, because Pakistan is very different to Denali because it's very hot. It's actually yeah. very hot in summer, so you want to just climb at night. It's very hot but until you get to about maybe 6,500. But we're going through – okay, so we're going through the ice fall with Dennis Arupko, this gun mountaineer. Like this guy has Wikipedia. He's, a, he's, he's been interviewed. He's one of the best mountaineers in the world and a purist, does it alpine style. He was attempting to climb 
all four of of the Pakistani mountains in one season. He was going for a record. But he set off with us and we head off and it starts snowing and we're going, this is shit because you can't follow any tracks that you've that have been laid down and then everything's getting covered and then you start going into deep snow and then... And you don't know what's underneath. You don't know if you're going through snow bridges. Yeah, you don't know. And he's roped up to us and we're going quite slow but steady. And then it goes from being about minus three to zero to one to two and it starts raining <gasps> and we're in an ice fall and like that's not what you, where you want to be when it's raining and Why is the that? snow is slippery no the ice warming. will just let go it's the ice warming. will just start falling everything will move so we're going through this thing and we're trying to work out our way <laughs> we haven't through even it. started yeah. yet man. this yeah. is insane dude are you scared? I we were really scared in the beginning on the ice fall, like especially <laughs> I. And you know what made me scared? When Dennis said he was scared. Is this the guy that's amazing? Yeah, he's amazing. We we're crossing this snow bridge and we we're trying to. We were almost through the ice fall, which is like the real steep part where there's yeah ice falling, <laughs> and yeah, it gets you onto a big uh, plateau, like a big glacier, and then. And then once you're on that plateau, it's sort of like a ramp, but it's a bit less, you know, there's less obstacles. It's a bit more straightforward, but we're almost through the ice fall, but there's one more part to go. And we got to it and we realized from when we'd done our last reconnaissance and Dennis said it as well. He goes, there's been a massive ice fall here and it's changed. So the last little step, we were trying to work and we were exhausted because we had these big, we made a mistake by taking all our heavy stuff and we're trying to Could, do. We like oh, for okay, you were put stuff one. up there. Yeah, we were going to cache our stuff at Camp yeah. One and come back down. And we're going across this this bridge through the ice, and Dennis is just he's just going. I am scared. I am scared. He's like, and I just at that point, I like. Like there's a- crevasses everywhere. The snow's melting. Ice is falling. You can hear crazy stuff going on. You're exhausted. The sun started to come up, and we're going. It's oh, only going to get hotter. Holy fuck! Yeah, you're in a minefield yeah. crevasse. Yeah, and we're just like, and we got to a point where we just go, have to turn back. No. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. The last no. one. Yeah. Yeah. The last yeah. one. Yeah, before the plateau. So that's back. why this guy's so go good back. too. So, and he said as well, and. That made me feel better, but like, man, there's so many things that happen that I wish I'd film, but you just, in those moments, you can't film them because you just, Mm. not, it's not what's on your mind. And we just turn around, unfortunately, and we came the whole way back. That you know things are melting on our way back down, and like um, how long it was does very it take? hot after the rain because rain on ice after heavy snow, it's like the worst. And it, oh, it took us. We got back to camp base camp yeah probably the same time we almost would have arrived at camp one so like did you nine. leave so any of the heavy shit on the on the way up we didn't case because you can't case in an ice fall because it moves during the day so if you oh, if you so bury you something it. you run the risk that you're gonna lose it forever yeah. and it happens all the time people do that they go oh we'll cache and it's just a risk but if you cache if you bury like some important equipment you lose it that might be the end of the expedition so we bring we brought everything back oh, down yeah. and it kicked our ass and we we, were all, we got back to camp and the only reason Fuck. why I didn't feel totally defeated was because Dennis turned around too, who's like an esteemed like world class mountaineer and 
And yeah, we just got back and we were just like, well, that kicked our ass. Couldn't even make it to camp one on the first rotation. Yeah. You, you know what, though? What you know that guy, why he's so fucking good? Because he knew. You know what I mean? You know, he's done 14 peaks, right? Yeah. Okay, the hardest stuff. Has he done them all? And, yeah. Fuck. But he's smart enough to know when not to do something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's well, why he's there. Yeah. That's why he can keep doing it. And that's why we didn't feel as bad, but it was more like a brutal lesson for us. A, not to go out when the weather's supposed to turn, you know, questionable or shit. Uh, and B, don't take heavy, heavy, heavy packs. How are you getting like, your weather reports? So we do that through Garmin InReach or our, my friend's brother, Alex's brother, would send every day. Like, just send it. Like, we'd have weather. family members back home who, like, the other guys would. Who through would, a sat phone? Yeah, no, yeah, through, like, a satellite. It's, like, almost like a pager, satellite pager, where yeah. you can just send messages. But, um, yeah, so we'd get, like different reports and then we'd go off but the problem is this is where like personalities can clash or because like some of the guys super keen to get up the mountain yeah they just want to go and that can be good but it can be bad and then some of us going well no let's stay back let's wait which can be good and can be bad so it's a fine line of being keen but not too keen so but then they look at the report and it's always a big debate about the report because no. some people want to go. So they're like, yeah, the weather's good. The weather, yep, it's good. It's good. Good to yeah, go. Yeah, we can do it. We can do and it. And then it's like a big discussion and then someone's going, nah, the weather looks shit. And then it's like back and forth. Yeah, because the uh, thing is like, too, like the yeah. decision that you make could, it's like, it could, it's life affecting. Like you Either make a wrong way. decision or bad, you could be yeah. like, "Nah, this is our one. We've got to push. Mm. We're going to get it." What did mm. What did the guy say to you when you didn't make and you just got back? Dennis, you're Dennis, about. Dennis, yeah. What Dennis is- was like such a character. He's almost like a mythical creature in the mountains. This dude, um, he was just like he's a man of like kind of little words in ways. Uh, he just sort of said he's like not nah, too too dangerous, too scary. He said it's scary. Like, that's crazy, man. When you're hearing mm. that from a, <laughs> from a world steam mountaineer, I was just like, far out, what am I doing? With Dennis, right, Is what's his personality like? He has been married, I think, like four or five times, <laughs> has, he, has, I think, Loose. seven or eight children. He's great, dude, just so full of energy, like, just, but yeah, it, just keeps. Just yeah. question, is he egoless? Like, has he just got no ego? I, I didn't get to know him that well, uh, but he seems... No, he, seem, he seemed just like a purist. Like, he just did it because he loved it. It's a passion of his. Wow. Probably a big part of who he is. I don't think he... Um, yeah, I don't think he was too... Yeah, he, he just seemed like a, a pretty really nice, nice guy. real nice dude, yeah. doing it properly. Yeah. Climbing properly. Um, Wait, when you're mm. going through this ice fall and like got to the point where you're that scared, mm. like had you before at this point, like are you are you contemplating death? Like are you contemplating <laughs> the fact that you might actually fucking die? You know what I mean? Because it's what like do you, you do all that dangerous fucking shit. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like you, like did you know like going there? You, you, mm. Do you did you actually like did you understand your risk in your life? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean. mean? Like, like you, you, you know it's part of the risks, and, and but you try not to. Like I going through certain parts of the ice fall, I'd just try and rush. Like if I was over, on, and sometimes I could probably, to be honest, I'd be a bit rude to the other boys because you're roped in, and so if someone's not going quick enough or someone's going 
um, too fast when you're trying to navigate something. Sometimes you're like, hurry up, or like, come on, we're not staying. Like, I'd get yeah. kind of like a bit like, antsy because yeah. I'd be like, I don't want to sit under this huge yeah. ice serac that could just fall at any time. Like, I'm not here. I don't want to have a picnic <laughs> here. And then that causes a bit of tension because someone's trying to climb something and they're struggling or whatever. They're like, you wait. And it's like, well, I don't want to wait here. Like, hurry the hell up. Did you just have conversations oh, as a group wow. of like, what you're going to do if someone need to turn back or hurt himself or or died or, or oh. like, did you just have like that conversation of like how it was going to go down? You sort of, you, you, you go as a team and you play it by ear and as things inevitably happen, you then navigate that issue, whatever it is. So um, it's not even a thing that you talk about so at the start about not summoning. The whole thing is like, nah, easy. You, you We're all no, to, no. Yeah. You sort of you. Just, that's why you trust like whoever. If something happens, you just trust your teammate that you'll hopefully do the right thing. Or, but like when we got to camp one, we stayed what? there and we we so we went again for a second time, second rotation with four packs with better, with, better weather. Yeah, so five of us set out, and this is where it got quite sad because Alex, one one of the guys, he. He had these crazy cuts on his leg from walking in and and from his boots, and he was really struggling with the altitude. And then he also, on top of that, had got um, some food poisoning. And he early. So this is a Polish guy that lost the three fingers. No, this is Alex. Um, my my um, Ukrainian background, but Australian. My mate, who I was on Denali with, Mm. he and he's a strong climber, but for whatever reason physiologically altitude he struggles with and he had just like one too many things happen and we set out for our second attempt and he said he got about 200 meters into it and said guys i'm turning around i'm gonna hold you back and my legs are destroyed so he went back and holy what was that like for for, for you knowing that like your mate, like, did that even scare? Like, what the? Like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, and then and then Dennis <laughs> roped up with us again on that on the second time, and <sighs> but fortunately, our second attempt to get to Camp One was much better weather. It was like really not a any wind, no snow, no rain, just clear, cold night, not a cloud in the sky. So it was sad. Alex went back at that point, and. And we we're hoping that he was going to continue and join us on the trip when we got. But he he packed it in. He came back to Australia after that. He was just like what, he just had he already gone. He knew, since he knew himself. He knew, yeah. yeah, and we didn't want to try and be too like forceful. And to be honest, I have a lot of respect for him because he didn't want to put when you put yourself when you're not performing yourself, you're actually putting other people at risk, and you're putting yourself at risk, and. He, I have respect for him that he saw that and was like, I don't want to hold you guys back and wow. I don't want to. And it, that's a tough decision to make, to give up on an expedition. so hard for him. Yeah. So he left and we continued up the mountain. We Did made that it- scare you, but knowing like five became four? You know what I mean? Like- no, no, it didn't scare me. No, no, because that's still a big number and um yeah no it's just expected you know we're on denali with three i suppose if you're going to do something that dangerous you've you've got to be fucking like you've got to be Mm. super humble and know that everyone has to look after themselves in that way like you've got to be there for the group you know but at the Mm. same time it's like you're doing something so fucking risky that it's Mm. like you gotta like yeah yeah so we we um just roped up with um dennis because 
you have to be roped up to go through the ice fall, but mainly the plateau, which is the big, the big glacier after that before Camp One. And that's actually where there's huge crevasses. Oh, it's okay. flatter, but there's massive crevasses. And with like climate change in recent years, they've opened up more oh. so. And it's become a lot harder to navigate your way through. Like you used to, apparently back in the day, you used to be able to just walk straight there, straight back down. Like like literally in a straight line. Now you have to weave left and right and and go over these thin snow bridges and so what's and, the thing that like you're all roped into each other yep but what's um have you done crevasse training together or you just know that each other knows like what happens if someone falls in we'd all done it before you'll find out <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. we'd, we'd done it before ah <laughs> uh, and so so we all trusted we knew what we we're doing but we made it to camp one and we set up camp and we slept tonight but it was so hot in the bowl there it was just cooking so because you're climbing through the night when you make it to camp it's day and then it's so hot and every you're in a bowl of the mountains around you and it all reflects in it is cooking and every the snow's melting and you're just in this tent and what you do is you put an emergency blanket over the tent to try and reflect the sun so you can sleep during the day but the crazy thing is you have the shittest sleep so you're hardly even sleeping during the day and this is the whole way through the expedition you're trying to sleep during the day when it's sunny as anything and you're exhausted and it's hot and you can't sleep and then you can't really breathe um what i i did i just i'd get my like um buff it's like a mm. thing that goes around your neck and i just pull it over my eyes i oh, like sort yeah. of wear it. it's like a headband almost and i just fold it a couple that must of be times so weird you're climbing and it's fucking freezing yeah it's like a minus minus you got all your gear on and then you get up and then the sun comes off and goes hot as fuck gets hot as like anything. are you down in your bodies or whatever are your undies and in just... undies i was in my undies in the tent and then even outside the tent i'm in my undies i've got a video of me and elia and i'm we're wrecked in it so that... we're in our tent and the other boys are in their tents and um, we're just exhausted, like, when we got there. And I remember Elliot saying, he's like, oh, I can't, we can't keep going through this um, ice fall and platter. It's such hard work. And I just remember thinking, like, we don't have any choice. Like, it's just the way it is. Like, like that's just so what this is, do. how many times have you been through the ice fall now? This is, this was now my, so I'd been up for the recon, back down. Then I'd gone up again, almost made it through, then back down. So I'd already gone through four times and then I went through. So I'd already, by the time I made it to camp one, I'd already gone through it five times. Fuck. Yeah. So literally and walking through so a minefield. The first, yeah, the first two were like failed. Now are you going to go back down through it again? So now we no, you're going to yes. go from... So we set up oh our tent God. and we go, all right, we'll climb a little higher. So we tried to get um, up some lines, like just to get a bit of altitude to acclimatise and then came back down. This is during the night. And then... The following night, we go, okay, we've set up camp. Let's go back down to base camp, re-energize, get ready for our second rotation. And we st- leave during the night and it's snowing. And we're walking and we're going okay. And it's fairly cold, but quite, you know, sort of shin-deep snow. And we're walking and we're totally by ourselves. There's no tracks to follow and we're just trying to work. And you sort of see a flag every 500 meters and they're the flags that and you put up on the way coming up, up yeah coming up so you have so you, you have your, something to sort of so you got your you head torch get on lost. head torches on and you're just charging that what was a little solar panel um yeah with solar panels or you charge it with from base camp you charge yeah. up a couple of your batteries 
and we're coming back down and we're just navigating our way through and Ellie is at the front and then Jack, Polish climber, is behind him and then behind him is myself and then behind myself is Paul and we're going through, navigating the crevasses, whatever and Ellie is walking forward and he's trying to find the way through and he just goes, ah! And then just... No! And like, just mutes and we see him just... He was just on top of this cavern and it's just the whole thing. Just, I've never seen... I've seen... I've I've been in Karas Falls. I've seen plenty of Karas Falls. I've never seen one like this. The whole cavern just collapses around him and he falls through. But what was so... The worst thing about it was there was a lot of slack in the line. So he oh, fell really far. Like, no. And, yeah. And, and no. Wait. wait so he fell. He's fallen. <laughs> and and Jack's Jack, Jack behind him, he's fallen to the ground. And then there's a lot of slack. So he's like slid a bit. And then I fought, I, when he fell, I like jumped backwards to try and make, even though I was the th- next guy along, I tried to make it tight. So you so jump backwards fallen. to tie up the line yeah. and what jam your, your ice axe. Jam your ice axe Into in. the ice. <gasps> yeah. So you, it was kind of pointless in a way because it's heavy snow. So in heavy snow, your ice axe doesn't really do yeah. it. It's going to stop anyway, so it's kind of safer. Your body weight just digs into the snow. But so he's fallen and then you can't. What scared me is well, I was trying to hear him and all you could hear was like, mm, like, like. It was like someone had a pillow over his face. Like, even from a distance, you could just hear... Because the snow muffles it. He's screaming so much. He was yelling. He wasn't screaming. He's probably just yelling. And um, we've just fallen to the ground. We're just like, what the, like, what the fuck do we do? Because it was a cavern. It wasn't a crevasse. So it was like... Do you get what I mean? So no, it wasn't just like... So like a, a cavern. Yeah, it's like a big roof where sort of like a couple of crevasses, I suppose, intersect. Yeah, and he just walked no. in the worst spot, unfortunately, and, and pierced fell through, through the it. snow. And the snow had fallen around him, and I initially was real like I was worried because I was thinking like, shit, has the snow fall? Has he fallen in and then like been wedged, and then the other snows covered oh. him? So I was really scared. And then we, so we're there. We've 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 arrested. He's down there, and someone had to talk to him. But to talk to him, we'd have to get close, close to the the edge. So. I took off my pack and then I've laid down on, and you're still on my stomach. In. Yeah, and then I I have to crawl to the edge. Well, like, the other guys are holding the arrest, holding the arrest and and holding the rope in case are it you goes roped? again. Are yeah, you I'm roped? I'm roped in. Did you just like volunteer? You're like, hey, I'll just I'll just crawl over. Yeah, because someone had to talk to him and like, yeah. So I just I took off my pack and I've crawled like slid my way over this snow bridge and I'm on the snow bridge like the. And get to the edge where it's falling. And it's and I'm dark yelling, I'm like, with your headlamp. Yeah, and I could just, I could just hear him. I couldn't even see him. That's how deep down he was. I think he was around like five or six meters deep. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. But it was a gnarly, gnarly crevasse fall. And I'm yelling to him. He's falling down, and there's a couple of problems. One of the problems is the rope we use. It was like a seven mil, super thin rope, and that's good because it's light. Problem is, if you fall in a crevasse and you need to use prussic smaller loops to, cl- to climb, yeah. it's too thin. It slips on You it. need a seriously small prussic. And all 
the prussics Elliot had were too big to <gasps> climb the rope. Oh, no. no so way. that's the thing, you slide up the rope. Yeah, you climb the rope. So ideally, oh, that's the best fuck. way really to get out. So you move it up and it'll lock. Move second, it up and it'll lock. Secondly, the second problem was because it was like on a cavern and it was heavy snow, the rope had like dug in to, to the side of the um, snow and also... Yeah, you so to get we, around that. Yeah, to, to get, get around that lip. But then we were thinking, oh, we'll pull him out because sometimes you can just walk the person out or you can do like a three-to-one pulley system. But then I was thinking about, like, if we like we couldn't really talk to him at that point. It was very, like, bad communication. I was thinking, like, if we do that, we could, like, asphyxiate him somehow on the... Do you get what I mean? Stick yeah. him in the snowbank yeah, yeah. with his head or something. Yeah, that's right. So, like, if there's three men doing a three-to-one police system and all of us were pulling as hard as we can i was thinking like that weight on him is so bad also it's a thin rope so in the end what happened was i crawled to the edge and then i i fed down uh, a mechanical no a mechanical ascender um like a it's with, like a with the other end of the rope for the yeah, seven the other end of the rope for the yeah. seven mil for the seven yeah, mil for rope. the thin rope and then to ellie's credit he then had to climb out by himself um, from this crevasse. And yeah, how do you get on this the one edge? thing? Did, did, on uh, this one slider? Yeah, uh, no, he had two. I gave him two. Oh, okay. So, so did did for him to get over the edge with the rope dug in? Did one of you like cut the edge off? So what I did, I I got um I got my ice axe and then I like got it under and then I pushed it to the edge. So. As he was climbing, it wouldn't bite more into the side of the. Oh, so he went so over the your ice axe. axe. Yeah, my ice axe was on the edge, dug in, and then so he was able then to it, oh, it give him a bit smart. of like purchase and to the actual corner, so he wouldn't be climbing into into that snow. Where the snow yeah. cut did in. you lock your ice axe back off to the rope as well, just in case it slipped? Uh, yeah, I had it. I had I had it locked off to something. I had it on some sort of. I think actually, you know what? I think I just dug it actually in to. So I had like the sharp bit of the ice axe facing down, mm. so that it wasn't gonna fall in the crevasse or move. Did um, you like? When was it that you started getting comms with him? Like, so best communication is very hard to hear. He said, he said to me, which made me feel really happy. He said when he heard my voice, he was so relieved because he's down. He's down in the darkness and it'd be so scary down there and cold, like cold down in there. Oh, no sunlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's early morning, like the sun wasn't up quite yet. And he said, yeah, he just went, he was yelling out for ages, couldn't hear anything. And then eventually he heard my voice yell down. Oh, my And then God. I communicated with him that we're going to, we're going to, um, oh, actually, this is important detail. So he also had fallen and there was a ledge. Um, about half a meter below him. So had he fallen any further, he probably would have broken a leg or or two. But he the rope had gone tight, and then fortunately, because hanging there with a pack and everything, it's pretty exhausting. Fortunately, we lowered him a little bit so he could stand on this ledge in the crevasse, oh. and then he could get himself together and then climb up. And yeah, to his credit, we fed down the ascender, um, two of them. And uh, he was able to then climb back up the rope and get out. But by the time he got to the top and he was out, he was just exhausted. Like, he's, he just used so much energy, dude. Like, How is the adrenaline for you guys? Well, I once I got a response from him, I was pretty calm. I thought it'd be okay because I knew he could climb out. And, I, like, once I heard he hadn't hurt himself and... 
and luckily he hadn't. I wasn't a lot of adrenaline from me after that fact. Initially, I was like, holy shit, I hope he's okay. Did it make you be more cautious? Him. Like, as in, like, not that you weren't already, but like, <laughs> you know, fuck, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you're like, every your realization, yes, any step you could fall through. So, it like, did I think. I think what had happened, <laughs> yeah, I think it made us all a bit more cautious. I think uh, some of the other boys then tried to keep the rope a little tighter because, mm. you know, there'd been some words saying, won't name any names, but we'd been sort of saying, keep the rope tight, keep the rope tight, and then there'd been a bit of, it had all been too relaxed. Yeah. Uh, and so then, it was just tightening us up a little bit. Yeah, something just, happened. Like, he right, he just be... needed that rope to be, in my opinion, he just needed that rope to be a bit tighter. And instead of it being a five-meter fall, it would have been so a one-meter fall. You just yeah, need to make it would sure. have been no big deal. No big deal. He could, probably could have climbed out. wouldn't have been as scary because so there's too much slack in the rope. But then that's like, wow. e- that's not, not one per. That's everyone's responsibility in a lot of ways to yeah, go, hey, keep that rope tight. Like, so always, it's like when you're climbing, yeah. and you're watching the guy in front of you yeah. and you're making sure like you're close yeah. to him and not like you you know what i mean so you're not yeah. pulling on him back but no. you're not right and at on times his- you want to give him slack so they can cross the crevasse or maybe cross an obstacle so it's just this fine balancing act of like keeping it tight and you know and and just trying to picture oh if he falls here uh, how much slack do i want him to have to sort of be able to get out or navigate this thing because like sometimes you got to run and like sort of do a bit of a jump over a crevasse, so so you need you need like you need a bit of slack. Um, Oops, it was yeah. too tight. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and that that happened. Are like, you serious? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, and then someone's got the shit. Like, what the f-? like come on, man. Like yeah, it's too tight. Like you go to jump, and at the last second you get a bit of tightness, and that oh, person then no. stumbles forward. Yeah, you're like, man, we got to clean this up. We got to clean this up. Fuck, you'd have to. You'd actually. Man, I, I could feel how easily it could be tense as well because it's like yeah. your life on the line. It's so easily could be like, you're like, dude, dude, you got to, because you don't have time to fuck around. You don't have time to baby someone. You don't have time to be like, hey, dude. You can't take anything personally. Nah, you just yeah. got to just got to yeah, do it. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. It's just like everyone's got to pull their weight. That's the fucking thing. It's scary. You got to stop. <gasps> wait, did, does anyone need a wee? I'm busting. Yeah, I, I didn't have too. a pee. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're up to. He's just fallen in the crevasse. You've climbed. He's him out. just climbed. You got out. him out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex is out. Yeah. Oh my god. Elia, Elia. Oh, Elia, Elia. Elia's out. Dennis isn't with you anymore. No, Dennis. Dennis was still staying at Camp One for some reason. But yeah, yeah, that's He's where in we're the at. Spa. Okay, that's where we're at. Let's go wait. Let's go wait. Yeah. Okay, we're back. Here's we're back. Rio's passing out bananas. <laughs> ready to go. Okay, okay, okay. So we're back on. Yeah. All right. So you've just had the crevasse fall. Like he's just fallen through the, and she's caught him, and and we're all sitting here freaking out. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. Was that we just all got up um, to go to the toilet? All of us for like five minutes, just going, "Fuck, fuck, are you kidding me?" Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So you're on your way back to, to base camp. This was your sixth crossing across. Yeah. So, so I think by that point, yeah, something like that. Coming back down after Elia had fallen in the crevasse and had got back out. Yeah, we managed to go back to base camp and then we i think from memory we got back and we we had a half decent rest i think we had sort of like 
I think more than that, actually. I think we had about a week because then there was like a four-day storm and then another few days before there was good weather to head back up again to Camp 1. How how long are you planning that this climb will take? So we had, I think we'd given ourselves like, like... two months in two months roughly but then oh, I couldn't tell you just how. try like a month, month and a half or so on I the think mountain. we had to summit there was a fair few weeks and it was good it was like pretty conservative to give us us plenty of time so yeah how, how many um camps till summit like uh, did it, you know you're going camps? yeah because right now you're going like base camp camp one putting cachet going back to base camp base camp camp one yep. camp one to camp two back yep. to camp one is that how you're doing it that's correct camp? so there's in total so there's camp one uh then there's camp two like a lower camp two then there's like camp 2.5 then camp three then camp four is the the highest of them all Camp four is pretty much only used by people with oxygen though, because they have to sleep using oxygen because it's at seven thousand four hundred. So, so, oh, so if not, you've got to summit and push down the whole way down, and then after that's the summit at eight thousand um, and thirty-five. So wait, wait, you said earlier you're only taking enough food, like dry packs, yes. for fifteen days. So does that yeah. mean once you decide to leave camp one, so you're planning your caches yeah. and going up, and then once you decide, yeah. then you've got to continue on for to push for summit so you're looking at you looking at your weather window to be in like pretty yeah. long range because yeah. it's like once you pass that camp one and you got all your stuff there then it's like go time yeah that's right so you're always looking for for that and like a big enough weather window to like you need enough days that you can keep pushing high otherwise it's pointless if there's like a one nice day in between or, or two nice days in between two storms are you making so, friends with like other people in base camp like is there many yeah. people attempting um yeah, there's a fair few. I think maybe, man, I don't know how many people would have been on G2 this year. Like maybe around, maybe like 60, 70 people attempting. Um, and then out of that, not many people summit. And then out of that, like most people are attempting or most people who summit are using oxygen and most people are guided. I, I don't know how, like, the numbers exactly, how many. Mm, but, but are you, like, all comparing weather info and, like, yeah, are people everyone, going for everyone's summer pretty pushes? Cool. Everyone, like, shares. Like, in, in the mountains, for the most part, it's pretty, like, everyone shares information. It's only helpful. And also, you only, like, it's helpful to be friends with people, too. Because oh, you don't yeah. know, like, when you might need help or when they might need help. So it's a pretty good environment for that. Um, and yeah, you meet like really interesting people from all around the world and all different jobs and walks of life and different reasons for being there. But yeah, so on our, after that storm had, had come through, uh, and then the weather had cleared up, then we were going for our second rotation and for our second rotation, cause we got there a little bit later than everyone else, like a week, we were a rotation behind most people climbing the mountain um and this posed like a bit of a problem because there's this awesome weather window that had landed but it was only our second rotation so we all were climbing oh, we all started wow. climbing and and you know and it's a lot easier when there's other people on the mountain for our second rotation there was more than the first so it's a lot easier to climb a mountain when there's either footsteps or just like it's easier to see the route um you know if there's been a crevasse like it's almost like people clear the way for crevasses you can see where the crevasses are because people have fallen in them so it's 
it's safer. You can follow their footsteps or what whatnot. So that's like ideally when you want to be climbing. Did you or ever like come up like with a group? With a group, there's a much higher chance of success. So yeah, we started climbing. Yeah, up the mountain, uh, the four of us. We made it to camp one, and then after camp one, there's the Banana Ridge, which is it's like the probably the steepest part of the climb where it's um quite oh, I don't know how many degrees but it's quite vertical and it's fixed line like a rope that's in place so someone's um, put it at the start of the season yeah so and but that, you're still ice climbing still ice climbing at times no so this is something that I I need to clarify so I although I climb without we're climbing without sherpas we're climbing without porters um, or oxygen fixed lines had been put in place at parts of the climb where it's really vertical or icy and that had been done in front of us and i would love to do it myself wow. and i want to learn i was speaking to um a sherpa about doing that for the next expedition because i want to get there early and like learn how to do fixed lines because in my mind you're not fully fully climbing the mountain until you're contributing we contributed gear like we gave them rope and stuff but we didn't we we were also like a rotation behind, so we were behind the curve to fix. You have to be there from the very beginning anyway. Yeah, um, you got to be the first bunch of climbers. Yeah, you want to. You have to be at the very front, very wow. very front, like sort of like, like on Denali. Denali. Yeah, remember they so, break trail. Yeah, yeah, you guys were the first climbers on Denali. Yeah, we were like one of the first. We yeah. we were yeah we were the first of the season, like the first. There was us and a, not many others, like a handful. But yeah, so like I definitely want to do that in the future. I want to fix lines because. It's that's to me. If you if you're fixing lines as well, mm. you get you can get paid from other people for using your lines. Like oh, it's really? all a contribution, you know. Like yeah. yeah, which is cool um in itself. But I think it's like the purest way, yeah. or even more pure than that is um alpine climbers who will climb next to the fixed lines with their ice axes. But Whoa. but like. I don't know. I, so, like, when a, you're climbing with it, you still cramp on and, like, yeah, obviously you're, 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 you're spiking in, but you're yeah. not using your ice axe. You're just more no, like... No, you use your ice axe too. So, what you do is you're getting, like, sort of a a feeling of you, you do your feet, then your ice axe, and then you'll, you'll slide Move your ascender yeah. up, up, oh, up, up the rope, and then you pull. But you're not supposed to be using the line to put all your weight on. It's just there as a safety in case there's an ice fall or rock fall or... Oh, you slip. It's just there as like an umbilical yeah. to the rock. But the problem is on the Banana Ridge, because it's so hot, the fixed lines get pulled out. So what? the anchors oh. come out. As the sun hits the aluminium or the ice screws, it melts them. And so you climb at night. You want to climb at night. But so the problem people is going that, and, and then everyone's climbing at night. So this is something you got to really balance because everyone's climbing yeah so the nails yeah. that hold the ropes into the ice yeah so they're into ice yeah screw into the ice and yeah and then when the sun hits that ice it melts the ice well the sun hits the, the actual screw and yeah, it'll like just melt the hole around it yeah and so it could just pop out that's dead dead right so you're climbing at night and then it, like a lot of other people want to climb at night but then it's like a fine line because in my mind, I was trying to always time it like I'd go a little bit later than I should, but then I'd be trying to go when, so I could have a fixed line to myself, like a, a stretch, because mm. I didn't want to be on a line with three other guys, four other people, and then some of them are putting all their weight. So you're trying to time it so that you're on it. Anyway, we got up 
to <laughs> to camp two on our second rotation and with reasonable ease we were all sharing the load of the tent and we decided to go super light so we were supposed to carry two sets of tents shared but in the end we took a single tent for paul and then myself jack and elia shared a two-man tent so we were like sardines together and it was very pushing on the (laughs) friendships between us because you got no room one of the guys had some chronic diarrhea Oh. <laughs> so he was get, having to get up heat. Yeah, I won't was say he any names. But no, no but he on top? Um, <laughs> did he shit in the tent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be just... No one would have seen my eyes then dart across. <laughs> There's no... May as well. He had the Pakistani party pants for oh, sure. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But, but just even with that, having him that sharing the tent, he's climbing over you guys to get out. You know, yeah, and just the, the is man, he getting if out? You, have you ever eaten freeze dried foods? The farts you let go, like oh, people let go, yeah. just rancid. And so it's very pushing on the relationship. And you've got no room. <laughs> you've got to get changed. Are you and then it's exhausted? hot as anything in the tent. So we're trying to keep the tent cool, and then you're like, and mate's you're riding. sleeping in, and people are breathing on you real heavy and coughing because it's cold and it's just like. I just remember thinking that, mate. I was just like, what? This sucks. I was just thinking, why didn't we bring an extra tent? Like, I would have preferred to carry it. But what really set things off was one morning... The more so you got to then wake up early in the next day to go from camp two to three, like in the middle of the night. Yeah, are you there'd been exhausted? a storm during the night, so we then had to delay our, our leaving time by like five hours. So it was like, it was like. F- five in the morning which isn't good because the sun comes up it's at four up, yeah. sun comes up nice and early there and then we're packing up the tent and it's freezing cold and your fingers are just freezing cold that early and then i lift up the my sleeping bag and there'd been discussion of pee bottles <laughs> so if you like some mountaineers they'll take like a bottle that they pee in just yeah. purely so they don't need to put their boots on or go out in a storm and they just fill up a bottle and they empty it. It's like, or it might be like a, a now gen or a plastic one. Anyway, one of the boys had, I don't use pee bottle. I just, I don't know, I find them gross. I'd prefer to go outside and just pee outside, like, and not be pissing right next to my mate if I could help it. One of the guys, pee bottles had exploded inside the tent. And there was piss over everything. <laughs> oh, no. And I was not happy about it, man. You, I wasn't happy about it because he tried to hit it. And I found it. And, and it was everywhere. And it's like a half... It's like a wee slushy. It's like oh, half, well, he didn't want to wreck the vibe oh, for everyone. He's like, fuck, I uh, fucked up here. Yeah, but, um, so you found the pee bottle still partially full but, of piss. Uh, yeah. It was just squashed. Like he'd rolled on it in the oh, middle of the night. No. But you got to remember too, like you guys are like, you're sleep deprived, Mm. you're exhausted, you're pushing your body. Like (laughs) Mm. at this point when you're climbing, what's your body feeling like? Are you in your, what's your mental state? That's a great question because at that height, I think we're at like 6,500, which is the highest we'd ever been to, what myself and Elia had ever been to 
Uh, and you, at that height, when you're sleeping, you're not sleeping, you're waking up every five minutes, like almost like hyperventilating. It's like a weird sort of like, you, and you get puffed just doing, even at that height, and it only gets worse as you go higher, like, because you'll just like, you'll get puffed putting on your shoes. Mm. Like, you'll just... It, it, it exhausts you taking down the tent. Your fingers get so cold. Yeah, how are you going, um, like Because uh, it's at night. It's really cold at night, and it's really hot during the day. That's yeah. something that, um, for the entirety of the trip, uh, has to be understood. So even at the like when you're getting close to the top, it's hot. Even, even at the, the top, air. in like come twelve o'clock in the afternoon, yeah, it's hot. Like it's it's melting. Everything's melting. That is it. Dodgy. Like you think you get sick too. You know, like think about hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah. People are oh, stuck and sick at the start of winter. Yeah, yeah. It messes with your body hugely because yeah, it's just going super, super cold to super hot, and then you've got the altitude you're dealing with, and then you, and then we when there was the three of us, we really weren't sleeping. We were just sort of lying there, and then trying to the three in the ten, trying like, to not get on each other's nerves too much. Yeah, because I, oh my god, like yeah, like are you getting a nice view at least? Of course, yeah, the <laughs> view's insane, and like I mean, this is the reason why we do it, and like yeah. you know, it's like the that that story of the way, and you know that that's like just a little bit of the nasty parts of it, and yeah, but the views are insane, and like the experience, regardless, like you could you could end up almost in a fist fight with your teammate if you wanted, but like at the end of it, you're always gonna. Like nine times out of ten, be proud of like the experience that you've shared. But yeah, yeah. so we, after all this, after the waste fiasco, we ended up just cleaning it out and letting it once we'd gotten to the next camp. Because it'd be so hard for your mind to like stay positive with things. Oh, no, nah, no, nah. because it's yeah. like anything, like you'd just be like, because you're exhausted. Yeah. I just did night Question shift on a gas plan and like. Yeah. When you go, well, no, when you're getting back to like your room, like at the end of the night, it's just like if someone steps in your road or like cuts you in or whatever, you like, you're like, oh, like, you know, you're just getting frustrated. You're like, fuck, I need to go to bed. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. but you're just completely pushing at this stage of the, of the expedition. Mm. Like how much are you like just in your mind pushing through? Like, how's your body feeling? Like, are, are, are you often having to go to your mind just to push on and push through? Like, is it getting hard? Yeah, so at this point, it's getting very hard, the altitude and everything and acclimatising, burning a lot of calories during the day. Are and, you- um, yeah, yeah it's, it's tough work, especially on... So from going from camp two to three, we were late. We had trouble with the tent setting up. There was that thing that happened with the Wii. <laughs> and then... Um, so we were climbing behind schedule and then the snow would melt and then that makes it a lot more dangerous for avalanches and um, icefall. Uh, and then it just makes climbing a lot more difficult because then you're sinking. You take a step and then you go to take your next and then you, your foot goes the whole way into the snow up to your knee. Even though it was hard during the night, only a couple of hours ago, just a few hours in the sun can make all the difference of how quick you, be you go. Heaps of avalanches there with the when mm. they're from the um cold hot, cold hot. Yeah. And we, expanding and freezing. For sure. And we were seeing them happen like all around us. Like on the I think it was actually at camp one we saw a huge one rip past camp two. And it was just like <laughs> every time it would happen, it would just be like F bombs. Everyone just swearing like oh, wow. Is it scaring you, Bart? 
Yeah, it makes you just go, I want to climb at night. I want to climb when it's cold. I don't want to, like, even though it's cold at night and tough in a lot of ways, it makes you try and go, like, during the day, you're trying to move fast through certain points where Mm. if you're sitting under a sort of Serac or, like, an avalanche-prone area, you want to go fast. But then that's tough because you're hitting the altitude and you're exhausted and it's tough to move fast when you're... When you just exhaust. Do you have any times like in this, in this, like where you've been questioning yourself? I remember like on Denali, you said like you've all had strong days, you all had like kind of weak days where it's like, you know, like at this point, are you having days where it's like, where where your body's just hurting, where you just can't find that energy or push on? Like, are you having this yet, or are you just, or are you going like constant the whole whole way no, to this point? I I probably on the whole trip, I doubted myself the most day one of the trek, and then. That was honestly because I I carried way too heavy pack and I had just oh. I just um I, I I misunderstood I thought we were it was a ten k trek so I went like health health for leather and I went real fast and then I found out it was actually twenty one k's so it, it kicked my ass but then after that I just tried to be supremely confident as much as i could because mm. it's like only useful to be confident really mm. i mean you can be overly confident but no i actually genuinely felt quite confident and i did feel strong like At- i felt strong even going from camp two to three and what is, like, what's the camps look like is it just like a plateau and you just you just got your tent yeah so it'll be like steep and then there'll just be like maybe like like 30 meters where it will sort of hit a bit of a ridge and there'll be like enough space to set up a camp and on some mountains it's a small it's smaller distances than that but on gasherum like the camps are pretty decent and they're in reasonably safe spots so but there's a couple of moments like between camp two and three is quite avalanche prone yeah and then uh between camp three and four is like sort of it's like a rocky sort of um it's ver- it's vertical it's fixed lines again but it's more like rock and ice and then from three to uh sorry four rather at seven thousand four hundred to the summit at eight thousand there's like a traverse that's quite avalanche prone and yeah that's wow. quite avalanche prone area but yeah so we've gone during the day from three to four we get there as a team to camp four. What's, um, there what? was a couple of hours between us because you do split up. On the fixed lines, You people go at different paces. You're not roped in with anyone. You yeah. just, it's you and the line. So what? it's up to you to travel at the speed that you... What's sort of, going through your mind? Like you're, you're on a day-to-day basis. You're climbing all day. You're, you're high altitude. Your body's hurting. You're using your mind to push through. You're looking out over the fucking biggest mountain range in the world. You're mm. staring at all these things. Like, what are you thinking about? Like, what's... Yeah, it's like really crazy, man. It's... You, you're thinking about a lot of things. I like... You look at the beauty of it. It's so beautiful, but so dangerous. It's like... It's really crazy. Like, yeah... A lot of things, man. Like I was looking at G1 and a lot of people have died on G1, um, the mountain right next to, over to it. And uh, yeah, I, I you think about a lot of things. You think about how beautiful it is and then you think about the people that are on that mountain still because there's, pe- there's people. There's bodies on there's that. Bodies there. oh, right. There's bodies on every mountain like still. Like, like a lot of people just get like disappear or especially back in the day. But like... 
Yeah, you think yeah. I I definitely. I think when I was like at camp at the high, at camp three, which is the highest camp if you're climbing without oxygen, it's uh seven thousand meters. I was just thinking about yeah, just how beautiful it was, but yeah, like also how like dangerous and f- sort of fragile all of the people on the mountain are because mm. you're a little tiny little speck, and then you see avalanches and huge crazy things happening and. You think about a lot of weird... You go really deep in your head because there's no distractions. It makes you just... You're there with your thoughts and nothing else. And you don't want to... You don't take an iPad to watch a movie because it weighs too much or even a book for that matter because it weighs too much. Like, Yeah. So you sort of just... No distraction, just you and your mind. It's like a huge meditation in a way. But like, were were you having any realizations or like about you or yourself or your or your life at home or like yeah for sure you sort of i definitely was thinking it again like sort of like on denali i think you do you get like a weird energy i i honestly think and a a weird appreciation for the these like you hear having a a beer like it's just like a nice cold beer and just this just because it's so um merciless up there uh, it makes you re- like even just like little friendships and things back here. Like you just appreciation, appreciate. And you think about. I was thinking about just like, and you think about everything because you only have time to think about everything. Yeah, well, you can like. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Do you feel like you know after doing something like that that anything comes your way? It's kind of like no big deal. Yeah, for sure. I've and it it's makes like navigating maybe life. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Because then it's like yeah, I, I, I definitely do that in day to day life. Yeah, if there's something going wrong, I think well, yeah, at least I'm not on the side of a mountain. <laughs> like at least, yeah, there's a lot to be thankful for. And yeah, it definitely yeah. makes you aware. Just, yeah. Of the, yeah, I was just of thinking that. like we're set on this potty heap, so it's like you strip yourself of everything, you know, and then that's where you like learn to appreciate. But it's like. I was listening to this dopamine podcast about like how it was important to like break your cycle of habits of like what you're comfortable with. So if you go to the gym all the time with music on, then go at least once or twice without music, you know Mm. what I mean? To break that so you're not in your comfort zone and about how it helps release dopamine. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking like, as you're saying that, like, you know, it's like, we were talking about in the break just then. I was like saying like having a few injuries with me and everything, Mm. I haven't been putting myself too much in that comfort zone, out of my comfort zone where you start getting, and you start, life becomes comfortable. Yeah. And then yeah. it becomes hard. I was like, I sound like I did a cold plunge the other day and I was like, oh yeah, it smashed me. Like, it, like, it, was, a, it was like a rude shock and I was like, I used to do these every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then the other day I had like, like a cold shower at work like because um, I was doing night shift and waking up and then, having a hot shower or whatever. Then I started having cold showers. And the first one was like, oh my God, like, oh, and getting under under and like making it happen. And then every day it just got easier. I was like, and then by the end, you're just having a cold shower. But it's like, just thinking how like these things like this, mm. you're so raw, like it strips yourself of all the comforts that makes actually life, all the little things amazing. Yeah. It's like, mm. it's important to do all the time. You know what I mean? It's pilgrimage. Yeah. No, for sure. And then you're in a country to start with that, that life's so tough for a lot of the people there. And then, so you're even just looking at that and they're so appreciative of the littlest things. Like I gave uh, one guy in the mountains, one of like the porters, 
it was quite cold one day and I just noticed he didn't have any gloves. So I gave him like my go- like a pair of my gloves because I had a, a couple of spares. And then he like went to give them back. I'm like, nah, man, like you hold on to them. And like for the rest of the trip, this dude was just like, oh, his name was Hassan. He was just like, just so thankful. And just like, he'd make me like a tea and just like, I don't know. It's just like really nice. And and he'd wear them and he'd like point to them and stuff. And it was just like a wow. really sweet, sweet thing. And oh, another thing I did, I made the mistake of giving some of the porters um batteries for their head torch. And the next minute I had about... 10 of them at my tent asking <laughs> 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 like oh batteries at night time I'm like fuck yeah. have to save some for the mountains uh, like, like but um yeah man it's definitely it, it just being in those environments it really wakes up the senses mm. and um, like, like sharpens this, you for at, sure at this point like are you feeling your blisters like are you feeling like is your back getting sore like are you, like yeah. are you feeling the pain yeah. And just like, but you're learning to ignore it. I think I was learning to ignore certain. So like, if it was something that was going to be a real issue, then I'd try and like, sort of compensate for it. So, for instance, like if maybe I had a blister on my left foot, I'd try and use my right foot a bit more. Or if yeah, if I was feeling, and and that's what you're trying to do, even on the trekking, it's like or using trekking poles. Like if your your knees sore, you make sure you're using both trekking poles and you're distributing your weight like you're actually pressing down with your arm when you're on a downgrade different things like this you you become uh, like a lot more aware of but yeah at that point on the second rotation we're starting to become harder for sure like they call it like you become the hard man or hard woman or whatever you you become hardened for sure your body again it adjusts to the cold it just starts to adjust to the altitude you're becoming hairier yeah why hairier i think yeah it's just the like the cold and the altitude like you're gonna do, do it naturally but i i genuinely think it your hair grows faster well it's like sure. night shift i just did night shifts i swear my like stomach and chest is hairier right? and you get you go wide and hairier <laughs> like, yeah. there's like five shift. o'clock shadow you know like in like cartoons or whatever when someone's like buggered they haven't had much sleep yeah. you got the five o'clock shadow yeah the homer <laughs> yeah <laughs> you get the- well it fucks your hormones you know yeah yeah Okay, okay, okay. So okay. you're you're hardening up. We're hardening up. <laughs> hardening up. We're all ha- getting hard in the tent. All, all of us boys getting hard, nice and oh, hard. Oh yeah, what was that like, dude? Dude, oh, do you know why? Wet dreams. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. This yeah. is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the boys, I won't say they're like at base camp. They're like, get it out of your system because we don't want wet dreams in the same tent. Just <laughs> like, steering your bait on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so but there's only like goats and stuff around. Well, it's real imagination. I suppose it's real. It start hurting after a while. Yeah, but oh. so we get to camp three, which is a high camp for people without oxygen. And then from camp three, you do the summit push, and that's huge, huge day because you're climbing from you're climbing a thousand meters in one day, which is a lot at altitude and a lot to begin with. So is anything like. Is is this all this smooth sailing? This these rotations back and forth from this point. Like he's all he's all around the same space. No one like nothing too crazy's happened. Yeah, like the, the second one went pretty good. So really. it's feeling all pretty smooth. You're starting to yeah. climatize. Good weather. All all pretty safe. Really like good weather comparatively to our sort of first rotation and what would be the third. So we're going from. Um, we're going from <laughs> just lighting up there. Um, we're going from 
camp three and we're going for our summit push. And so the summit push, you're supposed to leave at around like 10 o'clock at night. So, do you, so you got, you've got the weather window. You We've know. got the good weather window. But the thing is, it's only our second rotation. So we haven't fully acclimatised, but we have great weather so it was really annoying what was the conversation like like because so it was either like wait and not know what the weather's like around the corner and run the risk of like not having a weather window to summit yeah or it was like push through oh my god this is when i was like even reading the stuff like ag and carrot a lot of the mountains i've been reading it's like when you go as like a guide say like they only 14 days or whatever it's like you've got to push with whatever weather window you got and that's when people don't make it yeah. Because it's like they'll be going and the next thing a weather window would happen, it's like we've got to push now. Yeah. And fucking hitting that high altitude, just start people just start dropping off. So this is what happened. It, like we went yeah, so we we left for the good day and um there was some talk like maybe we might go to the summit on our second rotation, which is crazy because up until this point we'd only been to like six thousand four hundred. How many days in are you are you? How many days into the climb? Oh man, I don't know, like maybe 20 to, 22 days since we'd done our, started our first rotation. And there'd been like a couple of rest days, like a week in between. The day, it like wasn't climbing every day like Denali. It was like you sort of climb for like six days and a break and then, you know, yeah. seven days and then a break. But so we're going, we're supposed to leave at, uh, yeah, like 10. And we wake up and we're having a problem boiling water. So we couldn't leave until 11 at night for our summit push. And then I... Um, Why were you having trouble boiling water? What, you just... Because you're just, just boiling snow. Yeah, you're boiling snow. But we're having a problem with the stove. <laughs> One of the boys was like, something was going on. Anyway, so we didn't leave until late. And then I actually... I think I had a bit of altitude something. Like, I'm pretty sure it was altitude sickness because I vomited. I felt like I was going to vomit. I was like, dry, I dry reached. But then I came good. And then we started climbing. And you, you vomited on Mount Cook as Mount well. Cook, when yeah. you push. But I don't know if it's stuff I eat or like what it oh, is. Or even if it's just like nerves? nerves or something. Yeah. Because it was just before we left and I like dry reached. And then we left. And then I was climbing. I was, felt strong. I was fine. Like going up from camp three to four, yeah, it's... Yeah, through these rocks. So you climb from 7,000 to 7,400. Is your team looking strong? Rocks. Like, are you looking at the boys and thinking, like, are they... Everyone, are you, everyone was looking pretty strong. But again, we all had different minds. Like, so Paul was conservative with the climb and saw it for what it was. It's supposed to be a second rotation. Yeah. He had enough experience to recognise... Not going to make it to the summit this time. So he turned around quite early. He, he turned around around like the 6,300 mark. And what uh, you said, sorry, boy, 7, I'll, I'll be back at... 7,300 mark. So were you willing that if... To, to leave each other, as in like, if he's turned back and you guys, I'll oh, keep we going. We all separated. Yeah, yeah, and if you if you decide to push for summit, yeah. like that's on you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you do... Yeah. You could climb from camp three to the summit and back down by yourself if you wanted. The only dangerous thing is um, like potential avalanches, oh. really. Or, and Because a lot there's a lot of points where it's fixed lines. But so we're climbing pools the first to pack it in. Um, out of like maturity, it's kind of like I want to save myself for another rotation and turn around at 7-2. I kept going. I was at the front of the pack by probably like an hour because we all separate. You, you like separate. When, when he decided to turn around, mm-hmm. what made you think, oh, I'll keep going? Like, you- I still felt good. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to see how I felt higher yeah. up. 
again, I was saw it as a second rotation. I thought there was a small, small chance we could fluke it and just keep feeling awesome. And I don't know because it was good weather, and that yeah. the good weather. If you're climbing in good weather, it impacts the pressure in the air, and it can make it kinder to your body on the altitude. Whereas if you're climbing in a storm, it's, it's a lot different. It's like because the pressure is different, so it actually. Yeah, can ha- especially climbing without oxygen, it has a huge effect on your um, like performance. But so I I kept climbing with uh, Jack and Elia, and I I was at the front and I got to the high camp, camp four, like the highest, which is where people with oxygen will sleep with the oxygen on, like masks on, they fall asleep yeah. there. And that's a lot tougher for us because then you, we have to climb an extra. Um, 400 meters for our something push than they do because they do it the day before so it's just yeah. a little easy for them they can break it up so i passed them and i got to i got another 100 meters up around seven five maybe even a bit higher and i just had this feeling i thought we were running late i'm like i don't think it's safe to keep going so i'm seven thousand seven thousand five hundred and i so it wasn't it wasn't your breath or whatever. It was just intuition. Intuition. I felt like I could keep pushing, but it was going to be really dangerous, I think. Within mm. myself, I thought I can go. I could probably go. And I was feeling strong. And I was at the front by a good portion. And I just thought, I like, this is supposed to be a second rotation. This is, And I was honestly thinking of my mum. And I, yeah. Why were you thinking of your I don't mom? know. Just like... You just think of your family and stuff, and yeah, I um, yes, yeah, yeah. I decided to turn around, and I just thought of the, like my family. And I was just like, no, let's be smart. Like, don't mm. keep going. And I turned around. I saw the other boys, and I was like, I'm turning around, heading back down. Like, this is supposed to be a second rotation. That's what we're gonna do. But they were really, they were really keen to keep going, and I was sort of like, guys, like. Briefly, I was like, I'm wrecked. I, I said to them, I felt like I could keep going, but I, w- I, w- I could be a liability on the way back down. And mm. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that climber who then some Sherpa from another expedition has to rescue a, a solo climber on the mountain. So I turned around and the yeah. other boys, they kept pushing up the mountain. And like, that's their choice. And But as it turned out, I think in my opinion, because they're strong climbers, but... I think they sort of burnt themselves out because they only got another like 100 or 200 metres higher than I had reached. And then they were wrecked and they came back. They didn't summit on their second rotation, but they pushed as high as 7.7 or something. So they'd gotten 300 metres from the summit, which is a hell of an effort on your second rotation without oxygen. So so wait, wait. Like it's good enough effort getting to 7,000, let alone that like another 700 meters past that so how come like they went 200 meters more how come they just didn't come back down to camp three where you were and then keep relaxing there so they did that so i went back to camp three paul was there the other partner and the other guys eventually i was worried about him i was like because they didn't look brilliant like they looked okay but i thought you know they're only going to get worse as they go up anyway as it turned out one of the guys who had been sick with like food poisoning and stuff, he sort of was struggling and then the other one turned around with him a little higher. They came back to camp three and they were 
like this is the difference like they got only like maybe another couple hundred meters higher than me but they got back five or six hours after oh, i had got my back God. so in that time i had a three-hour sleep in the tent and then i was awake i was just having a bit of water and food at this is at seven thousand meters and then they got back and they were wrecked like they were done and myself and Paul had had a discussion, the other guy, that we were going to head back the whole way back down to base camp and get proper rest because you actually rest properly at base camp. Above 6,000 metres, you're not really resting properly. So you, If you're going you, backwards, if you cut your finger, it doesn't heal at, above that height. It literally won't heal. Like it won't – like so you see people and their fingers will split from the cold and the dryness in the air. And they'll tape it up, and it won't. It's not going to heal until you at base camp. It's uh, your body doesn't heal. It's crazy. Uh, it's going backwards. Whoa. So, Paul, with his experience, he'd sort of convinced me, come down with me, and we'll get some decent rest, and then we can go for a third rotation, as the plan was supposed to be. And you, and so going all the way to base camp, like. Wow. I know, and then, so we, and then it'll be wait for another weather window. And then you got to cross that ice thing. Yeah, again. so, yeah. so, oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we, 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 we in one push. Oh my God. We, one push after our second rotation summit push, push, had three hours sleep and then gone the whole way down to camp one. So we've held the whole, you're abseiling down the whole way down to camp one. We got there in the afternoon. Um, so this is the next, next day. We slept for three hours in our Camp One tent that was already there. Holy and shit. then we went down to base camp. The whole way Did you say like camp. in three hours we'll go? So like you, or you just go to sleep until you wake up? No, we, we set an alarm. And it's yeah, pretty yeah. depressing because you're exhausted and you're tired and you're like, all right, we've got to get up in three hours. So you close your yeah, eyes. Yeah. or And that's like lucky. Like that's a, Some people get less rest than that if you have deadlines. But So we, we ended up waking up and there was another team heading back across the plateau and through the ice fall and we roped up with them, which is like safer. And then we made it back to base camp and then we were messaging Elia and Alex uh Elia sorry Elia and um Jack and then they said we're like exhausted we're gonna stay here a night and then go to camp one for a night and then come back so they ended up doing that that so they were a couple of days they were a, a day behind us the problem was we got back to base camp going we're gonna have a week's rest fully energized eat food put on weight again because you lose weight along the way just, just, is just, that just being? Because the food that you're eating, it's not being processed. It's one of the first thing, things that your body goes, I don't like this isn't a priority. So it, you're eating food, but it actually doesn't take all the nutrients in and it doesn't, because, and it sits there. It actually sits there. Yeah, instead of using your, your energy yeah. to break it down, to break it down. It's trying it's, to keep you warm and do everything else. So, and that, this is above a certain now, this is above like 6,000 meters that you bought. I'm pretty sure your body just starts going like... Yeah. So you, there's a couple of reasons. You, 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 you're burning a lot of calories. You're not taking in food properly. Yeah. And um, it's cold. So it's like your body's trying to stay warm constantly. Uh, so we get back thinking, oh, we'll have a week of rest. Hopefully the boys come down in, day, in a day's time, a day after us, and then we'll go. The problem is they came down and we had a weather window and then there was two-week storm coming. 
yeah so uh. so i said to paul and we like had a chat i was like and we were and elia and jack had come down so we'd been there one night and we go we leave tomorrow so yeah so you're not yeah. you were gonna get a week's rest and you gave that away fit we, we traded, traded that in for two nights instead it's supposed to be seven days and they say you should have minimum three three nights sleep fucking hell you climbed, all, you climbed all the way, way already climbed the mountain to seven thousand five hundred. and you're going back down to how how much altitude again down to five thousand fuck so then fuck. Oh, dude, it was like so tough and I, I remember getting quite upset about it because I knew it was going to be so tough and then I also knew that Elia, Jack was done by that point. He, he was finished. He, he was too exhausted and he knew he couldn't do it with that Even that if he had a week, week's rest? Maybe if he had had a week's rest but not one night. It wasn't yeah, enough for him. Yeah, that would be too yeah. much. And then Elia, one night, like he's a, they're all strong climbers but one night isn't isn't enough for for another like because it takes it out of you and then me and paul had already we had one night but then we had a, we had two nights because so you left we, only because we you... got only because we came straight down and they did yeah. the oh my but we, God. like that was a huge day like that was yeah. exhausting getting down and then so we had this crazy decision to make like do we do we wait two or three weeks or maybe you don't, have enough food. you don't know what weather's gonna your food's running out yeah absolutely yeah. And the the window of opportunity was just closing super super quick. All the other mount, most of any, all the other expeditions had summited on the second rotation because ninety eight percent of them used oxygen. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, and if they didn't use oxygen, their client had given up and said, "I'm done with this. I'm not going through that ice wall." Like, so that meant that on our third attempt. There was going to be hardly anyone on the mountain as well, and there'd been a bit of snow since we'd come down, and it meant that yeah, we'd only had like minimum amount of rest. Oh my god! So the only people who agreed to start for the third rotation was myself, Paul, and Elia. Elia, to his credit, was like, "I'm going to try to get." He just wanted to get to Camp One at least, and so we set off that night. And like, yeah, it's it's a horrible feeling trying to sleep because you're trying to sleep. You know, you've got like probably like the four biggest days of your life right ahead of you and you're trying to sleep, but you can't because it's like you you have to leave at night and you, you can't sleep during the day. So it's this weird are you, dynamic. Are you getting scared too? Yeah, and I was getting upset. I was upset because I felt sorry for those guys, you know. I just felt – and I, I was upset like genuinely for them because I knew – how tough it was going to be and we just sort of and you know paul has been on i think he's been on like six eight thousand meter mountains and never summited because he tries to climb without oxygen and do it pure and i just i felt really bad for like i don't know i felt like they all deserved it they all deserved a good chance to summit and for whatever reason we'd sort of been robbed of a good opportunity to do it and that was upsetting so we had this shit opportunity and the weather supposedly was supposed to be good and we start off going from camp base camp to camp one and it's just heavy snow all night a disaster the the ice falls all change every day every time i went through that ice fall it's different because it moves and we it was just a disaster heavy snow there'd been a big ice fall 
we got lost three times. What should have taken us maybe like eight hours took like 14 or something. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Are you, are you thinking like, nah, work, nah, you're man. thinking turning back or because you've pulled the trigger so and gone, you've just got to push on? So many times. And I think the other guys, I was probably a bit more, I don't know if it's good, but the other guys were saying early in the piece on the push to camp one, we're going to turn around. And I, I remember at one point I was like, well, I'm not like you guys do what you want to do because there's other, there was a couple of other climbers. There was a Brazilian, a Mexican and his, the Mexican Sherpa. So I said to them, I said, well, you guys, if you got to turn around, I'm turn around here early on uh, and I'll go with them. But then they kept going <laughs> And yeah, it was just really tough to get to camp one. Did, were you also thinking just, like, well, the weather's bad, but it's supposed to come good. So yeah, will. so that's what we're thinking. So you think you just push that's through what this we're little bit. Like, you just push through this bit. It's supposed to be good. No worries. Uh, and but you're going nervous. over the, over the plateau and everything. So everything had melted more, and the snow bridges were ridiculously wow, bad because yeah. they're super thin. But then it's like a fresh layer of snow. So, so they look thick. They look thick, but they're, thick, yeah, but they're not. But they're and then not. you're falling in these wastes, and every step you're falling, and you're carrying your packs. Anyway, we 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 made it by the skin of our teeth to Camp One, and at one point we actually helped the Sherpa carry his client's oxygen because otherwise he was going to have to come back along the along the glacier. And me and Elliot were like, nah, man, like you can't do that. So that, that's something I was proud of. We like, we're like, it's all good. We'll carry it like this last like four Ks. So we carried, yeah. we carried someone else's oxygen, even though we weren't using it. <laughs> it's like, it was funny. Yeah. It's like we had like an oxygen tank like strapped to us. And we were like, it's, and what's funny is we were so wrecked and we still did it. But like, I'm happy we did. Anyway, we get to camp one. <laughs> and we get to camp one and we're wrecked. And at that point, the book, like Ellie and Paul both said, to me, they're like, we're done. Like, we can't go anywhere. Like, we're exhausted. Like, they just knew themselves. And that, and I got to tell you the, an awful thing. Elia was friends with Matthew Eakin, the the guy who died on K two, the Australian. And we'd actually been messaging him via our inreach. And he, he at one point, Elia is going. Oh, I've been messaging Matt, and he's not replying. And Matthew helped me get my visa. Because we were having so he was over there doing K. He was doing K two. So he's a he was an awesome mountaineer, Australian mountaineer, and I think he climbed. He what what happened? So he just stopped replying to our messages, and Ellie was like, "Um, Matt's not replying. It's really weird." Like, and I was like, "Man, like, don't stress. Like, he's probably like resting or climbing. Don't worry about it." But as it turned out, we found out he actually yeah he he died. He had a rock fall on K two. Yeah, it's so sad, dude. Fuck, so but, many people die on K2. Yeah. Doesn't have like a 60% death rate or something? No, it's not It's not that high. I mean, like, I think in his case, because he was a very competent and like a good mountaineer and knew what he was doing and in like experience, I think he just got unlucky with a rock fall. But like, yeah. But that's just so tragic. Yeah, but like I think a lot of this, like that experience, like, I mean, it weighed on all of us. We. It, like yeah, you know, you knowing like yeah. I mean, I, I was I was friends with him on Facebook, and I'd met him a couple of times, but I wasn't as close to him as Elia was. And I think Elia, after like you know, he was already exhausted, but then he had this other thing weighing on his mind because we'd found out about 
um, Matthew, I think in his head, he just felt strange to continue on. So him and Paul, him and Paul uh, decided to stay at Camp One, and then they said that they were going to pack up the tent and take it with them back down the Camp One tent. But then that posed a huge problem for me. Yeah. Because then that meant I had to climb. I had to climb 2,000 metres, like the majority of the mountain, by myself without anyone with me. And it also meant that I had to carry the tent, the tent that I had to grab. I had to carry the gas, the stove. Like there was certain yeah, things that we cached, it. but a lot of yeah. stuff we brought down yeah. stupidly. Like I, we just didn't have some things. I, so I had to carry like a whole lot of stuff with me. What, what did you, did no you one question? Else could carry did, where normally you'd share that you weight. share that load. Yeah. So, and what, then, what made you like push on just cause you, you felt you still had the energy or I you felt could... like I still had the energy. I just felt like it wasn't, I wasn't done. I just was like, I'm still, I want to, go as high as I can and were I, you scared I I was like I was, it's kind of insane. I was more exhausted and what was annoying I was so tired at camp one because we'd only had like two days rest which is not enough they say minimum three so two nights rest it was really one night because we left early the other the other one but they say at least three but I was just I was so exhausted at camp one that when the Mexican the Brazilian and um, the Sherpa left early to go from camp one to camp two up Banana Ridge where there's the fixed lines that like sort of melt during the day. I I had to sleep in. I was so buggered. I was like, I need to have like another two hours sleep. Oh, so and they I, were going to take you, but you I was going to sort of tag along with them, but I, I was, so I was behind by them. So then when I left, uh, yeah, the sun had sort of started to come up, but I had the fixed lines for myself, which was awesome. So I start climbing. But, but are, you, are you scared? Like, it's lonely. Like, you're by yourself. Like, were you like... It's a different thing when you're with someone and you can... Are you questioning your decisions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, second-guessing yeah. your second-guesses? That's the best yeah. question yeah. ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I would... No, I was just... I'm que- yeah, you're questioning everything you're doing. Everything. Like, you're thinking about... Have I brought enough this? Is there going to be gas here? Is that where am I going to find this cache? Yeah, am I going to find this cache? Um, Are you thinking what? What uh, if I don't do this? Thinking of scenarios like if there's no gas, I got a lot. Yeah, and then you're exhausted all the while too. And I could feel my body, I like being lighter at this point. I felt sort of just I don't know everything's starting to wear. And but what sucked is I hop on the fixed lines. And two Austrian climbers had been at another like camp and then they decided to have a go at G2. So I'm climbing and I'm on the fi- on this fixed line and I look down and there's these, and one of the, one of the Austrians dads was like a famous mountaineer and like they're, they're amazing climbers, Austri- Austrians, like they grew up in the mountain. These guys are coming up and they're on my fixed line Putting the weight on Putting it. the weight on. And then one of the ice screws pops out. Oh, and no. I fucking slide 10 metres, like, down the mountain as it's, like, come out. And it's common, especially on the Banana Ridge. It's, like, famous for it. Like, the protection busting out and the ice stakes just slip out as the, as the sun hits it. 
and I've fallen. But luckily, they tie them all together like a, almost like a, they a zip. Like they, yeah. they're all tied together. So if one fails, you'll fall like 10 meters. But then the next one. But if they keep popping, then it can yeah. sort of go. It gets worse. So I fall down and I'm looking at the guy. I'm like yelling and I'm like, get the get off the lines. And yeah, and luckily they sort of realize. I'm like, the ice, like it's gone. And they realized then they got off them. But yeah, it was just a very weird intense moment as i as it went and then i like slid Fuck. down and i was like shit this is going 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 lucky the next one caught but um and when it caught was it like a just, freaking did it yeah did it hurt like was it just like a seatbelt like boom yeah a bit of a jolt no it kind of had a bit of give like that rope was pretty decent i think it was a little bit wasn't totally and were like you static. sticking your pick in the in the snow is this is oh, I, at that point no i you, i didn't have time i like sort of you just fell and then once i came to a stop i definitely arrested then but uh, it's very intense. Just just intense put your, moment. Put your eyes like straight in the eyes. Yeah, and then yeah, these big, these big Austrian dudes, like they're like six foot four, like big mountaineer. I'm like, great. Like, why did I have to have these guys on my line? Like, probably the two heaviest guys on the mountain. I could have had, I could have had a Mexican and a Sherpa, who's like, like you know, yeah. like five foot five. Is like, damn. Anyway. I um yelled out to these guys and they were like like it wasn't their fault but and then they decided to stop and I kept climbing. I kept going up. And, and what's the weather like? Weather was really hot on 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 that day. It was hot during the day. And it was so hot that when I got to low camp too, you know how I was saying there's like a low and a high camp too? Yeah. It's got probably got about three hundred meters distance, or like I get there and I thought I'm just gonna have like a bit of food and I could see the Mexican, Mexican and the Brazilian, and the Sherpa climbing, uh, up, and I'm ha- I thought I'll I'll just stop here because there's an abandoned tent. There's like a tent. People abandoned tents in this tent mm. full of snow and it had tears in it and it was all, all buggered. And I thought I'll just stop here, boil some water, re-energize and then I'll go do this last little 300 meters anyway i start doing that and the austrians catch up and we were cool i, I get i made him a tea and i was like no nah, we're good we're all good like i hope <laughs> you're not too offended with the way i was yelling at you i was just scared for my life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and they were cool they were really nice guys and we had a tea and we're having a tea and we're looking up at the mexican and then an avalanche happens <gasps> on them Wait, what? What? As you're yeah. watching. So them. we're there having like a bit of food and tea and we watch an avalanche just sweep over the Mexicans and they're yelling and it was honestly so crazy. It was like almost what? like comical. Uh, I was like, what you, the, like what? So wait, yeah. they're climbing, they're climbing and then yeah. you just start seeing an avalanche Go, like, come like, down over them. and yeah. come towards them and then bury them. And, 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 and bury them. But lucky it was like a pretty small one. So it kind of like buried them and then they were just like in the snow, just like yelling and we were just like, shit. And then at that point I, I said to the Austrians, I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not climbing from here to there to not like today. I'm, I'm staying here. Even though at that point I like my tent that I was supposed to get to was at camp two, high camp two, it had been cached, like yeah. buried and I was supposed to get there set up. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to sleep here in this, this ratty, ratty tent. tent for until night and then I'll go. So, because also the snow by that point, because we'd slept in a bit, it, it, it had turned to mush and that's why the avalanche had happened. Yeah. The snow, they, and they were almost at the camp. It was like, they were like 50 metres from the camp when that avalanche swept over them. 
Where did it get did super they get, cold? Did they keep going or did they have to come down? They kept they kept going. Like by that point, you you just get out and you just get to you. you it's right there. So you, they oh, they got there. They were okay. Themselves. They didn't really get injured. They just got covered a bit. And then that would have been so scary for them. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine seeing that. Oh, were course. you just like were you just waiting for him to move? Like please be alright. Like oh of course. I was like no. what? I, I like didn't know what. Like it, it could have been more like severe. Yeah, right? more serious. It was like a kind of awkward distance where it was like. It was close enough to really see and kind of hear, but it wasn't close enough to, like, run and go help him. It was just, like, yeah. far enough that it was like, oh, shit, like, we can't even get there. But if it had been any more serious, like, I'm sure we would have gone. But we could see that they, yeah. like, were talking to each other and there's a bit of yelling back and forth. <sighs> then they were digging out one of their mates. Like, he was fully, <laughs> like, he was, like, just his shoulder out and his head. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that was like <laughs> yeah. this is like Miguel heavy the, drama, dude. You know, so, like... and, and we're just having a tea. We're just having like a chocolate and a tea, watching it. It was like, whoa, this is the most crazy what? entertainment. Hey, and then wait, is I'm just like picturing it as well, like you sleeping in the tent and it's like super hot. But then at some point that that sun's gonna go behind the mountains mm-hmm. and as soon as it does does it hits the minuses. Like so do you have all your gear there ready to put straight on or like are you going to sleep with gear on just in yeah. case that you sort of yeah, you prepare like before. You try and like boil water while it's hot, like so you're not boiling it when it's freezing cold. Were you taking a sleeping and, bag? And yeah, yeah, I had a sleeping bag with me. I had a lot of stuff. I had way too much stuff with me. Like big I'll go into it at the end, but yeah, that's a huge lesson that I learned from this expedition. Just that, like, yeah, cut weight. I've got like an ice axe that's like super heavy and big. And I remember Dennis, the um, Polish mountaineer, going, he's like, oh, that's too heavy. Why have you got this? Like, he's just like tearing my stuff. He was calling me, um, he's calling me Edmund Hillary at one point. He's like, you're like Edmund Hillary, like going back in time. It's like, he's it was, it was a, it a character. <laughs> and um and uh but so like that but what was bad about that it was then it meant the next day in we had to make up for that you know three four hundred meters that we'd lost not going to the proper camp too so that means that we had to have a huge day to go from camp two to camp three at uh, low camp two all the way to camp three and that also posed yeah. a problem because then we were supposed to go for our summit tent that night. So you're having a huge day followed by your your biggest day ever. And so waking up, I yeah ha- had to climb from low camp two to high camp two. And again, super hot during the day, super hard work. Like the snow it was was there there's not many people on the mountains to to make a nice track yeah. or to break trail again because every time it snows you got to break trail again and then so and i've got this stupidly heavy pack after i grab the tent and everything and i'm just like i'd be looking 10 meters at a time and go i'm gonna get to there and then i'm gonna breathe for 30 seconds and then yeah have, have i'm gonna you- take 10 steps and then breathe for another 30 seconds and then I'd do that and then I'd get so exhausted that I'd downgrade it to like, oh, I'm going to take 
six steps and then 40 seconds <gasps> and i'd sort of change it in Fuck, so you'd literally just go on that slow you just not, yeah. that's what people got to realize it's that high altitude you just it's slow steps at a time yeah and wow. you can't breathe you can't get the breath in yeah as soon as you move real fast did you ever have a point where you had to move something and then you're like yeah. that's too much you get heaps of light definitely, definitely yeah you sort of like overshoot the mark a bit and get like a bit so would you look like a slow motion movie or something if you're moving? If somebody is filming you? <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, you're sort of taking a step and then like it's like shallow breathing. Um, and then like you your body's again. just not getting that oxygen. Yeah, it's just not, have not you, enough for have, your body. Have you put a limit on yourself where you've like told yourself, hey, if this happens, nah, I turn back. Like I'll get to here and reassess. Like, like what was going, yeah. what limits were you putting that you, so you didn't go kill yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, those limits like I used on the second rotation, it's like you enough, there's like enough links that are connected that you go in, you do a little equation in your brain and you go, there's enough things going wrong that this is going to put me in danger of, yeah, losing everything. So I'm not going to push those limits yeah but like you did know? you were, were you thinking like when you're like going okay six more steps 30 oh, seconds did you yeah. have a thing like saying hey like oh if this gets I down to do where it. i can't even breathe or like you know what i mean yeah. like if this gets down to like i can only oh, do for sure like i'll, I'll if, 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 yeah yeah i think if it like got to that i would i would absolutely stop for sure i mean what annoying thing that you have to manage is like it getting going from super cold to super hot because you start with all these layers on and then it gets super hot and then you're taking them off and then you've got to apply sunscreen and then you've got to go again and put lip balm on and then you have to drink water and, you, and then you, you're feeling like a little bit hungry so you've got to eat something and it's like balancing that stuff's annoying in a way. Mm, but giving your so body necessary. what it needs when it needs because if you don't mm. give the lip balm on when you need it, yeah. you'll get, fucked. Chatly, you'll get yeah. fucked. If you get sunburnt, you get blistered. And you're yeah. going to the toilet and both well, lots and... Yeah, I mean, you know, and yeah, you sort of like, yeah, all those things as well. Yeah, you got to think about. Fortunately, I think generally, like a lot of people just get constipated out of shit, so it's normally stays in, but like, yeah. Because you can't be fuck, fuck yeah. shitting. <laughs> but people do it. I mean, there's plenty of it getting around. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm too tired to shit. Dude, yeah. I can't. Do it. I had to do it. It's cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> my brother gets something. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Are you mm. fucking insane? What? Fuck. That's insane. Because the thing, the wild thing about this is because you just came from that world, mm. and so like for you, it's like more like. Oh yeah, this is just what was happening. Yeah. But for us, that world is so foreign. It's so it far away. Compute. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you were there a week ago, kind of thing. And so yeah. you come back, and we're like, you know, like that's insane. Yeah. yeah, and you don't have to say kids don't do this at home. It's dangerous because they fucking get that right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think no like... one's gonna do this. Yeah. So where are like, we? We're at uh, where it so I like kept pushing to yeah camp three so that was from camp two to three so we're back to seven work. seven six seven, and I finally five. made it to no seven seven thousand now seven thousand so, yeah yeah maybe a little above seven thousand fifty so you're camp three which is the last one that you go from yes oxygen. that's the last hike yeah. where you're actually gonna sleep yeah. so I got there so and I was hours push. I was about I was about four or five hours behind 
the Sherpa and the Mexican and the Brazilian. Because the, the, the Sherpa and the Mexican, they were climbing with oxygen. Uh, and then the Brazilian wasn't, but they he he had left. He was fresh for his third rotation because he'd acclimatized on other mountains, mm. so he was oh. fresh. And uh, he was also sharing a tent with them. He'd organized. He'd done all these clever things. He was an experienced guy, the Brazilian, and he'd done a lot of clever things to make yeah. it easier for himself. Whereas me, being a dumb Australian on his first eight thousand, I carried all the gear and only to get to high camp for the Sherpa to go, you could have squeezed in with us, you know, that, that's cool. And, like, I was like, damn, why didn't I just do that? I wouldn't have had to carry an extra four or five kilos oh tent. Oh, my God. It's crazy. You actually, like, and you meet these random people and you're like, no, share a tent, sleep real tight next to me because it's yeah. it's the thing. It's, like, yeah, it's so it's humbling because everyone's just got to look after everyone. Yeah. You're in such a – it's like the nomads mm. in Mongolia. They let you into the yurts because otherwise you'd freeze outside. So that's why people travel across, you know, it's such harsh environment. There is none of that shit. It's yeah. just like, yeah, man, like. Get in here. Yeah, just get in. And I should have done a bit of that. But yeah, so I was like hours behind um, them, which was so shit because then it meant for my summit push, I didn't have as much rest as them. And I, and I got there and I was like, I set an alarm, I think, for like four hours or something. And so I you knew you were going to push for summer. After I'd set up my tent and everything, like you're exhausted just getting there and then you got to do everything because you're by yourself. There's no Sherpa to help you <sighs> set up the tent. There's no God. porters carrying anything. So you get there, you got to set up the tent, boil your water, have your food, just stay on top of everything, plant, pack for the next day for the sump push. So I did all that. And then so I, wait, you you knew you were gonna push for summit by this point yeah. you're like hundred percent you're <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah like, I was like I'm going for it I'll start at least I I thought I've got to at least get to where I was before I th- that was like my goal at yeah. that point I was like I just want to make the seven thousand five hundred again and then if I'm feeling good enough to continue there I'll continue and if, are you feeling strong like are you ready are you feeling ready. I was feeling ready. Uh, nah, not, not as ideally ready as I would have liked. I felt tired. I felt exhausted. I hadn't had proper rest. I felt strong enough to continue, but I wasn't. I wasn't um, well rested. I was like already pretty depleted before I'd even. Oh, left so you know, like camp. the average guy probably wouldn't even go to work if he felt like. That. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? If you woke up like that, you go, yeah. I'm going to the hospital. You wouldn't do it after, after the first, the initial yeah. hike yeah. in. The initial yeah. hike in, the average guy wouldn't go to work. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, this is like on a level where it's like, you know. Well, how many days in are you now at Summit Push? I, um, like in the mountains. Oh, man, probably like, I don't know. Like since the trek started. Yeah. Like um, a month, over a month. So he, you're going a month yeah. with your body in these extremes, pushing mm. it to the limit, hardly sleeping, hardly eating. For a month. Like yeah. what, like, because we're looking at you now and like you've, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, but like you've, you've lost a lot of weight. Mm. And so like at, by this stage, like where, by this stage, like have you lost heaps of weight? Like where's yeah. your body at? Like are you, you like think that, you've hardly yeah. slept for a month. Yeah, and, yeah, and I was just getting yeah. like de- you just get dehydrated breathing because it's the air's so dry there that it just sucks everything out of you, and you're never drinking enough water. Like you're supposed to drink like four or something liters a day, and yeah, I'd be lucky to get like two two in, 
and um just and then also so you gotta carry water. it so it's sort of like always like a weird thing where you're like trying to drink water but you don't want to carry heaps and heaps of water and yeah so at this point i was pretty depleted and then of course the alarm goes off and then you're getting ready and at this time instead of leaving at 10 i'd i'd written this funny thing in my like notes it was like almost like a little thing for success and i had all these funny little like like things that i had to do it's like you know like wake up at eight it will all be great like all these yeah, stupid yeah. little like like little things and i'd kind of go over them in my head you know to like try and make it like a checklist and then so i wake up get all my stuff and then the the um the sherpa and the mexican and the brazilians they they were really Brazilian he was they were really keen and they're happy that I was there because I'd already gone higher so that and the fixed lines had been covered from camp three to the rest of the mountain and so no there was no track there's nothing so we had to waking up I was after these huge days I was sort of greeted with the uh expectation to break trail and work out the way up the mountain because I'd been up and so the 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 Sherpas, the, um, Pasang, the Sherpa, and um, and Miguel, his 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 client, were going, "Wow, oh, where did the fix line start? You know, can you take us there?" And asking me all these questions, and I was like, "It was so tough because I was already so exhausted." And then I, there was this like, like kind of like expectation because I knew the way that I'd lead, so that was tough, man. Like waking up and then starting, Fuck. and then and then I ha- I had to like break trail for like from camp three to four with Pasang the Sherpa. We would take turns and also the Brazilian, his name's Moses. We'd take turns at the front breaking trail, but it was so tough, dude, because we wake up and we were supposed to have this beautiful weather's coming. It's going to be great. And that had, I'd been text messaged, I'd been messaged um, from Alex in Australia saying your weather's going to be shit. And I was like, fuck. And that was the last thing I saw before I went to bed. And then I had to wake up and have a go. And I thought, if it's really bad, I'll turn around. So we start off and there's snow and it starts snowing. And then it's snowing so heavy that you can't even see where your fucking head torch is. Oh and we're trying to find the start of the fixed line. So, so we're, and, and and you've been told like the weather's not getting good. Yeah. It's so not, it's like... It's not getting good. So it's really hard to then stay motivated because it's cold, you're exhausted. And then you're in knee-deep snow. trying to find, And we're trying to find a rope that's been buried. And then that means also climb, normally when you climb a fixed line, it's you know it's on the surface of the snow. This means as you're climbing it, you have you're to pull pushing it up. The snow yeah, you got to push it up, thing. maybe digging it out, and then that fixed line will come to an end. And then you got to find the next one. So this Holy made holy fuck! Oh. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. So and Gasherom's and you're climbing around ice walls, mountain. looking. You're climbing over ice walls and that looking through snow yeah. to to find a th- oh my to, to, to find, find another line. line and to make things worse is previous like expeditions from years gone by they leave their lines they never take them down a lot of people just leave them because it's too much work so sometimes you might dig, be you dig up the line. wrong one and it's an old line you're climbing up and you're like holy shit this is an old line like it's got cuts all through like, it. Do, or do it's they faded. tell you what like the lines yeah. will be like colours or they put markers on to know which is this season's line? No. Nah. Or it's just it's just like <laughs> nah. you just fold until it <laughs> No, nah, you uh wanna have a good memory with the lines if you see it on a good day, or you wanna be good at reading the rope, which you become good at reading the rope pretty fast when you've been on one that's the wrong one for a little while and you come to a tear. 
but um imagine that yeah. you're climbing up the man like for, uh, and then like next thing there's rope just like goes to nowhere and just like and you're like oh shit <laughs> yeah oh, so we're climbing we're climbing up and it's it's getting cold man like it's because you're leaving in the afternoon as the sun goes down and then this this bullshit storms rolled in from nowhere and it's heavy snow and early in the piece i was going uh, what temperatures are we wasting are we our time? Every every time I'd go, I'm about to turn around. Like a positive thing would happen. Like we'd find a rope, and then it'd go, okay, we'll keep going. Or like, or like there'd be a, a break in the weather for 20 minutes, and are then you... I'd go, okay, I'll stay. But then it'd go back to shit, and then I'd go, no, I'm gonna leave. And then it, I'd see the moon, and you know, like, are you getting scared or like? I you... I at this point is a weird weird primitive thing you lock in to of like survival like i just thought just keep going like just keep climbing definitely like getting scared at some points with the cold because i couldn't feel my feet i wasn't sure honestly i wasn't sure if i had frost it was like minus 20 i wasn't sure but again and, and, and now I've, I've been in colder on denali but the problem is without oxygen your body doesn't stay warm as well and I was the only one there who didn't have a full down suit. I had a down jacket and then I had three layers of pants. But the down suits are much warmer, apparently. So I felt at points in the night, I felt so cold. Like I was shivering, like properly shivering. And I, I said to <laughs> I said I said to Moses, who I became quite close mates with at one point, I said to him, because I'd finally caught up to them so for, for the summit push so i could sort of climb we were then a team like a bit of a team of four but i wasn't roped up i wasn't roped up i was the only one not roped up to them so they're roped up to each other and i think i, I think there was some politics going on about if they wanted to rope up with me when i had nothing to do with their expedition paid expedition so i was fine with that but Moses, i said to moses at one point i said i'm so cold i think i might turn around and I think he just he just said like a couple of things to me like I forget what they were, <laughs> but it was like motivating enough for me to keep going. So I kept wow. pressing on um, through the snow, and we did the traverse, and the sun started to come up, which I was so happy about just to see see like even though it was like a whiteout sort of storm, just to start seeing the light coming, and then you you can turn your head torch off. But at this point, it was really heavy snow, so we'd just been working super hard throughout the whole night, and and just the exhaustion that you feel we, we, after that, like I was just starting to get so tired going up. But like, <laughs> you, I'd get songs stuck in my head for like hours, like certain songs that I like. You like, I kept getting like the main riff, like it was like on a loop in my head. And I was like, this is so crazy. Like, and I couldn't get it out of my head. What like, song? I couldn't get it. There's a song, um, uh, it's called Sports Star by like Alex G, this, this dude. And it's just like, I don't know. I had that song stuck in my head for a while. There's like another song, Community Service Announcement, that I had that's got this like repetitive sort of thing in it. <laughs> and But it would be annoying. Like I wanted to get it out of my head. But I think because I was doing it, repetitive motion like you know yeah. like you know left foot right foot ice axe left foot right because i was doing this repetitive motion i think 
my brain just kept going back to this thing. Are you, yeah, are you, it wasn't the hokey pokey, man. <laughs> yeah, what I know. It could have been worse. Right yeah. As you're spiking through the ice and it's freezing, you, yeah. so like minus 20 and yeah. minus, like that'd be cold wind chill. Yeah. You're like, how, like how fast are you, wait, I've got a couple of questions. How fast are you going at this point now that you're getting high altitude? What altitude are we up to? And yeah. then when that sun started coming up, even though it was a white out, mm. did it stay cold? So it's it stayed pretty cold and it kept snowing and it, what was what was annoying for me is like it, it's like we're going for the summit. This is where the views would have been the craziest. And every now and again you get a glimpse through the cloud of other mountains and the view and it'd be beautiful. But yeah, it's like pretty disappointing in a way because like yeah, at the most beautiful part and you can't even really enjoy it. So it was like this white dreamland that I started to fall wow. into and I kept climbing and I ended up separating from the other guys i think i was i was definitely the most exhausted out of everyone and probably the least uh acclimatized probably yeah just the most exhausted like the other guys had ox two of them like the sherpa and his client had oxygen which is like huge difference and then moses uh he's very experienced climber. He's climbed seven or eight other 8,000ers, so without oxygen. So he was ve- very experienced. And he's a trekking guide, so he does it all year. And then I... So there's a bit of a moment where we all split up. And at this point, it's probably like... like do you seven, say words? Do you say, oh, hey, guys, I'm just going to... No, you're just climbing. Because you're separate. You're just climbing. Yeah. You sort of might say, how are you doing? How are you coping? Or something like that. There might be a few words if you're close, but... We split up at around like the 7,800 mark. So we had two, 230 metres to go. And that's when things got really weird uh. for me. I, I, um, so I'm climbing and uh, I see Moses like go over like, like a bit of a, like a knoll, like a bit of an edge and around the side of a rock. And then I hear like clapping and hollering and like people whistling. Like I was like showing up to a party or something, or like that, like he had a cheer squad for him, and I'm like, "What the fuck? Like, is there?" I was thinking like, there must be other climbers on the mountain. I'm like, that's like, what is going on? That's so weird. And I could keep hearing it, and I'd get closer to the rock. And I got over the edge, and no one was there. And I was hearing it as real as anything. Isn't that haze? You know, you're starting to like... Yeah, and I was like, what is going on? I like, I knew, like, I'm aware enough to go, like, this is in my head. I'm starting to really feel the altitude. You're hallucinating. You're getting hypothermia too. And I think I was... I I think it was like... But it kept happening. So I'd get over the rock and then I'd be like, there's... There, I could I could hear it again, and then I'd go to the next rock, and then silence again. And I'm you get sort of like, this is crazy. Like I'm really starting to. No, I wasn't cold at that point because lucky the sun had come out. But I think I was just exhausted, and I was really just feeling the attitude. Oh my god! And um, so d- did you have yeah. a moment? Because it doesn't. Isn't that what happens? Why a lot of people die? They go into that euphoric state where everything's fine when they get haze and they just stop. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're just like, oh, they're not cold anymore. They're not yeah. like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I um did some. I don't feel like I was close to death or anything like that. I mean, I was dying though. This is the thing. I was yeah, dying, your body's above, dying above seven five or something. One of the base camp doctors said because I always thought it was above eight thousand. That's where the death. 
like certain size goes nuts nah, actually much lower than that but it gets really serious above eight thousand. but yeah my body is dying and like and that's a crazy feeling man when your body is starting to die and i was exhausted from the beginning and it's a very you're feeling sort of the life just like I don't know. It's very weird. And you, no matter how heavy you breathe, it's and you're not fully sort of recovering. It's very crazy. Yeah, man. You just can't like, get breath in. Are you are you feeling guilty for your body? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm like, what is? I don't know all the emotions. Yeah. I did that just, thing. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh no, not even that. It's just like you're starting to die. It's like it's it's your your body. You're pushing your body to the limit for your mind. Your mind's taking. You know, the body's the vehicle of the soul. Yeah, the soul and the mo- the mind. You know, so it's like you're taking. You know, yeah. so your you know, mind's the only thing that's keeping you going, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like my body was definitely starting to uh, feel weaker and weaker. I was feeling way more exhausted, and then they these um hallucinations of noises started happening. And at that point, I was like, I thought I I was like maybe I'll turn around here, and I checked my GPS, and I had only like another like. 50 meters to the summit oh yeah but 50 meters yeah. is like hours, it's hard to it? tell in like the wide out like it was hard to tell where i was because i'm in a wide out and then by that point i'd lost sight of the other boys because they'd gone over like a few sort of rocky or like snowy outcrops and i decided i'll keep going but if yeah it gets too crazy like um or if i start feeling sick i'm just going to descend straight down how steep is this right now where you're at? Uh, I need to get better with my degrees. I don't I don't know. It's steep enough that you're, you're using your crampons and you're on a, you're on a rope, like you're, you're pulling yourself up and, you, oh, and using wow. your ice axe. It's that steep. And then at times you're sort of mixed, is it, like mixed climbing. Are um, you still, every step If you fall, you, you take, could fall. Like you'd slide down, yeah. definitely. Like you'd easily. So it's really it's it's steep, steep enough. Yeah. yeah, it's steep. But then, yeah, the, so that was the first hallucination. And then I'm climbing <laughs> and I see a rock about maybe 30 meters away. It's just a rock. And I'm looking at the rope and in the corner of my eye, I just see it gyrating a bit, like just kind of like wobbling. And I'm like, Far out. like I'm really starting to feel the effects like now of this altitude. And I'm like huffing and puffing. And I look up and it's like my worst nightmare. It has molded, shape-shifted. This is going to sound so crazy. And I didn't tell anyone this until like days after. It's shape-shifted into a minotaur. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what that is? Yeah, like the fucking... No, what is it? Thing. It Isn't was it like a, that dude, one it was eye? the weirdest yeah, shit that. ever. I'm looking and it was freaking me out because I knew it was in my head and I was trying not to look at it. I was like, don't, it's not real. Like, don't look at it. Don't acknowledge it. And then I'd like look up and it would be walking down the mountain. Like, so it was like this big jacked like looking body and a big, big cat, like bull's head with horns but I could see it from a distance. So it wasn't like close, but I knew it was, the, and it was doing this like slow motion walk down the mountain. And I was just tripping out at that point. Like how, was it I like was as like, real what? as real when you're looking at it? 
man, it was as real as anything. So like, I kept looking at it, Dude. it wasn't changing. I was, I could look at it. Oh my god! And I honestly, I had my mouth, my mouth dropped, and I was like breathing so heavy, and I was just like, "What the fuck?" Dude. And then I just decided, I was like, "I'm just gonna put my head down. It's not real. It's not there." And I checked my GPS quickly, and I was wigging out a bit, and I, <laughs> and I checked, and then I had like. 20 meters to go like, i was Whoa! like at the summit oh my god so it was like just right near the summit this thing and i fucking like and i swear like i was so embarrassed to tell it and i even like saying this like i'm sure there's gonna be people no, somewhere who's nah. climb but Do you know and what? said i've never experienced that but i think the fact that i was so exhausted and the attitude and everything dude your was body was dying shit. your body was dying when we die our pineal gland and liver discretes well so they think discretes dmt Right, oh, you're fucking. You're dude. tripping. You're, you're, have, no, it's not even tripping. It's like, have yeah. you ever done DMT no, no. or like ayahuasca? It's like no. it's as real as fucking real. It's the mm. most realest thing ever. Like you travel or like you, mm. you go into these different dimensions or different worlds, and it's fucking the most realest thing. And the thing is, you always see your your biggest truth there because you, your soul separates from your ego. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's saying it's like it's like doing DMT or ayahuasca. It's literally like dying. That's what they yeah. say. It is like you die and go into the after realm. But it's like that's happens when dmt when supposedly you die because they found mm. it in rats yeah. i wonder if like your body's actually shutting down you're that exhausted you're actually yeah. dying you're at the point where you're literally starting to see the white light you're literally starting to fucking see god dude it was crazy and I, like i'm not particularly religious i don't believe in like you know whatever but no if but there like, is that that i was feeling some crazy energy <laughs> i was feeling like <laughs> i was getting some closer DMT. to whatever that was and Whoa. What like I you know I was actually embarrassed initially like after everything to tell anyone but then I eventually confided and told Moses and um Pasang the um the Mexican Miguel the Mexican Sherpa and they were like yeah like we've experienced that and Pasang went on to tell me that he'd seen uh uh or it might have actually been another Sherpa Temba he he said he has been on the mountain and had to give his client oxygen because theirs has run out and he's seen forests on top of a summit like a full green forest and then Whoa. moses told me a story how he he was seeing some crazy stuff and then he even got so mixed up because of the altitude sickness on i think it was like dalagiri or one of these other eight thousanders that he thought the way down was on the other side of the mountain so he started climbing oh, no. back up and then it wasn't until he ran into another climber who was like, mate, like you're going the wrong way. And he's like, oh, I'll go down the other side. And he's like, there's no other side. Like, this is the only one. <laughs> this is the only way down. Like, this is the route. And, oh, my and God. Then, <sighs> and convinced him to go back down. But he, in that story, he was saying, like, he reckons if he hadn't run into that guy, who knows what could have happened to him. And this is what happens. This is what mm. happens to mountaineers. They... Some of them, yeah, climb high, get altitude sickness and start doing bizarre things. Like one bizarre thing I did is like really cold, like not hypothermia, but I did undo my top like jacket. I felt really hot, but that doesn't make any sense because it was really, so for whatever reason, I did feel really hot, but um, Miguel, the Mexican, went on to tell me, he said it was really cold up there. He said, I don't know why you had your, your jacket undone. And in my summit video, you can see my jacket's undone. And like, you, and you, can, you took you your gloves off. There's chest. no gloves on yeah, there. Yeah, so. like, it w that, that, I had to do that for the camera and I was really quick. But um, yeah, yeah, you ha I, I had to take my gloves off. And fortunately, the wind wasn't too, too nuts. Stupid, but, um, yeah, no, it's like, 
I remember one time we just sat Whistler up the top and it was like minus 25 and I took my gloves off Yeah. and um, to take a photo and then I put the gloves back on and I could whole day aching yeah. I just could not get them warm again yeah. and I've always been like super cautious now so it's just like taking your hands out because it might might not be able to get it warm again yeah freaking dude dude you need mittens mittens are the best like because like, then you can like what what I do is I like make a fist so even if my fingers get super cold I'll make like a fist inside the mittens so I'll even take my thumb out and then I'll just like sort of clench it Whoa. and like let go and that's what but yeah yeah that's unfortunately good... yeah you have to take your <laughs> well, gloves off to Use the phone or whatever. But oh, your body's literally dying. They say like with um, haven't they said like there's been heaps of stories about mountaineers like, and suddenly like thinking like they're somewhere else, taking that you know shirt yeah. off, like sitting down, and be like, no, nah, I'm heaps hot, you yeah. Know? And then they just go delusional and walk off. And yeah, and that, that happened recently on um Annapurna, where Italian and a and a um Swiss mountaineer they were on Annapurna and they got caught in a storm and and I actually met two of the Sherpas that rescued him rescued them one and, and they both got severe frostbite but the, one of the most concerning thing was is they were talking to them and they were going we're fine we're fine and they're going no you're in a storm like you've got frostbite and then one of them fully took his jackets off and everything and and he was an experienced climber and he just must have been having like because they were at altitude and then they were in a storm they must have just been feeling it really bad but yeah like what the italian lost both hands nose oh all sorts of things God. the um swiss climber i think he's just lost some fingers but like the point is yeah i think you can make some bizarre things i think the thing is as well maybe some people believe in the hallucinations maybe if they get really bad you mm. really start believing them whereas at least in my case i was like i wasn't even that high I mean, I, I'm at 8,000 metres, but in comparison to, uh, like, you know, Everest where you get up to 8,800 and whatever, like, I can just imagine, like, they get so bad, people believe them, whereas I knew they were fake. Like, I knew it was mm. a hallucination. I knew not to, like, take them too seriously. Yeah, you seriously. still had your mind, Try and like... ignore them and it, keep focused on the rope and what I was doing. You're like, literally losing your mind. All these things were mm. happening. Do you remember that, um, mm. that film? It was based on the true story about these guys going for that lost village in like Colombia or, or Peru. Mm. You're like, you know, and they went in and they got split up and the guy got lost and he got stuck in there for like months or whatever. And they oh, made a movie and yeah. he was like tripping out. He's hallucinating. Yeah. He had that, they that, made a movie. that, um, yeah. that shaman woman came to him and he was like in love with her and making love to her. It's like, and then realized he's just. You know, he's just hallucinating because yeah. he's dying. Like, he's wow. just lost his mind. Like, yeah. you're, what you're saying is you literally, Dude, you'll push yourself. That just reminded me what Moses, Moses' hallucination, one of them was a beautiful girl that wasn't there. That just reminded me. Whoa. My, my wow. Brazilian friend, he said he saw a really beautiful girl <laughs> and she wasn't there. And I think he even knew her from, like, Brazil or Austria or something. He'd met, he met her, but he saw her on the mountain. She wasn't there. But yeah, it's crazy Holy what your brain shit. does. Fuck. All right. So you're 20. <sighs> wow. Okay. Wait, wait. You're 20 meters from the summit. Yeah. You're in a whiteout. You've been freezing cold all day. You've pushed yourself. You're at, so you're at 8,000 meters, right? Or 8,010 mm. meters. Yeah. Okay. You're hallucinating, but you're, you're losing your mind. Your body's dying. You're shutting down. How fast are you moving? Like, even though you've only got 20 meters left, you just said you've, like you had 50 yeah. and you've done in this 20 meters you've just done, you've started tripping, you're hallucinating. <laughs> it's like, how long has it taken you to do a meter? Yeah. Oh, pr pretty slow. I mean, like, 
a meter, like, I don't know, maybe, you know, like slow comparatively to how quick I could normally. I wasn't ridiculous. Otherwise, I would have turned around. But, like, I don't know. Like, maybe the last 10 meters might have taken me, like, 20 minutes, 15 minutes just to get that little little last bit. <sighs> maybe 15 minutes. You're like, oh, so I'm like, not that. No. Like, I wasn't going that slow. But yeah. You know what I, I mean? Know. It's just like, that's how it's It's hard like, to remember also. Like, all, but well, it's I, like, I, I, what I know is almost like what my friend, like mm. the other mountaineers told me how I was. Because like, I think they just said I was pretty fucked up. up. <laughs> no, no, but it's not. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm, you were yeah. with these guys at the top. So they, they saw me on their way back down. They saw me. They saw me at the summit. They saw me like I passed them on their way back down. Like maybe at like 20 minutes In your video the they're behind, like yeah, they're going. They no. took a photo of me just at the sun. They t- I need to get it off one of the guys, but he yeah. got a photo of me like at the top of the fixed lines. No, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to paint like, I re- I'm trying to paint the picture for the listener to understand yeah. like how much effort yeah. it takes you. Like it, ta- like how much effort mm. it takes a person to do that last ten meters or that last yeah, twenty meters or whatever. Look, look, like I, I to don't do- know how long it was, but it was hard work. Like, yeah, no, I, that's I was, the thing. It's like it's like everyone thinks it goes. Oh yeah, no, only like fifty meters, only hundred meters, only twenty meters. It's like no, twenty meters is like doing five k. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like twenty <laughs> meters is like doing like you know what I mean. It's like you're gonna go. That's like you're trying yeah. to breathe. Like what's in your summit video? Yeah, like I. Your summit video, it's like, you're like, <gasps> you can tell that there's no oxygen. You can see it. You're trying to talk and say like, hey, you just summited. And you're like, <gasps> oh, you yeah. know you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> yeah, trying to do every hard. step. Like, yeah. it's like. Yeah. It's that, like a, it's the worst. It's, it's hard. It's like, I think like, so the oxygen up there is like 20 or 30% of like what it is here at sea level. So then. Yeah, you're breathing a lot more, but it's not doing anything. Like it's like, but yeah, it's it's hard work. I can't. It's easily the hardest thing. And I was so exhausted to start for my third rotation that I was wrecked. That, and I was so stoked. I almost couldn't believe it when I did get to the summit. It was very surreal and yeah, strange feeling. Yeah, what did that feeling. feel like? And luckily, also my those hallucinations had sort of cleared up. Strangely, at the summit, I think maybe just the the exhilaration and like the you just the feeling of actually making it to the summit f- and maybe even just that rest, having what? a bit of rest at the summit for five, ten minutes. I sort Is of there a little place to got my head back or a bit. Something or? Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, Gashabrom 2 has a very sharp summit. But, yeah, at the top, like, it looks like a razor in the picture in a way. But then at the top, it's, like, pretty decent, decent spot. What, um, what, what was going through your mind the last ten metres? Was yeah. it still white out? Unfortunately, it was a white out. Just white. So you're just so looking at You don't even know that. Oh, my God. But also cool in a sense because it was just like white. Isn't oh, that scary, so but cool. You could yeah. take a step in like... Yeah, oh, for sure. 8,000 metres. Yeah. Wait. I mean, I like... Those last few metres were surreal and I just like got to the top and just had to like breathe and like I got emotional at times like... I, and I, what's weird is I tried to make a few videos and I, I probably made like six, but only two turned out. The others are just like incoherent. Like you can't really see like what's happening or I haven't got the ca- the camera close enough to hear like what I'm saying. But luckily, like at least one or two of them turned out okay. But yeah, man, the feeling of going up was amazing. And I took um this time, because I told you in the last, last time, like I was going to take a like a photo of someone who passed away and this time 
I took a friend of my little brother's who had passed away a few years ago, like his uh, funeral pamphlet, and I took that to the top for his family and made a little video. And I, wa- yeah, I, I want to go back and do... So his brother um, passed away as well, Thomas. The Kellys, the Kelly brothers, are there's quite a uh, got a lot of media because Thomas, his elder brother, died of a king hit. Oh, well, not a king hit, like a coward punch. And then unfortunately, Stuart, yeah, he took his own life a few years later. But I'd love to take. So I took a photo of Stuart to the top of G two, and then I want to take. A photo of Tom Thomas to the top of G1 and go back and do G1. So I think that's a nice thing. Like maybe, I don't know. It's a little bit higher. He was the older brother. I don't know. Go back. I feel like it'd be a nice thing to do. Wow. I think it's fitting. I don't know. That's know. So did, that was nice to have, place that on top. Did you have that in your mind as well? Like wanting to do do that Definitely. for them? Like did that, do you reckon that gave you extra strength? 100%. Yeah. And I felt, you know, I, when, you, when you're looking at that, their photo... At night, you sort of, it get, yeah, definitely. Like, I, it feeds the fire. Did you, you tell them that you were going to do that? I didn't tell. I just told my sister and my mum, because my mum's very close with uh, their mother, Kathy, mm. Ralph. So, no, I just told them. I was kind of, like, unsure whether I should do it. It's, like, almost like it's an honour to take it there. And I almost feel like, I almost wanted to ask permission, because it's kind of like a, mm. I don't know, a bit of a strange thing, but... Yeah, like, mm. look, I, um, I'm i happy I did it. It gives it more of a meaning to, like, do mm. that. And then, yeah, like, mm. it was nice to send the video to them first. And um, they were definitely in them, in my mind. And, I mean, to be honest, like, like their passing makes and people who you have in your life who pass away, it, like, feeds the fire to want to yeah. get out and have a go at life and do the things that you'd normally maybe be too frightened mm. to attempt to do. What's amazing about you, Patty, is that you you know this. You know what I mean? It's just mm. like what you did in your past and how much meaning you put into it and, you know, the stuff with your dad. You know, all that stuff to actually have that depth and that feeling and, and, and use that to push on and motivate you. Basically, like, it's like you've been given a gift that at a young age you you know what it means to live life or you know how important it is to live life. Mm. You know, some people go their whole lives and never fucking have that awareness or they're waking up, you know. Yeah. Rio and mm. I have talked about this before. To have like, like yeah. that at such a young age, to be able to give yourself that and to be able to live with meaning, yeah. you know, and live with honour like that. It's like fucking yeah, it's pretty incredible, dude. Like you just went and did something that like fucking like not many people can do. You know what I mean? You went and did something that was bigger than you, greater than you, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy experience. And I like, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah. When, when you're going up that last 10 metres, yeah. like, and you knew all that planning, all that hard work, mm. all that pushing yourself, those blisters, falling through the freaking ice, you know, like everything that you'd gone through that last, like to know that you're going to summit, you know, was it what, you know, that last few mm. steps, like what, what was yeah. that like? Yeah. Just like, yeah. Emotional man. And just, um, surreal, but you're only halfway there you got to come down and that's, that's, oh that's the, oh my God. It's like, oh man, like it, it almost went over my head. Like, and then this is, I'm ha- like, that's it. You're halfway there. So then I knew I had to get down and, and 
it's your job is not finished. It's a relief, but it's not finished. It's you're halfway there and you have to get down. So then, you then you turn and you go, oh, now it's time to rappel down the mountain and I need to concentrate on everything I do oh, here because it can all be lost in, <laughs> you know, in, oh a, in a moment's lapse of concentration. So um, that's that's where you got to put the ego aside too. Again, it's just like, Absolutely. yeah, you've just you've done it. You've like, mm. did you? How long did you give yourself on the summit just to like just probably like five ten minutes, not long, really, yeah. and. Who knows how long we've been climbing by that mm. point? Because what's your weather window now? Like it's like you've pushed. Like what's like is the sun coming up? Like how long do you have until? Yeah, the sun's up at that point. I've got a feeling it was like it's sort of uh, midday at summit because like the summit was extremely long day and extremely hard because we had such poor conditions. And then coming down, I won't get be too overzealous with the story, but I. I I came down, came down, rappelled down the fixed lines, and then there's a traverse where you go sort of a cut across the mountain to uh, camp four before you then rappel again down the, the next fixed lines. And across that traverse, on the way back down, the other guys, the Mexican, Brazilian, and the Sherpa, they were raping up. And then they said, they actually offered to me, they said, Do you want to rape up with us for the traverse? And at that point, I thought, I've just summited, like, and like, it's probably smart for me to do that. Mm, so I hadn't been yeah. roped up. I hadn't even been part of them. Someone had come back down, maybe repelled, yeah, 300 metres or something, and then they'd offered to rope up. And I said, yeah, like, why not? Like, may as well. So I roped up with them, and we're cutting across the traverse, and uh, Pasang, uh, who was at the front, um, the Sherpa, went the Sherpa, the Mexican, myself, and then Moses, I think. Or maybe even I was at the back. And you're hardly talking because they got oxygen on and you're just ice axe and, and yeah. crampon and yeah. just, so, oh my God. Yeah, they and sound like still Darth out. Vader, the other guys, like um, the, the Sherpa and the Mexican. They, some, it's funny as well because they go to talk and then you're like, dude, I can't hear you. You got your mask on. like. <laughs> but yeah, so we're coming back down and it's sort of getting hotter and being snowy and still a whiteout coming down. And uh, we're roped up. And Pasang at the front, he said he asked me because he had like a trekking pole, and he said, "Can I?" I don't like it was really weird. I actually don't know why he asked, but he said he 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 said like wanted to give me the trekking pole in broken English and me give him my ice axe. So I just was like, "Yeah, no worries." So he was at the front, like, and I think I've got a feeling it was I had a nice long ice axe because. It's like an old-fashioned one. And, and I think he was check. He kept checking to see cavities, oh. see if there was like a little um, sort of uh, crevasse or, or, or I think he was checking for avalanche. Anyway, we keep going and then fucking uh, avalanche starts happening and we're like on, on, on top of us and on it and we're on it. And, what, do, what do you mean? You and, just use a, use a all roped in together, not roped, roped onto anything else, not roped yeah, in the mountain. Yeah, we're just roped together, traversing across. But you're not on a fixed line. No fixed line. And the, what, what happens is like the side of the mountain just starts moving under your feet. The whole thing starts sliding and uh, I have Pasang's trekking pole. Not and a pickaxe to a rest. You don't have your ice. Well, you can't do much anyway. And like, as the snow's moving, uh, and the first thing that happens, like I won't ever forget this, the, the um, <laughs> the trekking pole just got like sucked straight under because the basket and like just full, like got reefed out of my hand. And then we're on this thing, and I remember um Moses the Brazilian like 
yell avalanche like as we were in it it's kind of like it's funny everyone yells that even when you know what's going on <laughs> and we're going down the mountain and um getting covered and my rope was like going under like getting pulled under <gasps> and i don't know why and i don't know if it was a good thing or bad thing but i unclipped from it and as, as, yeah as what? i as i because i felt it going under the snow and i felt myself getting pulled under and i was like fuck that i don't want to be luckily i had a um a snaplock carabiner and i just like pulled it and like undid it and that went under the snow and i sort of stayed above the surface and but luckily the whole thing just came to an end and it wasn't a it wasn't a slab avalanche so it wasn't like a big powder like it wasn't like a big wall of powder coming at us we, it was like we were on it and the whole thing was sliding but then we were like it was like almost like we we're in like a river it was very strange and then luckily yeah it came to an end like it just what? stopped are you thinking you might die you know i i you don't i wasn't thinking oh i might die i was just thinking how can I stay on top of this snow? Like the whole time I was just trying to like stay on top, just like as it was like sort of rolling with us. And and um, I luckily was sort of on top. Um, but saying the Sherpa probably got covered the most. He was quite buried. And it was very just like intense experience. <laughs> like um, Moses at the back, he self-arrested with his ice axe and that might have been the thing that stopped us continuing because he was a bit higher up. And I think he self-arrested and sort of like almost, it was created by us as well. Like the avalanche mm. was our doing, our weight on a slab had caused it to fall. Do you get what I mean? Mm. Like, but yeah, it was intense, man. And we came to an end and, we, and Pasang had snow like all in his jacket and just covered in it. Like, did every, you just have to dig him out or, or, he could, or he could climb out? Uh, he, he, he uh, I think, I think yeah no we helped dig him out and then and then um everyone's just like because you're puffing to start with and then you're really puffing and then you have oh, adrenaline shit. so just we just needed then like 15 minutes to get our to get our um, breath back but yeah it was very intense i would have been shaking this year yeah and how far did you fall probably slid about like maybe like like it's hard to say in the white out but i reckon like 30 meters 40 meters. oh my god yeah. that is a yeah like that's... enough to be scary and and what's scary is like at the bottom of that there's like a big um like where we were like if we kept going like n maybe another i don't know a fair distance probably like another 50 100 meters if we'd kept going there's just like a massive drop off and i that's one thing i was thinking about as we were going across i was like far out there's like a huge drop on our left like we don't want to slide the whole way into that like but Anyway, we we were okay. We were okay. I, lo <laughs> yeah. I lost. I lost the um. We some of us lost some gear. Like, Pasang kept my ice axe. Like, luckily, and uh, you know, we lost a couple of trekking poles and a little bit of stuff. But we were all okay. No one was injured or anything. But and then yeah. now, are you off your course? Like, because you're following a certain yeah. line. So like now you. Yeah, we're a bit off it and it made returning back really hard work back to high camp. And Good also, camp yeah, and also our tracks that we'd come in on had all been covered because of the heavy snow. So that was really annoying. So and how do you know where to go? Out. You keep looking Man, at your inreach? I have no idea how the hell we made it. <laughs> I was going, like, we'd sort of all discuss it and then uh, Pasang, the um, Sherpa who was leading the Mexican, um, he just had this 
I think they just have this awesome, um, and I feel like we become out of touch with it. It's like a, it's almost like um, a sixth sense for like where yeah. to go. Like, like he just had an amazing sense of uh, like awareness of where, and also he, yeah, he's on oxygen and things, so he could like, I think he could make really good judgment. Also, at a turning point, we left a bottle of oxygen at one of the main points on the way down. So that was like our marker to like, oh, okay, this is where we turn. Yeah. Oh, that's lucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but regardless, like I think a lot of these, I'd say it's like a skill that like experienced, and I, I got much better at it even at the, towards the end of the trip. I was much better. It's like a, it's like a. Um, it's almost like tracking. You become like a... Because you're looking at little details in the snow or like little clues for where you've been yeah. or where, where the smart place to go would be. And it's like you're like kind of tracking and re- route navigation. Oh, route you'd be looking up too. If shit like happens, a, it's like, oh, there's yeah. a little hollow there or something there. Yeah. That's a safe space. Try to get to that place. Like if something happened. Yeah. But like Sherpas and like, you know, high altitude porters and, you know, really experienced mountaineers. Mm. I think it's like they develop this skill without a GPS. It's yeah. just that reading and the mountain and reading the snow and where, and they become really good at it. So at high camp, did you leave, like you left that camp set up and just had a summit pack and you just pushed for summit yeah. and back? Did you take anything? What was like your, like if shit goes south stuff, did you have an emergency blanket? Like what, what was the yeah, stuff you I had Yeah, I had an here? emergency bivy. I took a Garmin inReach, like GPS yeah. navigation, which we, we used a couple of times, like which I used to see how high, like even with elevation. I was going to send some messages to loved ones or whoever, and but, like, it just wasn't the priority. Like, I, yeah. I just wanted to film it and get down safely. But, yeah, like, you take you take a bit of food, you take some energy gels, uh, just just the essentials. Take I took a litre of water, which isn't a lot, but, no. but also you can't really take it in that well uh, at altitude anyway. Like, um, Lisa, oh, I found, like, your appetite goes and your... You definitely stay a bit thirsty, but like, yeah, you don't. So even though you're losing weight, you're not hungry. You're not starving. Well, yeah. Well, like the um altitude just takes away your like your body's ability to eat properly and stuff. So, but yeah, that's what I took just in uh, in a little bag, and I took a super light bag. My summit bag was perfect, I think. But I would have liked a couple of things. Yeah. I would like I would have liked a down suit maybe instead, just to stay a bit warm. Um, and the other guys all had electric socks and stuff what so i was Little. just like so jealous because are I you gonna do that. that if you do it again oh, i'd consider it. i don't know they're a bit of a i don't know i think they can be good and comfortable but if if your body gets used to the heat they produce and the batteries die and then it's like a big shock for your body i think i don't know i'm no scientist yeah, or doctor but yeah, i think yeah. like maybe if your body hasn't adjusted naturally to the cold and then all of a sudden it's cut off i feel like I don't know. Then this is based on no science. <laughs> this is theory. Yeah. Like I don't know. In my opinion, it could make your body not be able to adjust quick enough to the cold. Maybe mm. that's some people get frostbite that way. Do you, could you wear them and not have them turned on? Yeah, that's what most people do. They wear and them and have them for emergencies. Cold, and that's what I've considered. Yeah, yeah, yeah just having them and then yeah. having the batteries and then yeah. Because mm. can you yeah. feel your feet this whole time? Because nah. they're just immersed. In I stuff. couldn't feel them. So if you would have had those socks, would you have turned them on for that part of the trip? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Could you? Could you? I was, yeah, I was so yeah, envious of the so other guys. So they're just those frozen yeah. stumps that you're throwing in front of each other, your feet. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's just like, like just... fro. I can't. You can't feel. I couldn't even feel wriggling my toes. What about your hands? I think my be... hands were okay. Hands aren't typically as much of a problem because you can do stuff with them. In it, I've got super warm boots. So I've got like Olympus Mons, which are supposed to be the warmest boots you can get. But I don't know. <laughs> like my my feet still get cold. Yeah, I th- I think I'd get maybe. I'd probably do it. I'd probably get them just as an emergency. Yeah. Maybe. But then as well, it's like you got to consider everything. you got to carry the, the batteries and you just got to weigh up if it's worth it for you and yeah. a couple of things. But yeah, if you, I was on a notoriously cold mountain, yeah, you definitely, they could come in handy. So you're on your way back to, to <sighs> high camp. You've just been through the avalanche. You've, you found your bottle of air to know where to turn. Yeah. How, like when, when is high camp... Like what's this? Like what hours are we talking from summit push from like waking up yeah. to that you're gonna get back to camp? Like what? How many hours are you looking at just straight trekking? It was straight climbing for twenty two, so twenty two straight hours of climbing to to high camp to summit back to high camp, and then I still had to go. I had f- four hours sleep, and then I had to descend from high camp. All the way down to base camp. Is that because of the, just the weather to base window? Camp. Yeah. Through three and everything. This bad weather was coming. Was, uh, so you oh went even through the God. ice field. You went yeah. through the ice. I had to go through all that again. And it was so shit because we had to go through. So descending down the mountain, all repelling and stuff. And then we we actually met up with Temba, another Sherpa, and he had a Mexican who didn't quite go as high on the mountain. They'd given up, but they were going down as well. So then we could, we we connected up with them and. What sucked is we had very limited time, so and we were all exhausted, like all of us are exhausted, and we're repelling down. But what is sort of helping is as you're coming down, the air's getting a bit thicker. Yeah, you're starting to, but you're still exhausted. And then we had to go across the plateau and then through the ice fall during the day, coming back down, and that was that how was is- the toughest. Uh, Honestly, going across the plateau after we've summited and everything but and we ran out of water because we like didn't stop and boil some so you know what we were all doing we were all putting snow in our what i did i put snow in my nalgene bottle and then i'd like strap it to the outside of my pack and then i'd shake it to try and um, melt it enough to then drink and we were and the snow we're just sinking and the crevasses had opened up heaps coming down and what normally would take, I think, coming down one time, it took us four hours to get from camp one down to down to base camp, and this took us 12, because every <laughs> single step, we fucking, we would sink in, and it, it was just, and it's so hot, it was like we were in a desert, it was like we are in a desert, and you can hear the water all around you, and you're just like, oh, I want to drink, but you can't drink. Um, you can't get to it. It's down it's, in the crevasses. It's down in the crevasses. And then there's soft, slushy snow on the surface. Can you throw snow in your mouth as you're going? Yeah, you can do that. But here's the crazy thing. And I, this never happened to me before. And it's common. I got a sunburnt tongue. I had My tongue got sunburnt. And so did some of the other guys. Because your mouth's open and you're, you're like, trying to get puffy. And it, yeah, so like... It was, the, it was so you just fucked <laughs> So then you can't even like oh it was just hell to be so, honest. So it was hell coming down that last that last day coming down because we knew. So that the weather, weather was cl- cleared up too for that. 
Actually, so yeah. it was it was so as soon as we got we got to the top of the ice fall and it was again every time I went through the ice fall it was a different ice fall. It was like it had like like ten different personalities. Like sometimes it'd be heavy deep snow and hard to not and then on our last time it was just super hot during the day and it had melted and then it was just like super icy but then it was like sugar it was it was like sh- sugar that was like falling apart so you, it's just that shit's the most dangerous in my mind and, I, and probably most mountaineers you don't want to be climbing in a sugary ice fall and yeah it's all falling and melting and then as we were as we're approaching how, how are you staying focused dude it's so exhausting and you know it's funny at the top of the ice wall i was fed up being tied in with the, the guys we'd, oh. we'd, we'd crossed we'd crossed like no. the da- like the most dangerous part and i was like guys i'm unroping i'm not and i actually went i went ahead through the ice wall by myself yeah. why yeah i just knew just, i yeah. sort of kind of remembered the way like pretty confidently enough i don't know it was like like i knew i don't know i, I felt confident yeah enough to were they following you navigate and they were they were going a bit like because you know like one of them was wasn't as agile and it was very frustrating and like you know how i was saying earlier like when you're sitting under a nice serac you don't want to be there for long mm. so i just had this thing in my head like it's pretty dangerous and like there's ice falling everywhere and like it's unstable i just wanted to be just almost like sneaking through so that's what i did i just mm. like i, I, did, I didn't want to be waiting too. waiting under a nice serac yeah. or in a you know sort of and less weight going across cracks and yeah things like that but yeah um when you got that four hours sleep back after the summit push like mm. i like you're completely like you've just been going for 22 hours Mm. and now you're only getting four hours sleep can you even sleep like did you get asleep or like what yeah i had i had um i I did fall asleep i was so exhausted i was at seven thousand. i fell asleep my alarm went off and i was just like shit i gotta get down this off this mountain did, did you i just kept thinking of base camp you know what i kept thinking of? i just kept thinking of a coffee at base camp i was like just walking and just getting a hot coffee oh so that's all i was you, thinking you know about. You, and your alarm goes off sometimes and you're just like you know what nut yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know what i mean you, you get that feeling that. you just like yeah. you just don't even have that option no it like goes off you're just like oh, nah i'm on i've got to get off the mountain i've got to yeah. go god yeah and and like I didn't. Oh, I almost forgot this de- detail. At camp, as we were going past camp one, I started just spewing up. I think I was just exhausted. So going across that plateau when it was super hot and I, you know, had the sunburnt tongue because <laughs> it reflects off the snow into your mouth. Anyway, it, it, uh, um. So what's the plateau like? Like it's on an angle and it's like a big slippery disc or something like a. Yeah, it's like it's like a glacier. Like on a, on like a uh, steady but reasonably steep like decline on the way down, uh, and then it's got like it's just got like zigzags of crevasses going along it. So it's like, and then that f- and then that's like if you picture a waterfall, that's like the top of the waterfall, and then as it goes over the crest of it, that's where the icefall is, where that big glacier breaks oh, up into massive fuck. boulders of ice. And then that melts down and feeds the, um, the river. I think it's Boltoro Glacier, which is then adds to the rivers. And But um, yes, yeah, so I'd spewed up. So as well, crossing that, I was just like that dehydrated. So 
man, but you know, it was my special thing coming down. I, I'd become quite close with like the porters and the kitchen staff. Um, the names like Nazir, Katipoli and Sherilee. And they're such <laughs> legends. They like, I, my flag was quite heavy. It was on a steel rod and I was telling them, I was like, oh, I need, I want to try and find some bam- bamboo like to, to, um, to make it lighter because I was trying to for my third summit I was just trying to cut weight like wherever I could anyway that's so that's so sweet they um I like I've gone I've come back and they they found a bit of fiberglass like a real small one and, and one of them sewing the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander flags to it and they're just like and when I was coming down the mountain they were like running up like across the glacier, it was crazy, and they've got um they've got like tea and like biscuits, and then they put like a flower, like a reef, like a for those who summit, they get you get like a special reef around. So there. they found out that you summited because people had told them. Ah, uh, through the radio, so through the UHF when when Pasang, the um the Nepalese Sherpa was at the summit, he he radioed in who was at the su- who was like gonna summit, and uh, yeah, I was. I was lucky enough to be. How cool is that? Even imagine being at base camp and seeing people like, were your mates, were were the boys still down there? Yeah, so they were down there. So So they saw you summit? They they saw. Oh, they heard. They they heard heard about it through the radio. And then, um, yeah, and they just like, yeah, it was pretty special. Because I also, I was only one of four. On the day we summited, there's four people and I was one of four. And we had to, again, we had to, damn break trail because there'd been the dump of snow it wasn't like denali was beautiful conditions on summit yeah this Mm. was this was um hell it was so bad that the brazilian who's climbed eight other eight thousanders myself and miguel the mexican were like how does that compare to like the other mountains he said that is the toughest summit push and the hardest day i've ever had that's been the hardest mountain so that gives me faith to go climb wow. other mountains because wow. Gashabram is supposed to be one of the easiest 8,000s, supposedly. And this is before like hectic climate change and stuff with the ice fall and all that. But it gives me confidence to now go, well, if that if he's saying that that's the hardest, he, he did say that as well. He said only because of the conditions. The conditions made that the hardest. But that gives me confidence to now go, I'm going to go climb. I want to climb more. How many days are we up to now? Oh, who knows? I don't even know. I think like it, I actually, oh, from the from the trek to getting back to base camp. Yeah, how many days was that? Man, I wish I had my diary here. I didn't bring it. And I, I I wrote it like dot points on little details, and I'm sure I've forgotten a few things. But I don't know, man. It was like a, a over a month. Like I don't know. Like we'd been in the mountains for ages. Um, by that point, like it, but, but again, at base camp, it can be quite um comfortable. You have your own tent and, like, they even bring a foam, like, thin foam mattress, which is, like, heaven. But, um, but, like, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, so, so, it, like, and just at least, like, there I could, like, stay reasonably hygienic. What I'd do is I'd get, like, my Nalgene bottles and I'd get three of them and fill them up with boiling water and just pour them on myself. And I bought a scrubbing brush before, so, like. Compared to Denali, it was a lot cleaner. <laughs> mm. what, what, what did it feel yeah. like? Okay, coming down in a summit, they're running up to you. Yeah. You get to see your mates. Yeah. You get to have... You get to have your first like meal down there and sleep. Dude, you know what I mean? Like, what I was is- so fucking hungry. And this is... every All my mates, Australians, first thing they said to me wasn't, 
congratulations on something, they just went, they looked at me and go, you're so skinny. You've lost so much weight. And I, I didn't realise how much I'd lost. So I'm going, oh, yeah, I've lost, I probably lost, you know, like maybe six or eight kilos. Anyway, I normally walk around at like, I, I sort of fluctuate between like 72 and 74. I think I was around 73. But I got down when I weighed myself. After, and this is after the fact. So I'd been, been back for a few days. Camp. Yeah, yeah I, I'd been back and I'd been drinking as many teas and eating as much as I could. I weighed myself and I weighed 61 kilos. And I was kilos. just, I literally weighed, I couldn't believe it well, you, well, you sent me you sent me a photo that, then you lost more than that you probably lost 15 kilos or something i think i, I reckon i would lo- i think maybe i got at my lightest i might have got down to 60 like a lot of it's water weight though from yeah. dehydration but i i was just is insane there's this a photo I, I think i'm I kind of like it's such an unflattering photo there's two of them <laughs> yeah. but i look like it's common like if you do if you do it like a lot of mountaineers take like a after photo of how much weight but i i might post it at some point but mm. i just i look like i look heaps of people have said i look like um christopher mccandless Wait. out of um out of into the wild like yeah, I, you I look actually so do. skinny what, what's my beard and stuff yeah you sent it to me and you said sorry if this scares you <laughs> like that's you know what i mean it's just like it's just like yeah. hey, this is like the the severity of this yeah. whoa yeah oh. i should have done like a sexy like instagram photo. <laughs> like try, done a sexy pose Mate, yeah, just, like, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So, how long do you get in base camp? It's like, cause just, it's not done. You've still got another hundred k trek. Yeah. Oh. oh I, and do you want to know the shittest thing? So I couldn't believe this. So I'm back for a night. I'm back for two nights after this, and I probably needed a fuck man at least a week. A week. And the guys are going. We we're gonna leave. like they had itchy feet. The other Aussies just wanted to go, I think, and and um one of the head sherpas from the other expedition he wanted to go, and you sort of want to go together because then mm. a chef can come. and And they said, look, we're gonna go over um oh, it's like the who she eggs exit or something. So we we're supposed to go on this beautiful exit that was supposed to be two days and shorter, and we've left, and then. We're going across the glacier and there's the turn off for this camp and uh, you have to cross like the glacier and they're looking for a, cl- a crossing and they can't find one. I keep going, looking for a crossing. What, what, and all like, food, like as in the ice is getting too thin or like what? what yeah, so the ice cross? was thin and the rivers are cutting through. So yeah. everything's changing like, and the melt was huge. The melt, like there's so much melting. Like if you don't believe in... Climate at the change. very least, climate change. You, you can you, you just go to the mountains, you'll believe it. <laughs> like yeah. the amount from when I first got there to even when I was leaving, and the amount that all the older mountaineers say how much, and it's making the mountains dangerous, <coughs> more dangerous because yeah. like there's loose rock, like and well, and have... loose ice and more avalanche, less stable um, mm. glaciers, and oh, yeah. So on the way out though, we we were supposed to take this exit, and we couldn't get across and we missed it and then there was like a little blizzard and it all got hectic and then we we couldn't get across and then it was getting late and then we changed our exit to the way we came in which is a 
100 k's like down this other way. But the biggest problem was they ran out of food. <gasps> oh, so, no. so they only took enough for two days. Yeah, because they're supposed to go to this other exit, and and the the guy who runs a company, um, Mr. Gulam. He had sent it um, on some mules to this other exit like a week earlier, because that was the plan. Anyway, the plan changed, and then also there's a huge dump of snow up, you know, after the fact, and then it was hard to get through there. Anyway, there's this big last minute plan to just trek back the 100Ks in three days. Yeah, and it took and it had taken us about six or seven to come in. So after there was a lot after, of tension and disagreement between certain people. Yeah, I was pretty easy just, going. I was just like, whatever, but some but of us But you haven't even so got to sleep like a good... You know, you haven't even... <laughs> you <laughs> haven't Let got your enough. rest Dude. yet. Let this guy rest. Dude, Dude it's a robot. <laughs> Dude, it's like, it was crazy. How do you even have this in you? I You're didn't. Like, my body was starting banana, to fail man. on this. Honestly, yeah. My, dude, at that point, my body was starting to fail. Like, my left knee was really sore, and I was limping, and I'd have my trekking pole and 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 just be trying to, like, take weight off it, but it just really hurt because just the descent coming down from the mountain, I had to pick up all the stuff that had been – that my mates had – um, cached or left behind so I grabbed as much as I could so I had this dumb heavy pack f- from the mountain coming down and oh, then no. and then my body hadn't fully recovered so it was just falling apart and then yeah we had no food and then our, the the one chef who'd been sent with us the others had stayed in camp to pack up he I felt so sorry for him he was just trying to find food like he was asking random mountain guys like for a bit of flour to make a chapati bread or and then, and then, like some of the clients from other expeditions are like just going off their head, like saying they were going to sue the company and and like all this crazy business. And it, we were we were trekking for fourteen hours a day. We trek literally. We'd leave like did early get, morning, did, get there late at night, and we'd get there no tents at the camps. No tents. They had no tents, so they'd get you know because ten, everything ten had gone the other way in. Under like you, and they'd have a little rock wall and like chuck a tarp over you, and you get, you get. Oh, we've got one potato for you, and uh, a tea, and you're just like, it's not their fault, but it sucks so much. Yeah. Like we, like I was thankful for to have anything, but it was tough because I was so Your depleted, body. and then you just get a get a potato, <laughs> and you're just like. <laughs> Yeah, it's still like no when worries. you think it's done, it's still going. Yeah. It's still, and that's the thing. And then also all the little rivers that we crossed on the way in, they weren't little rivers anymore. On the way out, they're all raging rapids, and the, the bridges that we were crossing, it was just like bamboo, like like duct taped together, <laughs> and and you're trying to balance on this thing and get across, and then I think that my favourite day... Wait, wait, wait. Are you carrying all your stuff, or do you still got mules with your butt? So um, we're carrying... All of us were probably carrying about yeah, 17, 16 kilo pack, maybe. Holy shit. Maybe something like that. That um, is a... Oh. And, uh, and we're, all, oh. we're all exhausted, and but we left the majority of our gear um, to come back at a later date with mules once they had organised, because that was another thing. There was a porter shortage, apparently, so they were struggling to get things moving otherwise yeah. he would have just 
organi- like the guy in the company would have had porters bring us stuff. But then as we were getting out, yeah, we realized why there's problems because all these rivers were going nuts and we we're like, holy shit, like this is why one day all we had, there's no food or anything, all we had was a 1.5 litre bottle of Coke each. That's what we had. Oh. That was our sustenance. Your sustenance. And that was our lunch. So I, we get to this like little okay. rock hut in the mountains. And, it's, and it was like the best thing ever though. Like we all just sculled our bottles within like five minutes. It was gone. And just that sugar rush was just like, oh, yeah. oh the best. And, and But then we still had to hike. This is on the last day actually. We still had to hike to, the, to this road where we were supposed to be getting picked up by jeeps. And we're hiking, hiking, and the sun's going down, and the head torches out, and we've crossed these rivers. And like, are you getting so like, how are you crossing I'm the rivers? So, so exhausted at this point. You, like, so I'm just like, I have to get through this. Like, I just want to. And I, you know what? I stupidly, I still had the guitar with me. <laughs> oh, so, no! oh no! Oh my god! Oh, I still my god. had the guitar, and one of the guys, um, one of the. Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Hassan. Hassan, one of the one of the guys, um, porters, offered to carry it, and I was just too proud. I was like, "No, I carry it. I brought it here. Um, I'm taking it back." Um, I think Elia helped on the way in because he plays guitar. He helped on a day or so, but on the way out, I carried it the whole way. I'm like, "No, I'm carrying it." And then um, the joke is, um, I ended up giving him the guitar in the end, <laughs> like uh, as a present. Yeah, um, I was like, oh fuck, I could have given this to him at like literally base camp, and he and and the thing is, dude, like it was a good guitar. It's probably worth a bit, and he they keep it. He sent me photos of him in his village, like playing it with his oh, brother and sick. shit. Which is, yeah, it's cool. But so we get we're going along. We get to this road where we're supposed to be getting picked up, and there's no jeeps. There's nothing, and we're like, where the hell's the car? And then this. We see this guy and he's from like um like Amnesty International. He's like a he's a Pakistani guy, but he's working like they look out for refugees trying to come through mm. the mountains and he says, There's been a massive um flood while you're in the mountains and the bridge is gone like the main bridge coming in is gone. It's been washed away. So but a car got stuck on this side and it's been doing runs like it's like a sort of ten K drive. And the whole roads have been washed away, and this and we and, we, and he's like, come over here, and we hide in this cave. <laughs> it, was a, it was like it was honestly like it was a joke. Like what time it was is ridiculous? Like, at what? this time, it's like it's like fucking one o'clock at night. It, like, and we've so been it's going freezing. all day, and, and it's, it's starting to get cold. We're like putting on jackets and stuff, and then next minute we're in a cave. I'm like I'm like having a cigarette with these dudes in a cave, just like what else? Like what else are we doing? Um, and then this, um, do you this, have a fire in the cave? Jeep, yeah, there's a fire. Oh, thank God! This jeep rocks up eventually, and it's just and about twenty people get in this jeep, like other porters and stuff. Yeah, there are other people yeah. in the cave, or just you yeah, guys? there are other guys there from from other expeditions who'd been waiting there for ages. And we get in this jeep, and it drives on this road that's like non-existent. It's been half of it's in the river, and we're like right next to the river. And it's literally been washed away and we keep going. And one of the guys like, oh, we don't need to cross any water. Like we'll go around this other way. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if we came in on a bridge, we got to go out on a bridge and we keep going. And we get to a point 
and there are these cars as well. It's like going right next to the cliff faces. We get to a point where we can see where the bridge was and we keep driving up to it and we're like, why are we going towards the bridge? This apparently it's been, we get there and it's fully been washed away. And this is a bridge as big as like the Brunsby Bridge, like a big one. Whoa. Like it probably, yeah, span maybe 35, 40 meters. Like it was a wide yeah. one and the water was just ripping. Like I've never seen anything like it. It was terrifying. It's the middle of the night. This water's just like... We're exhausted. We've eaten shit all. We're all at the end of our wits. Like, literally, I was having a cigarette just because I was like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> something. I was just yeah, thinking, I just like, something. I was just thinking, I, a calorie yeah. or something. Yeah. I honestly felt like a prisoner of war, like yeah. escaping some crazy stuff. And this river's just ripping. And I'm like, how the hell will you get over that? And then we're looking, and there's a cable going across the river through like a zip line. To go across. So you ziplined across. So we... Wait, through the do, water or above the above water? Above the water, but over this, like, like fucked up... And what time is it at this stage? Um, It's, like, I think around, like, yeah, one o'clock or something. In the late. morning. It so it's still... It's dark. It's dark. Like, it's dark. And then, yeah. And you're at the river and there's... Oh, my God. And the water's ripping. But the funniest thing was... The, um... Well, I was thinking, like, so what? We, like, get on, like, a... You know, harness... In a harness, I don't know. And then they pull this thing from the other side. And I you can see this hold on thing to coming it. towards. No, no. <laughs> no, it's worse than that. Oh, no. no. This thing comes across and it's like a basket made out of like an old pallet that had been nailed together. And it was like connected by some like wire, literally just like, like fencing wire just wrapped around like a... um like a, a wheel and then that wheel was on top and it was just this dodgy setup. It looked like an apprentice carpenter just smacked some nails together and we had to hop in this basket two at a time and go across this thing and people on the other side would pull and you'd hear the wheel just creaking and squeaking and you'd look up and it was just like the dodgiest thing. And then you're looking down and if you fell in that water, 100% dead, like straight away. No ifs or bit. Parts. And the water went into the old bridge as well, like this old like wire bridge. So even if you'd like, oh, even if even mangled. If, you would have just got mangled. But and <laughs> and this is glacial water too, like freezing cold. And um, I'll find some footage there oh, somewhere. It's annoying. Did you take I pictures filmed, going over? I filmed it on my GoPro, but my GoPro wigged out and like did like you know like it's like a one second yeah video. yeah and yeah. i did like three or four of them and for whatever reason it didn't work but um i'm sure some of the other guys have some footage that i'll have to get a hold of but i can't believe you still haven't had a rest and anyway <laughs> huh? it was crazy and we eventually i got across the river and there's a guy with coca-cola and he's filled up a paper cup and they're like here's a little treat to keep you alive <laughs> and we anyway we ended up getting back to this this building no power in this building so, at and all. you still no haven't showers, eaten um still haven't eaten and then it, luckily that night we had some food like late at night finally got some rest just so relieved to get back to Ascoli, which is that mountain village where they oh. just have rice there's no power it was like it was like blackout in the whole town and then um we get back there we rest um, for a night, and then the next day we we hopped in the car to go back to uh, Skardu, the the jeep early that morning, 
and uh, we're going to sleep and on the way out there's like landslides again all over the road and villages are trying to unblock it. We All these bridges had washed away so we'd be in one jeep then we'd have to hop out and do another river crossing because that bridge was gone. How like would you do walk. the river crossing? They'd, they'd make like artificial, like just whip together like a man-made couple of things and you'd sort of hop out and walk upstream a little bit and then cross and then back down. And I was just wrecked. Like, every time it was just, like, such hard work because my knee so was really So you still hurting. only got one night's sleep in, in Scully? You know? Yeah, and then we're, like, back on the road and then trying to sleep in the car, but you're bumping around and you get to, yeah, like a another landslide and there'd be 30 villages, all the men go out um, and they just, like, move all the rocks. And it's crazy because, like, it's dangerous work. But they all it's like they all go out and Coca-Cola is, like, the real treat over there and they'll take a couple of bottles of Coca-Cola and, like, share it amongst them and that's, like, their treat. But then, like, just when I thought it was all over, just at the very end getting to Skardu, we're driving and this is just a funny thing. I'm finally falling asleep, like, literally, like, just my eyes and I'm like, oh, thank God, no more bridge crossings, finally get to sleep. We're almost at Skardu going to get back to the hotel, eat good food, get some good sleep. And I'm like about to get a sleep. And then the front wheel on the passenger side that I'm sitting on falls off the car, <laughs> falls off the Jeep and just rolls off a cliff. No! Yeah, and we're just sliding in the dirt and lucky it was on a straight and not a corner. Otherwise we would have just gone straight off a cliff. But this thing just rolled and this dude's just looked at me and he's just like, raised his shoulders and done like a like what can you do the guy driving it was so funny i just like i was like what like why why did that happen like it was so classic the universe is punishing you right now oh my god but we got it back on we got it back on you found it uh, yeah one of the the chef who'd come back with us he he takes off like Literally, like, he's in the car behind us and he's, like, looking and he's, like, like sort of in Udu, in the Pakistani language, he's, like, sort of talking to the driver which way it went. The driver, like, kind of points as he's jacking up the car um, with a bottle jack and Katipali, the chef, just, like, runs down this cliff. He's, like, just run over and he just, like, goes down this moraine and next minute he turns up with the... Yeah, he turns up, he found it and it didn't, like, get washed away or anything. It just must have... Landed in a rock, but yeah, about 20 minutes later, he's come back with the tire. It's so funny, man. Over there, there's no registration, no licenses. How did you put it back on? see so much crazy stuff. Um, They took the wheel nuts off the other Jeeps um, that had been lost. And they, like, so one off, like, there's like three or four Jeeps. They take, like, one off each wheel and sort of donate one to the tire that had lost it. So you'd probably have like three nuts holding the wheel on. Yeah, yeah, you had like... And all yeah, of them would just all have only three just, nuts. Yeah, all have three nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then like, um, yeah, but that's just the way it is over there, man. Like you see like 12-year-old boys riding motorbikes with their two brothers on the back and like just on like the highway. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, it's their culture. But it's cool. There's no bureaucracy or red tape. They get a lot of stuff done. And they're lovely people there. Like, honestly, like, Nothing but good stuff experiences for me. Oh. Yeah. What was it like when you rocked up to the hotel? Oh, the biggest relief. Got a got a mango juice and just had a sh- cold shower. What time? <laughs> Wanted was a it? hot shower, but got a cold shower. And uh, we'd been driving like all day, so it was like 
four in the it's a full day's drive from um Ascoli back to Scotty. Um it was like uh like late in the afternoon, maybe like five or something. And we all we all just ate a lot that night and just slept and that's when I guess finally had some decent rest after everything. I mean Ascoli we had a half decent sleep, but it the adventure definitely didn't feel over at least until we made it to Skardu. <laughs> That's when we were back to civilization. Like we could actually. Dude, by this stage, this is like, like, yeah. what five, six weeks? Oh, yeah, something. I lost track, man. <laughs> I, five, I was... six weeks since you've had a shower. Oh, like I mean, a proper shower. Yeah, I used to just uh, I'd I'd get I'd had shampoo and I'd pour boiling water from like a kettle. I'd pour that with a bit of cold water from the glacier, I'd mix it and then pour one of them on me and then a bit of shampoo and then scrub and then pour the other one on me and wash it off. And that felt pretty good. It seemed to do the job. What, when you're at base camp? Yeah, at base camp and yeah. along along the track. But, yeah. Oh, I suppose in the day, was it different to be to have that, have like in the day to have like that warmth? Did you reckon yeah, you have to shower in the day. You, if you Like one time, actually, that's good you said that because one time on the way into the mountains, I made the mistake of boiling my water and going to have a shower just as the sun ducked under, like over the mountains. Uh, and I've poured it on me. And then like within like, yeah, 10 seconds, I was just like shaking, freezing, just because the just sun had gone down. So quick. Yeah, I learned my lesson pretty so quick. quick. Yeah, but it was so nice, man. Fuck, I remember this one time. It was like this beautiful sunny day in Iceland. And I was out surfing this wave. And it was just like, just felt warm. The sun was just like hitting my face. And I was surfing. I had the hood on and everything. And I surfed for a bit. And and then um, I came in and I had like probably a good 600 meter trek across like a kelp forest over slimy rock. Mm. So it really slow moving, trying to move over over and, and not like... Yeah, not nail yourself or slip yeah, on yeah. a rock or drop your board or anything. And I came in, the sun was like hitting me and it felt so warm. And I was like, ah. Oh. And I took my, um, I took the hoodie off, off mm. my head. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. And I did like only two more steps and just the fucking cold just hit my ears. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. And I had my mitts on. And so I'm trying to get the fucking um, hoodie back on and I can't get it back on my head with my mitts. And I was like, I can't take the mitts off because then the same thing's going to happen to my hands. And so I'm trying to get it on, got to the point. I was like, oh, fuck, I've just got to deal with it. I've got to start moving. And by the time I finally got back to the van, my ears were on fire. I was so fucking painful. I was just sitting there. I was getting brain freeze, everything. Because it was just like, <laughs> it's like freezing. Oh, oh. I remember one time I came in from the um as Leaf was doing a little when Leaf came over and did um two weeks with me in Iceland, we were in the van. The first surf we went and this blizzard came in while we were in the surf and I so I came in early because I got got pretty cold and um I'd never locked the van. Yeah. And I had told him if you ever lock it, I just put the keys on the front left wheel or just put them, you know, on the top or whatever. Anyway, I've come in, I've put my board down, taken the leggy off, taken um, my hoodie off, taken my mitts off, and then went to get the key, and the key wasn't there. Oh, no. And I was like, fuck, and everything's going like my body, you know, I'm already that cold, I've been in the surf for fucking so long, I'm in a blizzard, it's it's fucking white out, and now I can't find the fucking key, my hands, everything's going so painful, body's going into hypothermia, you're going around, I'm looking, and I can't fucking find the keys, looking at every wheel, and I finally found it in like this crevice up near the front right wheel, get the car open, 
get in, trying to get warm, trying to boil some water, getting it all done and everything. I'm like, get my clothes on, get warm. And then Leaf comes in. I was like, oh, dude, dude. You gotta um you gotta make sure you fucking put the key on. And he like didn't see the severity of it, so he started giving me shit. He's like, Oh, whatever. Like and I was like, No, nah, you gotta make sure the key's in the right like, you know? Yeah. And he's like, cause he hadn't cause it was his first day, he didn't um understand the severity of like how quick stuff goes yeah. south. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Oh, how were your feet? You said that like, you couldn't feel your feet the whole time and everything. When you got back, first yeah. had a shower, like when when did you have the moment to check your body? Um, oh, like, yeah, I think just getting, I checked it like in the tent after the summit push, like when I was going to bed, checked my toes, but then, yeah, I didn't get like, I just tried to get them in hot water and all that sort of things. Like I didn't have any frost nip, nip or frostbite or anything. I think they just went numb and cold and I don't know. It happened on Denali too. Like my, like they went numb and then it just took like another week before they sort of back at normal life before they start feeling back. I think it's and like it hurts, hey, mm. when you can't. I've had it that I went yeah. like a week without being able to feel my feet in Iceland. Yeah. And I was like, I messaged Jeff Wilson, like, what do I do? Because I started freaking out because I just couldn't get feeling back in my feet and they just ached. Yeah. Every time right. I move, I'm trying to stretch them out or like do little, I was trying to do all these like little exercises, <laughs> getting the blood into them. Yeah. And I just, anything I did, I tried to stretch, it was just pain. It was just then trying to walk on them. Yeah. It was like, like they had like, yeah, like a bar up in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a while, I guess. How does your body feel now? <laughs> I feel depleted. I feel like, I, it's weird, I feel like my joints and stuff need a good rest and I feel like depleted, but I also feel like I'd be pretty fit at the moment. How, how <laughs> long like, How long since you got back, like how long from today to when you're in that hotel the first, uh, in, in Skoda? Skoda? Um, how long has it been since I was in a Like since you got back, yeah, from that. Maybe this. like... Oh. Just over two weeks. Oh, so we're this fresh. is just two yeah. weeks ago. This was all happening oh, to you. Um, no, more than that, actually. I think more like three, three weeks, maybe. How like yeah. how much do you weigh now? I don't know. Actually, I think I've put it. <laughs> let's I've weigh it back on. Let's, let's weigh him. Weigh him. <laughs> Wait, no, let's do, weigh him, do you have yeah. fucking? Yeah, I got a scale. Where are they? The, let's go. Weigh go get them. Yeah. They're in now. Tell you have LV to pause it or no, no, no. Let's wait. So I'll go get Let's the. Let's wait. Oh God. Yeah, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is it? Why on earth did you do this? Oh. It's like, oh God. It's like Patty. What? So what's your next thing? What are you gonna do? Ah, oh, I don't know. I'd like to go to Nepal. I think next. Um. I want to, yeah, keep climbing without oxygen. Keep climbing. The only problem is it's just like, yeah, expensive. To, you know, not super expensive the style that I climb it in, but you know, probably spend eight grand an expedition. So I think I want to keep climbing. I'd like to keep climbing, and yeah, just doing it like self-funding it. But it'd be cool to get it to a point where I'm climbing enough and done enough mountains that I can get some sort of sponsorship because it just make it more achievable for me to keep going. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. want to just keep climbing and steadily increase the difficulty of the mountains and also the altitude of like how high I go. And like there's certain things I'll do different um for the next mountain that will be will you know, it will make me like I want to go lighter, get lighter gear, you know, have it have a simple tent. Not, yeah. not complicate things um yeah. too much and um and i think i won't lose as much weight if i climb like that <laughs> i think i just i've learned a lot from this expedition do you think you'll eat a lot more be fatter before you leave 
yeah definitely i think i'd like to yeah, put on a bit more weight but also do more like um pack training for sure instead of just like triathlon stuff like, it it's good cardio and you just stand up yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you make it work? Oh, it's on. You just stand on it. Uh, it's, it's like a way. What, what did I miss? Price fighter. What did I miss? A whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sixty-five. Oh my god! Wow. So you're still nine kilos. Yeah. Under. Or seven or nine kilos under. Mm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I, I honestly think I probably got down to 60. And I couldn't believe that, but it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> but you feel like you still feel like strong. Like you said, you just want to go straight back up another mountain. If I, oh man, if I had the money or like if I was like sponsored by some mad company or something and to pay for, I'd go in a month's time, 100%. I'd just put on weight. I, I, I had such a good time and I, um, the annoying thing is, like, now I'd be acclimatised and I'd be fit, but I can't afford to go do another one. Yeah, that's so. what I was, was going to ask you. You were saying one guy was going to do four climbs yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Did he do that? Uh, he did um, He did three. He oh, didn't he did do four. Three. He missed out on uh, G1. So he did K2, Broad Peak, and G2, but he didn't do G1. But awesome effort from him. He, he, he was smart. It was like dangerous conditions and he didn't want to push it so he wow. called it but yeah that's the annoying thing because like ideally you'd, i think personally you, you'd do sort of two at a time like you because you're already you, you, yeah so like but then yeah i'd go lighter i was saying to the guys before i like i'd go lighter with my gear i'd refine yeah like everything like every bit of gear i'd cut weight off and i'd try and yeah, just try and do it a bit more efficiently without burning unnecessary calories to to get me to the summit. And hopefully I'd have more rest in between my pushes. Because then that way, if I'd say, say I'd done that on G1, I could have, if I'd climbed it efficiently and had enough rest in between, I could have then had a crack at, sorry, I could have had a crack at G1, Gashabrum 1, which is the mountain right next to it. But... I, I just burnt and I actually considered it because I had some friends who were climbing and after the bad weather had passed in like two or three weeks and I was for a second I entertained the idea but then I just my my other teammates the other Australians were like nah you're too you're too depleted you shouldn't even think about this and I thought about it and I was like yeah of course I'm I'm wrecked why the hell would I now attempt another I'll I'll come back when nothing because I'll die so wow um, hey, yeah when you got back and I, I when you got back and I was chatting with you and then I googled the mountain it was only because this is only a couple of weeks ago I was on night shift I was on my break and I was just been chatting with him and then I was like googling like different stats and everything mm. and it had like how many people had died and the on the mountain and then i looked and the last person that died was like three weeks before that mm. when you were on the mountain well i don't know if that like you heard something i don't know but it was like yeah it was that true or did you hear anything yeah i don't know there's a lot of like chinese whispers in the mountains because like different nationalities saying different things but i actually do do vaguely remember like there was an accident this is the problem they sometimes say oh there's been an accident and you don't know if it's an accident or a fatality I heard there was an accident with uh, a porter, a Pakistani porter on the plateau falling in a crevasse. But I don't know if that was a fatality or mm. what. But, like, I mean, I think every mountain has the ability to. Because um, it was a. Sh- it was. It was that, a porter. It was a. Sh- 
Mm. Yeah, so porters know. just like porters are porters can be any nationality. Uh, they can be Nepalese, they can be Sherpa people, which is like the yeah, like the people of Nepal, or they can be yeah, like Pakistani. A porter just carries gear, and there's yeah. you know normal porters go to base camp, and then there's high altitude porters who go above base camp. And some of these guys are like really tough climbers, and they carry ridiculously heavy packs for for clients of various nationalities. But yeah, sometimes these guys they're carrying too much weight to make money and stuff and accidents happen and Or they yeah, yeah, and they're like they're yeah. going through crazy yeah. like terrain know, yeah. on a daily mm. basis. They're crossing the, the oh, ice yeah. fall. And they're doing it a lot more often. And like see I from a moral point of view, like I I'm I am i am not saying I'll never use and also everyone's gotta to climb to their age and their ability so i'm not against anything and i think it's great because it puts money back into the economies and things in a lot of ways and i'm not against oxygen people who use oxygen not after this trip definitely not because you know there's you see a 60 year old who's climbed with one sherpa and oxygen that's pretty damn impressive at that age but um yeah what was i saying <laughs> just with um i think it's all impressive yeah. At whatever level, this stuff's fucking scared. But yeah, that is one thing that I morally like because going through an ice fall, if you're paying a porter, that's you're paying them to go through that danger lots of times. Um, yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that. It's I, just like I you, personally yeah. think you should risk that. Why should yeah. money, in a way, I don't know. One okay, day they'll get, use drones or I something. I get exactly what you drones. mean. Might be on your yeah. 100%. I reckon, yeah. honestly, one day there'll be drones and they'll just do drops and rescues. They'll do rescues with a big drone. Well, you could even do Who a knows? drone and, like, scout out an area before you walk through it. Well, that's mm-hmm. – I, I think they're already doing that. It's crazy. Like, I think they scout out the um, ice fall maybe with a drone or at least the plateau because they can go over the top and from a bird's eye view and see the best way through. Because mm. yeah. um, it might – Which isn't – I don't. I don't necessarily think even. I don't know. Because uh, that's going to be the next thing. That's going to be yeah. the next movie. Like or except debate. for like, like it's going to be about that stuff. But it's like what isn't there like a level going. that the you know that the um, choppers can't go past? Yeah, I think and like drones would be 7, the same, 000. wouldn't be? I think drones are electric. Yeah, you I think it's to do with drones. the engines, maybe. Oh, <laughs> it's and, not uh, to do with the air, the thin air. Well, I I think helicopters they burn fuel. Yeah, and there's okay, not, not enough oh, oxygen yeah. in the fuel to get them up there or something like that. Mm. But drones are electric. You just who knows, yeah. man. I was more thinking of like the lift, like the the don't worry, yeah, that yeah. makes way more sense. Yeah. Fuck. Ah, that's amazing. Do, how do you feel within yourself, <laughs> man? Like, do you feel strong within yourself? Like that you do, do you realize what you've pulled off? I know you're back here, you're sitting with us or whatever, and like, yeah, it's crazy to us, but like. Uh, to you, to yourself, do you realise what you've pulled off? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, I guess. Like I don't you know. fucking I feel like did an 8,000 I'm just man. starting though. I honestly feel like I'm just at the beginning. I know, but it does it doesn't. It's all fucking psycho. You mm. know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you're con- right now you're saying that's kind of comparing yourself. You just did it for two weeks. I mean, I mean, two weeks ago, you're just with 
dudes who do that. You're in that world. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? So you're around that. So that's kind of becoming a normality. Yeah. Right now, we're back. We're in fucking Byron. Yeah. We're sitting in Lennox Head right now. It's like there is no one yeah. around here yeah. going for 8,000 meters peaks. It's just like, yeah. yeah, okay, in that world, if that's what people do, in this yeah. world or majority of the world, people don't, aren't doing yeah. that. You know what I mean? You pulled off something psycho. Yeah. That's I w- insane. Like, it's like, it's not even that. It's like, you went through such a pilgrimage. It's like, whether if it's the mountaineer world, whether if it's like riding a push bike across Australia, whether it's this, whether it's that, you've just done something that has pushed yourself completely to your limits and beyond, and you've pulled it off. You know what I mean? You've gone to the point where your body's shutting down and hallucinating and going day in, day out in extreme, not just extreme conditions, extreme dangerous <laughs> conditions where rocks and crevasse and things are falling in avalanche. Mm. Then you've got temperature, pushing yourself through, blisters, dehydration, starvation, body shutting down, not even sleeping, <laughs> not even sleeping, just yeah, sun, yeah. sunburned. Look it up. (laughs) What's that? For months. For months. It's just like, you know what I mean? It's It's just like, just because, like, there's a few people, like, (laughs) doing it, the rest of the world's not, man. It's fucking psycho. I think, I think, like, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself for sure. I think, like, I don't know. I feel like I still. Have a long way to go, yeah. but like, yeah, it was definitely a big milestone <laughs> for me. But you know, the best compliment I got was from a, um, a Sherpa, Temba. He goes, he said to me, he goes, I think you could be real mountaineer. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, real, like real mountaineer. And I was like, I oh, like, it was yeah. mad, man. It was just cool. Like, that's like the ultimate compliment. Yeah. It's after I summited because he knew the style that I summited in. And it was mad just to get like that sort of acknowledgement of some respect. Like, Wait, dude, dude. That was epic, like just hearing that. And then he even offered, he was like, to, he offered to, um, here uh, to do base camp for Menaslu, which is like in September, but I, I can't afford to do it. Like it's, I don't have, I'm literally broke getting back. Um, but like he said, oh, you can pay me back next year. But I'm like, oh, I don't God. feel comfortable doing that. But yeah. oh man, it sucks because I'd love to, like it'd be perfect, have a month, get fat, <laughs> work a bit. And, and then go again. But you know, I've got other commitments and responsibilities back here in Australia i got to do, but you know, maybe next year or something. <sighs> Fucking Dude. save up money and make it happen. I was at, I was, um, <sighs> When I saw your video, mm. like, it's funny, Shelby got emotional too. Like, I saw his video, van and I fucking teared up. I literally oh, teared up. And then um, I got I got home from work and I called Shelby. It was like, you know, seven in the morning, whatever, I'm about to go to bed, just off the night shift. Yeah. And, um, and she goes to me and I called her to tell her. Yeah. And she goes, did you see? And I was like, yeah. And she was telling me, like, she teared up. And I was like, did you? And we, like, started watching it again while I was talking to her. I was just, like, so freaking, like. And, dude, then I got to work. We got to chat. Yeah. And then um, I got to work. I just told, I just kept telling everyone. And everyone's like, what the fuck? I was like, my mate just summited. And, um, dude, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. You know, like, and that was, like, us like from the outside like i remember i called you just to tell you i was like rio like guess what yeah yeah and i was like you know what i mean it's just like i appreciate the love dude and it's lovely like the messages i got from 
like different people just like reaching out like some who i'm close with some like not super but like it's just nice to get that yeah like well, just that that appreciation in those ways because it was tough yeah man sure. you gave us like you gave us all hope you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you gave us all hope like you went and pulled off something incredible it's so fucking inspiring you know what i mean anyone listening to this right now has just listened to something that like you you're a normal dude living in fucking byron you know what i mean you got your place you got your life in mullum yeah. you know you've got your business you normal dude going through the day-to-day life yet you went out and fucking pulled off something incredible mm. you know what i mean it's just like how freaking inspiring is that oh, i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i was running with you not too long ago you know yeah. and it was like yeah you know you know what i mean i appreciate <laughs> it i don't know <laughs> It's wow. so I'm gonna keep going. I want to keep going. I definitely want to keep going. Well, keep climbing, to, so. to be honest, like yeah, well, you don't have to do anything other than just what you want to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no. You don't have to like. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Nah. Yeah, mate. It's Phenomenal. great for talking. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. <gasps> thanks for having us and yeah, chatting about it and asking such great Thank questions because yeah, Hugh's just it's like cool. oh man, it's just mind blowing. Just completely, you know, I can't even believe you, you know, can do that. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. It felt like I've been on a bit of a climb. I want to go run. I want to go run and shit. Like, yeah, I've got so right. much energy right now. I'm shaking. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. For sure. It can all be done. Yeah. If you want it to. What do you what do you what do you uh, think of that, Rio? Pretty I'm just blown away. I, I laughed the whole time because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> Literally. I had no no way of even beginning to feel what I was feeling. I just can't like I would yeah. It's beyond I, me. I couldn't fathom. Like in a way it's like you can't even paint the picture you're trying to. But it's like especially when you're saying like you're going for a summit. You know, you haven't slept. It's white out. Like, people don't understand that like, you're climbing, like, ice mm. and rock. And it's fucking freezing cold. You have no oxygen to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Your body's dying. You're hallucinating. You're like, you're looking at fucking, what are we looking at again? Mortal? Who are you yeah. looking at? Climbing up a needle. And you're looking yeah. at this, some dude, some monster running down the mountain going, oh, oh dude, that was All right, I'm losing it. Ever. Just keep moving. <laughs> that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you? Oh, my God. What did your mum say? I go out and eat. Yeah, I've been yeah. eating today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. after hearing your story, I just felt like the weakest asshole in the world. I've got to go and eat. You haven't eaten for like a week. Yeah, I'm still fine. Had, had yeah. a 1.5 of coke. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, I won't forget that. I don't know what Mum thinks. She um she wants me to stop pretty much. Uh, she, in, in, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's sort of like, how many more do you have to do? Like, but no, like, well, she she would have been so happy and relieved yeah, that you made it. Yeah, and I think she's proud. But yeah, I I think, and I don't blame her for she. I think it's dangerous, and I don't blame blame her for not wanting her son to go throw himself in these crazy situations. Mm. But oh, we man, will there's see. A, there's yeah. a couple of quotes. Yeah. And the Alone show always has those incredible quotes at the start, like about like the courage of man, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, or like, you know, pushing yourself through those, 
yeah, those situations, like that's what breeds gods, you know, that's what breeds men. Well, well, anyone like that's, that's a bad analogy, but it's like, you know, it's just, that's just what, yeah, it's just fucking life. I don't know. Mm. I just love that once that, that quote, which is Jeff Wilson, it was in his book. It was like all men are dreamers of the dreamers, dreamers of the day are dangerous men. Because dreamers of the night will we'll just will wake up to find it was vanity. Oh, they're dangerous. Yeah, because dreamers of the day will go out and make things possible. Mm. You know what I mean? They'll push themselves in the fear, and that's why they're dangerous men. You know, mm. you know what I mean? Like in a good way. You know, the dreamers of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I need a light. Fuck, I feel like I've, like there's no oxygen in here. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been in here long enough. I'm tired. Uh, all right. <laughs> wow. Let's get out of here. Right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Now, guys, if you like this episode, feel free to share it for me. Take a screenshot, put it on your social media stories, tell your mates, tell your mum. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. I'll see you guys next time. I do it like a double.